Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Barrens for our 100th episode discussing the 1990 miniseries, It. This miniseries was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace and written by Wallace and Lawrence D. Cohen, based off of the iconic novel by Stephen King. It takes on the task of tackling Stephen King's nearly 1,100-page novel in just over three hours. With the talented cast of adult and child actors and an unforgettable performance from Tim Curry as Pennywise, the It miniseries informed and influenced an entire generation of horror fans at a formative age. This miniseries was recommended to us by friends of the show Michelle Moore, Eggy, Jazzy Traficano, and over on Instagram by friends of the show Spooky Susie Sparkle and Deathbed underscore Samsung underscore Fridges. Thank you all so much for your suggestion and thank you to everyone for your continued support. So what did you guys think of the It miniseries the first time you saw it? So this was basically a, well, pretty much a fresh watch Mm -hmm. because I have seen this once, but that was it. Um, I did enjoy this a lot. I enjoyed this very, very much, but I do, I do want to point out so that people are just mad at me from the jump. (laughs) Um, I watched the remake and remember it more than I do this movie. So for me, the remake's a little better for me than this, but I think it's only because I'm spoiled by the CGI and the effects. Mm -hmm. So... I get this was on TV, right? Yeah. Okay, so I get they had to kind of... They could only do something. I, I get that, but I I won't lie and be like, no, you know, it's, it's okay. Like, I'm a, spoil, I'm a spoiled brat yeah. when it comes to the killings and CGI. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see heads cut off, whatever. So to me, it was like, oh, this is very tame. I was like, this... But I got to remember... It's TV. I was yeah. like, so, but for what it was, this was really good. Like, this was really, really good. Considering it was kind of a first watch for you, mm-hmm. like, would you say, like, you don't have that, I guess, nostalgic pull? Right, right. Okay. And I think that's kind of to uh, what kind of did it for me. It didn't, not that it doesn't mean anything to me, but it doesn't mean anything to me. I you know to, what I mean? I like, have to ask, does it hold up as, as, a mini series on its own like does it hold up to 20 because i cannot divorce myself um, from watching this <laughs> as a five-year-old like i this is just i i like this movie in a different way than i do the remake okay, okay. um but you're not lo- watching it and being like okay like that no, clearly I mean, this I was mean, 1990 or something. i mean well of course and i am the remake too i mean every movie there's like oh come on you right, know what right, I mean? yeah. but no i'm not sitting here the whole movie like this is fucking stupid but it, it visually but, holds up no, yeah. Okay. Oh no. Okay. This, because I feel like this, it does, but I am completely uh biased. biased. Yeah. To me, the what sells this Pennywise is that he's there. Yeah. And you, it's not CG. So it's like, holy shit, that's you know what I mean? That looks really good. Mm-hmm. As to where the remake, it's like that's that's CGI. What you got? Like, what yeah. you got? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, it looks cool, but it's like you're not doing that, dude. No. It's like stop that. I wanted to bring up the idea of it being a TV miniseries Mm -hmm. because that is one thing that does kind of suck, but you understand. Yeah, no, yeah. The fact that they only had three hours to go. Yeah. So a lot of things had to be cut. And the content, it's 1990. Yeah. yeah. On, <laughs> on TV. Yeah. Network television. Yeah. So do so, we know where this aired on? Like, it was what? on ABC. 
Really? Yeah, in 1990. ABC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was over the span of two nights. All right. <laughs> Mom and dad told me it was 1990. They were glued to the screen. Yeah. I bet. I was oh, yeah. I yeah, bet. I wasn't born yet. Nay, yeah. Nay was like one, but she wasn't making memories. Yeah. So <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, this is my first memory. Really? <laughs> That's why you've always hated clowns. <laughs> But I. But you married one. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, womp womp. Right. But I remember us watching it as kids, right, and loving the shit out of it, but also being horrified by it because right. this, for a generation, sparked everybody's oh, yeah, no, yeah, like complete fear of clowns, and it's all because of Tim Curry's mm. performance. But I do think that with nostalgia being as powerful as it is, I think I prefer this to the films. Right, right. But I understand how, honestly, I think if I were to meet a new horror fan. Right. And they were like, hey, I heard that they made an adaptation of It. Yeah. I would probably show them the, the movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, like Nay said, divorce myself from the nostalgia. For, oh, yeah. For me, like, this is like, we talked about it on our first episode of Creep Show. Right. Being a warm blanket. Mm-hmm. The second the opening music hit for this miniseries, mm-hmm. I, I felt cuddled. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I watched it on DVD. I think we all did. And just the, like, home screen music. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to be here. No, I get it. I was... uh <laughs> talking with uh, Lala last night mm-hmm. and we were talking about movies like that and she was saying how Dawn of the Dead is one of those movies for her mm-hmm. and uh, I told her I said no I really enjoyed this but for me the remake is like that mm-hmm. and uh, you know like and your sister can tell you for a while I only watched World War Z I didn't watch TV he did. I didn't I watch I, anything I, I, I only no watched World War Z I was like that with 2012 I was like that with The Day After Tomorrow I don't know what it is but these movies they're like so good it's like i don't give a shit if i'm just listening to them i want them on the tv uh-huh. and uh so i get it i you know what i mean i get that feel like you said the warm feeling yeah it's like oh no i i don't care if i'm over there and i barely hear jake gyllenhaal's voice i want to hear it <laughs> so i know that it's on the tv there are parts i mean let me just start by saying i i adore this i'm obsessed with it it's it's funny honestly because they're watching it for the purpose of reviewing it or even like because clearly i watched this before i ever read it right mm-hmm. and so i i know this is not a great adaptation of the novel <laughs> i know it's not it takes the core yeah and then it really gets rid of everything <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah the character arcs aren't bad no, they're not. No. I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way because I did read that Tommy Lee Wallace never read the the novel before he, until after. Right. I, I, I heard on commentary that whenever he got the script from Larry Cohen, well, his name's Lawrence Cohen, but we go way back. Larry, <laughs> yeah. Apparently. L-Dog. Uh, yes. When he read L-Dog's script, he was <laughs> very impressed by it. And then that's what had him sign on. But I think he read it after. He All read right. the script. Yeah. But also Larry Cohen, L-Dog, he wrote <laughs> <laughs> he wrote Carrie, the screenplay. Oh, oh shit. Nice. So it's like, you know, Stephen King obviously trusts him because yeah. he made one of the best adaptations, you know? And yeah. so nice. uh, I think that his script retains a lot, but also misses. No, I think you got it right that it has the heart of it. But like as a whole story, it's not a it's not a full adaptation. But to be fair, a full adaptation is pretty impossible in three hours. I was going to say, plus on TV, 
I don't know. Especially, yeah. especially yeah. on TV. So, I mean, I feel like they did the best with what they, the time that they had. Right, right. I think all the acting is really great. I think mm-hmm. Tim Curry, for me, this is just the pinnacle of performance. Like, right. he is, he's perfect to me. I've never seen anybody have more fun. No, no he's, yeah. <laughs> what did I say? When you when you love what you do, you know. No, Pennywise has um, never worked. No. <laughs> I read that he was reluctant because he didn't want to, to wear a bunch of makeup. Yeah, because he had come off a ton of roles where he had. Yeah. yeah. And but his performance was so strong that we were like, we don't even need all the makeup we were planning to no. do. So he looks like a fucking just regular clown most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and they had a ton of makeup tests where they put a bunch of prosthetics in and it just didn't work as well for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Tim fucking Curry. Yeah. It's enough. Okay. <laughs> He's enough. I know you were talking about time constraints. I don't know if you knew that it was originally planned to be an eight to ten hour miniseries. Ooh. And it was supposed to be directed by George Romero. What? Oh yeah. It's an alternate timeline that I'd love to explore. But when they cut the time and the budget, he left. Oh wow. Well, I mean so. He's like, Do you know who the fuck yeah. I am? Yeah. <laughs> but no, I love this. And admittedly watching it to review it or watching it kind of like okay, put your grown up eyeballs on and stop, you know, pretending that you're sick yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Mm, that's impossible there's it is a it's impossible (laughs) and b i know that there are moments in this that are funny on accident (laughs) and i can laugh at them at the same time as being like this is fantastic yeah this is perfect it's you it's like both parts of your brain (laughs) (laughs) now before we show this film our deadlights we would like to issue a warning for spoilers Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast and in thoroughly discussing horror films we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's keep our promise. So the miniseries opens with a giant title screen, it in huge red letters. The credits roll as we see photographs of children and houses in a photo album. We stop on a black and white photograph of the Paramount movie theater, the marquee reading, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. The photograph turns to color as we see the Paramount in present day, no longer announcing a film, but announcing the theater itself as a retail space for lease. Very sad. Very sad. Mm -hmm. You hate to see that happen to cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Scorsese's crying somewhere. Yes. (laughs) I do want to say, first of all, even with the opening being very 90s. Right. It is. (laughs) It feels dated, but dated in a way that warms my heart. Yeah. Right. And the music is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I read that the gentleman, I can't remember his name, that composed the music won an Emmy for this miniseries. He, He should have, because I was thinking that throughout the film, it's ominous but uh-huh. still like playful right it's the way that the balance of it i was very impressed by mm-hmm. there's a whimsy yeah right. to it i also love the way that the miniseries deals with time and transitions yeah, yeah that that was a uh, a lot better yeah <laughs> the cutting back and forth yeah and I, it's it's a virtue of having both the children and the adults cast at the same time yeah, yeah. because the films couldn't Right. Well, and I mean, I know we had talked about this not being a perfect adaptation to the novel, but that's the way it's told in the novel. Yeah. And I feel like it's a really good way to show us who they are. Right. Meeting them as a child and seeing what they've become. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I can get the merit of getting to know them as kids and then seeing them later. But I don't know. I, I prefer the bouncing back and forth. And I mean, we obviously we're not there yet, right. but uh-huh. we'll get to it. And uh, obviously we talked a lot more about the book when we covered the newer films. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we need to harp as much yeah. on the discrepancies. There will be some things we bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you really want to hear that shit, <laughs> we're, we're talking episode 54, episode 55. There we go. Mm-hmm. We reread the novel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Y'all read them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thunder cracks in the sky and it begins to rain as we see a neighborhood. Teacups sit in yards and laundry hangs on clotheslines. A little girl, Lori Ann, happily rides her tricycle singing Itsy Bitsy Spider. And I want to say I've credited as many people as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Some people I just could not find. Okay. Yeah. Who, who played who? Uh, she played herself. <laughs> <laughs> but I did think that it was interesting because this time it finally caught on with me. Itsy Bitsy Spider that she's singing. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is this foreshadowing? Right. Absolutely. We'll talk more later. Yeah. But. <laughs> but her mother gathers up laundry and calls to her to come inside because there's obviously a storm coming. Mm-hmm. But she rushes inside alone as Lorianne is still wheeling her trike up the walkway. I, I've, I've no kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think that I would let her out. Uh, yeah. No. This, this kid's very tiny. Yeah. I, she's very small. Yeah. But I try to think in 1990... I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, maybe because kids were fucking. It's yeah. like they had full time jobs. Like they <laughs> were just gone. <laughs> they deleted child labor laws yes. in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm off to work, mom. And the kids just are come you back. smoking? Yeah. <laughs> they just come back at dinner time. You don't know where the fuck they were with their lunch pail. Yeah. <laughs> when the when the street lights come on, you need That's to be get home. Get your ass yeah. inside. But Lorianne stops to pick up a doll and hears laughing coming from the direction of the billowing sheets on the clothesline. There's nothing there at first, but she suddenly gets a glimpse of a happy clown. This is Pennywise, played by the one and only Tim Curry. Amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lorianne smiles at him, but the next time we get a glimpse of Pennywise, he's not smiling back. <laughs> From his point of view, we rush toward Lorianne, who is now wearing a look of worry. But just as we reach her, it fades to black. I have a few things here. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it made me laugh that he just went, hi. Yeah. <laughs> and then he eats her. Like, Well, that that was my question. Did he eat her? I'm assuming so. There's no pleasantries. He's yeah, actually more just, conversational. Well, he's like, it's starting to fucking rain. Yeah, like, I just I did my makeup. Yeah. I got a fresh beat. I'm not trying to be out here. The other that thing is going to get mad frizzy dude, yeah. in the rain. It's frizzy as it is. <laughs> Come on. He's got to get back inside. He does look cool, though. Yeah, I will say fantastic. that. Uh, right then I was like, oh, shit. I was like, that looks really good. Full clown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Like well, circus clown. And I know that that was we an issue. Yeah. <laughs> I know that that was an issue that we had with the remake was right. that he never looks like a happy clown. No. Yeah. That kids would want to be like, oh, right. my God, I want a balloon. Like, I, I'm in a, a grown ass woman and I'd be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here yeah Yeah. this fucking evil shakespearean (laughs) (laughs) like it's unbelievable but i i wanted to talk about tommy lee wallace Mm -hmm. the director because not only was he part of john carpenter's crew yeah i recognized the name (laughs) yeah he uh directed season of the witch Uh halloween three hey but i see a lot of carpenter's techniques in this film with like the monsters pov already from the start right yeah and I also wanted to point out, just because it's a fun fact, but Tommy Lee Wallace designed Michael Myers' mask. 
Oh, all right. So he's so dude's a badass. Yeah, yeah. and responsible for two iconic villains. Yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. So pretty cool. Not that he invented Pennywise, but <laughs> well, the visual. But he made him. You know, yeah. he, he, he brought it to us. Yeah. Thank you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> When Lori Ann's mother comes back outside to get more clothes, the trike is overturned, but the wheels are still spinning. She calls out to her daughter, telling her not to scare her when she gets no answer. When she notices the trike, she goes over to investigate and immediately begins to scream. The wheels stop turning. I know this is TV, so you can't show a kid dying, mm-hmm. but I want the viewers to know and listeners that he did not turn her into a tricycle. He did. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't think he did. That's not, I hope not. I My remember, girl, a bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when um, I was a kid, I never understood why we couldn't see bad stuff happening mm-hmm. to, I remember it was Silver Bullet and something oh, happens yeah. to a kid. Yeah. And I told my mom, I was like, why did it cut away? She's like, they're not going to show a child being murdered. I was like, hmm, well, <laughs> as a child, I'm like, equal rights. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know why I was like annoyed by it. We've already gotten rid of child yeah. labor laws. <laughs> I did want to point out, and I understand it's ABC. Right. Their 90s were a different time yeah, for yeah. certain issues. But I see we're not going to touch the Adrian Mellon storyline with a 10 no. foot clown pole. No. Obviously not. Yeah. Unfortunately, because I feel like and I'm sure I said this in chapter two, but I appreciated it being included Mm -hmm. because it was something obviously this is the only adaptation I had, you know, any I this is like the only one right? right besides the new ones. Yeah. So when I read the book, I was like that part genuinely scared the shit out of me, like Mm -hmm. as an adult reading the book. So, yeah, kind of kind of sucks, but. And there was a lot of detail there that that is horrifying. Yeah. But um I understand they're really streamlining everything. Right. And I guess it makes more sense for this story that they're telling for it to be a little a girl. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it. They also said ABC one of the conditions of making it was they couldn't show <laughs> children in peril. Uh, he's like did it's, they read it's the it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was ABC what the fuck. Yeah. They're it like was, only happy kids here. Yeah, well, you know. No. But later, Lorianne's body, well, her body is loaded onto an ambulance, so mm. I guess he didn't turn her into a trike. Well, that's good to know. No, he just took a bite or something. Yeah, I don't like him having those powers. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. The fucking Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's good Pennywise did that <laughs> thing. It's good. But the yard is blocked off with police tape. Mike Hanlon, played by Tim Reed, looks on dismayed. He picks up the wet, discarded doll out of the gutter and is quickly admonished by one of the cops who says that the chief is going to freak out if he sees Mike over here. He's just trying to help, man. He is. like, God damn. Mike simply says that he won't tell if the cop doesn't. And he's like, what's going on? And the cop's like, we'll listen. (laughs) (laughs) He says there's not much left, just like last time. But when he goes to spell more tea, the chief immediately comes over and takes the doll from Mike. I guess we're not like bagging evidence or like, you know, let's all handle this. (laughs) Pass it around. He reminds him that he told Mike to stay out of this, but Mike says he's just a concerned citizen and six missing or dead kids is cause for concern. When the chief tries to dismiss them as runaways, Mike's like, come on, a five or seven year old is just going to take off. I mean, that's a fair uh, point. They have to work. (laughs) (laughs) They're on a deadline. That's how we knew they were missing is (laughs) their boss called. Yeah, they didn't turn in their projects. (laughs) But the chief says that one of the kids was taken by their father, but he has to admit that he has no explanation for the other one. Mike puts it plainly. There is something terribly wrong Mm. and dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
made me laugh as a kid so hard. It's funny to me because he changes. I think that he catches his accent like 50% yeah. of the time. Because uh, right. there's later on when he's like dairy, terrible. Yeah. But here he's Not like. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I haven't gotten to know Mike yet. Yeah. <laughs> My first day. The first scene. <laughs> But the chief reminds him that he's a librarian, not a cop, and just walks away. Mike starts to walk away himself, but stops when he sees a picture, rain-soaked and lying next to a tree. He picks it up and muses, Georgie. I love the idea of Pennywise just leaving that thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> but- right, it was the point. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, he's the only one who knows what the fuck that is. Yeah. And the other thing as well is that the chief, if Mike keeps showing up to these crime scenes, don't you start to suspect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mike? no, he's inserting himself. Yeah, that's the it, first that's, person you look at. They do it all the time. Just finding weird evidence everywhere. It's like, oh, look at this. Uh-huh. We'd never Where did you get that, that yeah. from? Where'd you get that doll from? He's like, uh, so what's the crime, man? Yeah. Like, all these questions. It's bad. It's a bad look. But that night in the library, Mike writes in his journal. He says there's been another killing, but this time it was something more. A picture was there that simply couldn't have been there. And now it's time to tell the others. He hopes he's wrong, but he can't put this off any longer. He picks up his little black book and starts to turn pages. Remember when we had to like write phone numbers down? Yeah, man. That was, those were the days. <laughs> Across the pond in Hampstead Heath, England, Bill Dinbro, played by Richard Thomas, works on a novel with his ponytail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys both had hilarious faces. Well, <laughs> I think my thing is that it's tied up with a shoelace, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we have long hair. Not yeah. that long, but yeah, I was like, I don't I was like, I don't know what's happening. I didn't I didn't quite get it. And I, for me, I think that this is like Chekhov's ponytail. If you have someone Something's with a ponytail, <laughs> you have to like untie it once I, in the movie, but he never they're does. They're going to need that yeah. shoelace for you know? something. You know what? That's funny you say it. I didn't notice that, but his hair never comes no, out. No, it kind of looks like it's tacked <laughs> Yeah. Dude, even it's like pin the tail on the bill. <laughs> when I seen it, I was like, that's fake. I, but I don't know if it is yeah, or it's not. But I think it, it's yeah, real, which it is even weirder. Moves, it never moves. It was just like, what? Mm fantastic <laughs> and i have to ask do you mean to tell me in a stephen king film slash book that one of the protagonists is a writer i know i know yeah it, it wrap really your mind punched around home it. later and i was like oh my god dude <laughs> wrap your mind around it a writer from a small town in maine wow man <laughs> oh, god. always thinking outside the box <laughs> But Bill is on a roll when his wife, Audra Dinbro, played by Olivia fucking Hussey. Why do I forget that every time? I know. She's so great. Jess, Black Christmas? Yes. I, yeah, I was I was like, I know that lady. I was yeah. like, I couldn't remember where and I kept watching it. I was like, it's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but she knocks on the door annoyed. He snaps at her in a minute. But she tells her that's what he said half an hour ago and then half an hour before that frustrated he leaves his computer and goes down for dinner i'm sure that we're supposed to sympathize with audra here mm-hmm. but the dude's right like he's a writer mm-hmm. and right. if he's if you hear i don't mean to be fucking what jack torrance right. but he's like if you hear the <laughs> wow. you don't fucking come in here or whatever but like he knows he'll come when he's hungry yeah like, i mean he's an adult he knows when yeah. to eat he's that's his job is writing yeah. like he's writing he's, i don't know he's like why don't you get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> it's just creatively it's not something you clock in and out right, on right. and when inspiration is hitting he knows dinner's ready yeah, yeah but well, 
Don't be an asshole like Einstein was, though. What Einstein do? You don't remember the whole thing wherever he wrote that long note to his wife, and he's like, "If I'm even, if I just, if we're in the middle of talking and I tell you to shut up and leave, you do it." I'm like Jesus Einstein, you Christ. fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't. Bill didn't have to yell at her. I will no. say that, but come on, but he's working. Yeah, let him. Let him. Type. You see what happened when they interrupted oh Torrance the whole time. Mm-hmm. He was trying to work and you want to keep coming in here and bothering me? Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, frustrated, Bill comes down to dinner and when he sits at the table, she's like, the food's cold. It's like, we know. Yeah. <laughs> You've been telling her to come for over an hour. Yeah. We know it's cold. Hey, did they, not, they not have microwaves in England? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she does tell him that she likes the changes that he's made to his work. We learn from the dialogue that he's here writing a screenplay for one of his books. She asks why he even took this job. They don't need the money. But Bill explains that if someone's going to mangle his work and make it into a film, it might as well be him. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Audra, like in the novel... And I guess in the other adaptation as well, is the star of this work. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like that's ever explicitly said here. It's kind of hinted at where she brings up the director. Yeah. But it's never like, it's my film too. Yeah, or anything. but I mean, she could literally be like a, a makeup artist or something. Right. Like, they'd never say that. That is true. But I don't know. I just thought that was strange. I will say it is included in the novel. Yeah. But I do feel like her character and what continues on mm-hmm. feels a little unnecessary. I mean, we'll talk. Okay. We'll talk. All right. But Bill tells her that she should tell the director, Greco, that she likes the changes because I guess Greco's not a fan yeah. of Bill. <laughs> But Audra says that she does tell him every single day. She says that he should have just taken a vacation because at least when he's working on a novel, he's in a good mood. I was like, damn. (laughs) Bill tries to stop the fight from escalating when the phone rings. He answers it to Mike's voice addressing him by name. Bill has no idea who he's talking to. But when Mike tells him it's Mike from Derry, Bill immediately gets a flashback. We see a group of kids standing around a leader proclaiming that if it isn't dead, they'll all come back. Back on the phone, Bill apologizes for not remembering him, but Mike completely understands. He finally says the words, it's back. Suddenly, Bill begins to stutter, asking if he's sure, and Mike says that he is. He even found a photograph of George. I love that Mike's calls trigger a cutscene for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of coming back to the table, Bill stands clearly shook in the doorway. Audra asks who was on the phone and Bill's like, no one, got to get back to work. (laughs) Dude, that was not convincing at all. She's like, but you're cold, (laughs) dear. Well, it's cold. I don't want to eat this shit anymore. Why didn't you come get me when it was hot? (laughs) But that would suck, man. Like, for real. You're just hanging out. You're trying to get to work. And then it's like, hey. You got some shit you got to do. Yeah. And like he's had all these years, buried it. Yeah. And now it's just upended his entire life. Fuck. But Bill ignores her when she calls after him, going back into his office and closing the door behind him. Still in shock, he says the name Georgie, and it does trigger a (laughs) cutscene. For Elise plays as we go into the Dinbro house. We pass Mrs. Sharon Dinbro, played by Sheila McGill, and go upstairs to her sons. 12-year-old Bill Dinbro, played by Jonathan Brandis, lays sick in bed, and his little brother Georgie, played by Tony Dakota, begs him to tell him a story. I love that she's playing that because that's what she plays in the novel. Yeah. Like there is small details that they really pick up on. Mm-hmm. That you can tell L Dog. Yes. Read the novel. <laughs> friend friend of the show. Friend of the show, L Dog. <laughs> Bill, through a stutter, tells Georgie to leave him alone because he's sick. But when Georgie turns to leave, Bill's like, 
come back. Yeah. He gives him a newspaper boat that he made and Georgie is thrilled. He asks if he can go sail it, but Bill tells him they need to seal it first with paraffin. He sends Georgie down to the cellar to get it and Georgie responds with a big gulp. Yeah, like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be mad if I'm Georgie. I'm like, so you didn't make a boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you made me half a boat. <laughs> Just tear it apart. Fuck yeah. this. <laughs> Of course, the light to the cellar does not work, and Georgie musters up all his courage to run inside, grab the paraffin, and run back out, slamming the door behind him. I'm going to be honest. The second that the light switch didn't work, I'm a, what, five-year-old kid? Yeah. We're just going to go play Furry Furry Rabbit or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was very short. The basement scene. Yeah. I was like, Fuck, it really man. was. I feel like it's a relatable moment, though, because every kid is like, okay, if I'm fucking lightning fast, uh-huh. yeah. whatever's in there is not going to yeah, grab me. Yeah, but it was right there. And the remake, he had to go down and it was fucking terrifying. It was. And in the novel, there's also this the side of the eyes and everything. See? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it kind of was a missed opportunity. But I do think it is funny that as kids, we thought we could outrun demons or whatever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't sprint where the shit, dude. I'm what fine. do you mean, as kids? <laughs> Oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> He's like, speak for yourself. Yeah, right. I've learned to live with my demons. Yeah. <laughs> Back upstairs, now wearing his bright yellow raincoat, Georgie watches as Bill seals the boat for him. He tells him he wishes that Bill could come too and gives him a big kiss on the cheek for a thank you. Bill reacts in disgust, saying that Georgie got cooties all over him. But when Georgie turns to leave, he cautions his brother not to stay out too long and to be careful. Georgie says that he will and leaves. It's very good storytelling mm-hmm. because you already know because of the photograph. Right. Yeah. Something bad's going to happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. We just don't know what yet. And holy Lord. Yeah. yeah. Outside, Georgie is having a blast following his boat, which he has named the SS Georgie down the street. Yeah. This is 1960? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kid's having a fucking blast. Yeah, but I, c- I don't think I could give a, a paper boat to my kids and be like, Go no, have yeah, fun. I, well, I, just get the paraffin first. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, God damn it, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I know we said it on the remake episodes, but I'm not letting my kid go out there in the storm. Yeah. Play and with I guess the fucking. In, I guess in the 80s, play in the backyard. If you're going to jump in puddles, yeah. whatever, uh-huh. or stay in the front yard, don't you fucking leave when there's a storm going on. All the way down yeah, the street. Yeah, in the street. I guess it's in the 80s, it's a little less believable that this kid would be placated chasing a boat. Right. Well, in the but 60s. But I mean, in 1960, what's he gonna do go smoke a joint i mean yeah. what, else is, what else does georgie have to do there's no game boys no as we've said furry furry rabbit yeah. uh, right. I think she's sick of his honestly o- his only option yeah and it requires two players and bill, yeah, bill, a- <laughs> bill is unwell but the rain is coming down hard and the boat is going fast it gets caught next to a storm drain struggling to keep up georgie cries out in horror as the boat falls in he had more than enough time he to save did it. <laughs> Uh, yes, thank you. I was waiting for one of y'all to say it. He's like, God, no. Yeah, like, you fucking- were right on its tail the whole time. He's Charlton Heston uh, in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> God damn you. As it's barely falling in. <laughs> but Georgie kneels next to the drain and peers inside. Just as he goes to leave, a voice calls out to him. Hi, Georgie. Georgie looks back inside and Pennywise appears. He asks if Georgie's going to say hello, but Georgie shakes his head. Pennywise offers him a balloon, and when he starts to reach for it, he stops. Georgie said that his dad told him he can't take things from strangers. Pennywise is like, well, that's wise of your father, but I'm Pennywise the Dancing Clown, and I already know your name, so like, basically we go way back. <laughs> 
I love again. We had said that he looks like a friendly clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe this. Now he does look like he's been up all night crying. Yeah, <laughs> but I trust this. But clown. who hasn't? You know what I mean. <laughs> Times are tough. I did read that Bart Mixon, the uh, makeup man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that was his. <laughs> I'm sure that was his title. Uh, he <laughs> he intentionally made it his mission to make Pennywise look as playful and friendly as possible. I, I was gonna ask. Yeah. Um. So I know obviously the book is older, but I get a lot of crusty vibes from Pennywise. <laughs> I'm like, here. Well, well, in the book, they describe him as Ronald McDonald, like a like a fucked up Ronald McDonald. Yeah, but Ronald McDonald has a full set of hair. Crusty does a not. A full set. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, the scalp is covered. Yeah. Well, Krusty has the little well, point. Well, you know, he doesn't have the one piece here and then a little bit off the side. Yeah, or... Pennywise does not have the point no, on yeah. top. No, he does not. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to know something nuts I forgot to mention? Yeah. Two people that were in contention to play Pennywise, at least according to the Hollywood Reporter. Uh-huh. One of them, which I think he would have done a great job as well, Malcolm McDowell. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. And... Alice Cooper. I don't know about that I did, one. I did read Alice Cooper. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. I love Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, don't, don't, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't think so. But Georgie's like, yeah, I guess. Well, I got to go. <laughs> but Pennywise is like, without this. And he raises up the boat and Georgie is elated. He tells Georgie to just reach right in and take it. After a moment of hesitation, Pennywise is like, don't you want it? He tells him that there's cotton candy and rides and surprises down here. And there's balloons of all colors. When Georgie asks if they float, Pennywise is like, I'm so fucking glad you asked. (laughs) He's like, oh, yes, they float. Georgie finally reaches slowly inside. Dropping his act, Pennywise tells him that when he's down here with him, he'll float too. He snatches the boat away and grabs Georgie's arm as Georgie screams. I like his demeanor changing. Oh yeah. yeah. His the look in his eyes is frightening. Mm-hmm. Well the when he's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like, are he's you like, hungry, <laughs> man? Well see, he wasn't crying. He was high and he wanted to snack. Yeah, see? Like, yeah. You saw his eyes. That Twinkie right there looks good as fuck. In the yellow. <laughs> yeah. But Pennywise's normal teeth are gone, replaced with dozens of sharp fangs, and his once blue eyes are now red and yellow. We cut back to Georgie's funeral where Bill cries over his brother's coffin. Other kids from that first flashback are there, but they stand to the side of Bill, offering him no condolence. So yeah. I don't know if they don't know each other yet. Yeah. Right? Our parents said we had to be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of how they... That was the energy. <laughs> yeah. But back at the Dinbro house, Bill, the, the one in the past, mm-hmm. Bill picks up a photo album. He flips through looking at pictures of his parents, but finally stops on a black and white photo of Georgie. He whispers his brother's name and the Georgie picture winks at him. <laughs> Horrified, yeah. Bill tosses the photo album across the room, but the pages turn themselves back to the picture of Georgie. Blood begins to seep from behind the picture, covering his brother's face before the album slams itself shut. So again, 1990 ABC. Mm-hmm. It is actually surprising that they show blood pouring yeah. out. Oh of something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like this was a stretch. I did enjoy this though. Yeah, this whole scene, like what's fixing to happen next, I really enjoyed this mm-hmm. because it. I guess it gives more of the illusion to the children are really the only ones in danger. Yes. Yeah. So instead of the parents just being like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like they're literally have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And it makes it more frightening. Oh yeah. Cause you're oh, alone. Yeah. You're alone yeah. with it. 
but his parents do run in. His mom picks up the photo album, unwittingly getting blood on her hands and rubbing it over the white paper with the childish writing of the name George Elmer Dinbro on the front of the album. Mr. Dinbro, played by Stephen Hilton, demands to know what Bill was doing in his brother's room. He tells him to never go in there again, and Bill agrees. Mrs. Dinbro leaves crying, and Mr. Dinbro follows her out. Bill stares at the puddle of blood still on the floor before staring up with a tortured expression. He raises his hand to his cheek, and he morphs back into present-day Bill Dinbro in the same pose. I love the transitions with the actions. Yeah. But mm. that was a lot. Yeah. Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Holding his face. Yes. But that was one thing that I did notice. They mentioned it on commentary, but they actually drew in on Jonathan Brandis. Yeah, I noticed that. The yeah. mole that Richard Thomas has. I yeah. asked your sister about that. He was like, day. which one really has it? Yeah. <laughs> But Bill says that he forgot and asks how he could have. We cut to Audra, who asks him if he's lost his mind thinking about leaving. They're in the middle of making a movie. Bill, walking downstairs with a packed bag, tells her that he can be replaced. This is something he simply has to do. When she asks who was on the phone, he tells her the truth, which I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It was Mike Hanlon, and he hasn't heard from him since they were kids nearly 30 years ago. She already knows that his brother died, but he tells her that he didn't just die. He was murdered. When she asks why he never told her, he says it was because he forgot. It was like it never happened. And he knows that that doesn't make any sense, but he has to go. She asks why, and he begins to stutter and tells her that they made a promise. She asks why he's stuttering, and he's just as shocked. Yeah. She, but she calls him out. She's like, why the fuck are you yeah, talking so weird? I was going to say, <laughs> like, it wasn't a man. concern Why question. are you talking like that? Yeah. yeah, she was like, bitch, what's wrong with you? It's like, dude, clearly he's shell-shocked. Yes. Yeah. Something is he's wrong. He's traumatized. Yeah. And it's crazy. I love his performance here because he's like, I don't know. He's like, dude, I don't even know what's going on, but she could have been nicer. Yeah. (laughs) He tells her that he had a stutter when he was a kid, but it was gone. She asks him to tell her what's going on and says that if he's going back, she's going with him. He grabs her and tells her not to even think about it. He demands her to promise that she will stay here. She tells him that this is all crazy. And when he's stuttering too severely to even say anything else, he hugs her and tells her that he loves her. We cut to her watching worried from a window as Bill drives away in the night and it fades to black. She never promised. She did not. So, I mean. (laughs) I said doll hairs, not dollars. You know, I actually tried that. Yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. Didn't work. Yeah, I was fucking pissed. Well, also was dad because he made me pay you. <laughs> I want to say I was like 12, so don't come for me with pitchforks. I didn't say dollars. I was like, you little motherfucker. Dad's like, it was understood. <laughs> we cut to New York City where a limo pulls up to a building. The door opens to reveal Ben Hanscom, played by John Ritter. Yeah. The one and fucking only. This miniseries. Yeah. I had such a crush on John Ritter, literally from this miniseries. Really? Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I've probably never told anyone. (laughs) I didn't see that in your diary that I... <laughs> I loved Three's Company so much. Three's Company was so yeah. good. I shouldn't have been watching it. No, but I was like, this is the funniest shit in the world, and I don't even know what's happening because it was it was as raunchy as they could yeah. be. Yeah, I did. First of all, of course, love John Ritter. Yes, right. but I loved him even more after listening to the commentary. Right, he was a massive Stephen King fan. Nice, and so he knew the ins and outs of the novel. Yeah, he brought things to the character. He added things with Tommy Lee Wallace to the script that oh, he wanted. Wow. Like he really, really dug into this character and this film. 
he was a great one yeah yeah but in one hand he has a bottle of champagne and in the other he has an architect award he drops the award and it breaks on the street his date cindy played by venus terzo laments that he just got that and ben's like (laughs) he doesn't care not at all (laughs) he picks up the pieces and leads her into his studio and loft He's clearly drunk and having a good time. Once inside, he's like, you don't need to be quiet. I own all this. (laughs) (laughs) He goes and sets his broken award down on a desk and looks at a framed copy of Time magazine, of which he is on the cover. I'm like, this dude's a fucking big deal. Really hammering it home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More and more and more. He calls Cindy over and dances with her for a moment before complimenting her body. When she returns the compliment, he's like, oh, I used to be fat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I laughed because he goes, I love your body. And she goes, I like yours. (laughs) I don't know about love. (laughs) Yours is fine. Yeah. It's a good body. (laughs) Gets you from A to B anyway. uh. (laughs) She assumes that he was cute, but he dispels this, saying he was a real butterball. He tells her, you bet your fern I was. And then he says that they used to say that all the time when they were kids. So in the novel, it's fur. It's fur. Does, right. that, does that mean pubes? I'm, yeah. I guess. What a weird bet. I don't <laughs> want to win that bet. Or you're betting <laughs> my fur? <laughs> <laughs> Whose fur is on the line? <laughs> no, I thought it was uh, funny that they left it in, but they're like, that's too much. Yeah. So they just yeah. changed it to fern. We can't talk about pubes on ABC. <laughs> but they start to make out and the phone rings and Ben goes to answer it. Once he does, Mike's voice on the other end says, hey, Stack, it's me, Mike. Immediately, Ben is hit with the flashback. We're zoomed in on the face of 14-year-old Henry Bowers, played by Jared Blancard. He opens his switchblade. He leans forward at 12-year-old Ben Hanscom, played by Brandon Crane, who's being held by Henry's friends, Belch, played by Chris Eastman, and Patrick Hockstetter, played by Gabe Kuth. Why does that guy have an Ed Grimley haircut? Like, I was like, what the? And don't he's they kind the of only, all? Yeah, I think but so, no, yeah. His friends don't have this the little thing no. coming down in the front. What was it? Squiggy from fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Him it's, too. It's like, a what lot. What the fuck? It's a lot. Young Ben thrashes against them, shaking his head, and we cut to present day Ben doing the same head shaking. I'm a sucker for the transitions. Yes. I just, I love that. Better than a star wipe. Better than a star wipe. <laughs> He raises his phone back to his ear and he remembers Mike. It's funny because Mike's like, hello. Hello, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just waiting. He's like, no, I'll wait till you come yeah. back. <laughs> right, is he still in the flashback? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> god damn. Well, <laughs> I got to change my tactics because it's like five minutes of dead air every fucking time. <laughs> but Mike tells him the same thing that he told Bill. It's back and Ben's face crumbles. Mike asks what he remembers and Ben admits that it's almost nothing. But when Mike asks him if he'll come, he answers immediately, I'll come. When Cindy giggling welcomes him back, he fucking dismisses her. Like he puts his <laughs> hand up like, like yeah, they yeah. were just making out two seconds ago. He said, you only liked my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fuck you. Well, I'm sure that phone call would kill any fucking well, mood. Yeah, that's I get true. It, you see, dude didn't even eat his cold know. dinner. He's no. It's <laughs> <laughs> messing everybody yeah. up. But he goes to pour himself a drink. She asks if he's okay, and he tells her that he's not. Not tonight. Not at all. She's like, are you going to kill yourself? I'm like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, goddamn. He tells her that he's not going to kill himself, but it might be better if he did. 
Later, he rides the lift up to the top of a building under construction. He drunkenly stumbles onto a platform, absolutely not, and looks down at the city below. As he gnaws on his thumbnail, we're transported back in time to 12-year-old Ben, who stands in front of a class doing the same thing. So two things, I don't like the heights at all. No. Oh, that hurt my stomach. Being drunk up there is even worse. I don't like the heights, like you said. I don't like heights at all, but... Being drunk and then being up there? Oh, no, nope, absolutely nope, nope. not. The idea of unbalanced. Yeah, oh no. But the other thing is I love that it's not just random motions they're using right. to transition. It's like they're regressing. Right. Yeah. Like this is what I did when I was nervous when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm doing it again. I think also that the kid that plays Ben is a really good actor. Yeah. yeah. And if you pay attention to him, he'll gnaw on his thumb throughout no, the film. Yeah. Like. I was impressed by him. I thought he was really good. They said that the adult actors and the kid actors got to hang out a couple times. All right. Kind of get each other. Yeah. And so I figure he was like, so I'm going to gnaw my thumb. (laughs) (laughs) But Ben introduces himself to the class, saying that he used to live with his mom in Houston, but they moved here to live with his cousins. Immediately, Henry Bowers comments on his weight. But the teacher, Miss Douglas, played by Donna Peerless, insists that Ben continue. Here's another thing. He's not big. No. The kid is average, but Henry is like, my God, you're yeah. massive. Like, he says, like, eight things in this one scene. Yeah. He does. I'm like, he's an average kid. Yeah. He literally looks like a regular-ass kid. The kids from the first flashback are there, including Bill watching him. Ben tells the class that he likes to read, especially about old civilizations. Miss Douglas tells him that they have a wonderful library and welcomes him to Derry. He walks to his seat as the bullies continue to taunt him, but he ignores this, smiling at a girl sitting behind Bill who smiles back at him. Miss Douglas gives Henry one hour of detention for the rest of the week, and Henry's like, my dad's going to beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Douglas says that he should have thought about that before he messed with Ben. Wow. She said, hold on, though, because she sends him to the principal's office, and on the way out, he literally stops and tells <laughs> Ben, you're dead, fat boy, and literally nobody yeah. cares. Well, well what's going to be, two hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was thinking, where's where's the hitting teachers? Because all these other oh, old yeah. movies, they were slapping kids and pushing them against the wall. They were, especially since El dog wrote this script yeah, yeah. that oh, coach was beating see? the fuck out of yeah. him that is true that is true i, I thought that teacher was gonna drop kick him or something <laughs> and it's clear she fucking hates him oh yeah. yeah it's something she says later made me uh, laugh dude, the way uh, that she says it <laughs> she doesn't even try to hide it but no, no. But once Henry leaves, Miss Douglas reminds the class of the 7 p.m. curfew that the sheriff implemented she says that they live in dangerous times and pleads for them all to be careful As Ben leaves the school, he cautiously looks around for Henry and his crew. He's startled by the girl that he smiled at in class who tells him that class is over. You like it here so much you're going to stay all day. Just then, two girls push their way through them, saying that some people have no class. One of them, Lonnie, is played by Laura Harris, Mary Beth from the fucking faculty. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, hold the fuck on. And she looks the same. She looks exactly the same. (laughs) But she comments that some people have janitors for parents and they look back at the girl before leaving. She finally introduces herself as Beverly Marsh, played by Emily Perkins, and leaves. I recently watched Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. I know she's in that. I still have never seen it. It's, it was insane because I did not know she was in that. Right. And I'm like, it's fucking Beverly Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> you were the Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, <laughs> I snapped and pointed. <laughs> 
but Ben chants Beverly Marsh's name all the way home, but is interrupted when he sees Belch and Patrick. He tries to run, but Henry is behind him. He grabs him and drags him over to his friends who hold Ben down. Did anybody get a crack up with the guitar strum when Henry grabs him? Yeah. <laughs> you got to add the drama. Yeah. He's got a theme song. He's like, they really want us to be in there. <laughs> and it makes me laugh as well that they're selling his crush by him just going, Beverly Marsh, Beverly yeah. Marsh. Beverly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, That's we get it. That's what you do when you have a no. crush. I've never done I mean, I understand like writing, like drawing a heart and writing yeah. your names in it, but Beverly Marsh. Beverly Marsh. He's like, I'm not going to fucking forget no, the name. Not it's not all. happening. But Henry tells Ben that since he likes learning new things, he wants to make sure he remembers his name. I was like, that didn't really He's like, I'll yeah. just, Henry yeah. Bounds, Henry <laughs> Bounds. <laughs> I'll just He's like, I have a trick for remembering. <laughs> <laughs> but Henry, Henry opens a switchblade and pulls up Ben's shirt. Patrick and Belt start to get uneasy. They're like, whoa, you're yeah. not going to really fucking cut him, right? Well, he's holding it wrong. And I was like, if he tries to open that knife, he's fixing a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Slice his hand. He does correct himself. <laughs> right. But when he's holding it at first, I was like, dude, you can't even open that. He'd probably blame Ben for yeah. it. Right? God damn it. But their uneasiness pisses Henry off. So Ben takes this opportunity to kick Henry and fall back through the railing of the bridge into the woods below them. I have to say, this is clearly <laughs> a stunt boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because when they cut back and he's already set yeah. up taking a knee, it's fucking hilarious. A stunt boy. Wow. <laughs> But Henry calls after him that he's going to die and Ben runs. They run after him. I laugh because they're chasing him and Henry's like, nobody kicks me. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben hides in a drainage pipe. The bullies are distracted when they see Bill sitting with a friend. They were building a dam, but the bullies, of course, kick it apart. Bill's friend, 12-year-old Eddie Kasprak, played by Adam Ferrazel, starts to talk shit to them, but they respond by taking his inhaler and pushing him down. This kid seems plucked from the actual 50s and 60s. He does. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. I enjoy the setting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I... I I'm no, Look, I've got no, on record yeah. that I love I, the new I, Eddie. No, yeah, but... Like you said, if I'm going with how they're supposed to be in the book, yes, I feel like this is a better version of Eddie. I would agree 100%. The new Eddie was funny as fuck. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that Eddie was so entertaining. But he was like Richie, too. Yeah, yeah. he was. But in the book, he's way more... Subdued. Yeah. 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 All right. I Less... mean, they're kind of a duo, but it's really Richie making fun of him. Right. Yeah. He, he doesn't give it back as well. No. <laughs> but that kid was great. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> But they ask if the boys have seen Ben and they say no. Henry throws the inhaler back at Eddie and they leave. Eddie sucks on his inhaler only to realize that it's empty and he can't breathe. Ben comes over and Bill asks Ben to stay with Eddie so that he can get him more medicine. He takes the inhaler and leaves. Ben tries to reassure Eddie, but Eddie wonders what they'll do if Henry and his crew come back. Ben just fucking takes out some candy and starts eating. <laughs> but Eddie is repulsed when Ben offers him some. Yeah. Dude, he looks like he's going to throw up. Uh, he, the boy he can't, can't breathe. breathe. No. Well, let's throw some candy yeah. in that hole. <laughs> It's like, fuck, dude. God damn. And from your fucking pocket? I don't know how yeah. long it's been. And you were just attacked, too. Yeah. You're, like, already over it? Apparently. Yeah. Ben's like, ah, He's like, living. Well, actually, it was, a, it was a stunt boy that took the fall. So <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> but later, Eddie tells Ben that his dad died of cancer when he was little. Eddie is breathing fine. Yeah. Ben says that his dad died, too, but he was shot down in Korea. Ben asks who Bill is, and Eddie says that Bill is a great guy. He's his best friend. 
Bill calls down from the road, stuttering to them that he's back. And Ben's like, man, that dude sure does stutter a lot. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Well, he doesn't know him like that. But he's like, that's my best friend. Well, your fucking friend. It's like, your your best friend can't speak worth a shit. Read the room, Ben. But kids just say whatever the fuck. That's fair. But Eddie tells him that the stutter has gotten worse since Georgie died. Some guy killed Georgie and ripped one of his arms off like a wing off a fly. He gives Ben the advice that if he wants to be friends with Bill, don't talk about Georgie because he's still messed up about it. Ben's like, yeah, I would be too. (laughs) (laughs) So I bet Ben feels like an asshole about the stutter now. Uh, 100%. Also, I did kind of appreciate this because this is what happens in the novel right with georgie's arm coming off uh-huh. yeah but they're dealing with the constraints of abc yeah right. so they're like well we can't show it but we can talk, we can about, talk it. about it so it still gets in there oh yeah bill comes back with eddie's medicine and ben remarks how bad his asthma is which i mean he was just he, whatever <laughs> weren't you tossing rocks yeah, yeah. <laughs> They all make introductions, having already learned each other's names, and Eddie chastises Bill for stuttering his name. They invite Ben to come back tomorrow and help them with their dam, and when Ben offers them advice on what they can do, Bill and Eddie remind him, we, because he's like, you can blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, we, and Ben seems to like the sound of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Later, at his house, Ben writes a poem on a postcard. His cousin comes in and rips it away from him, despite Ben yelling that it's private. The little asshole starts to read out loud, (laughs) your hair is winter fire, January embers. He stops to call out to his mom that Ben is in love, and Ben just starts whooping that ass. (laughs) (laughs) He just immediately... Well, throws him to the bed <laughs> yeah. and punches the shit out of him. Well, I mean, look, the Little dude just fucker. got bullied. True. He's, He's had a rough day. Yeah, it's been, it's, it sucked. And this that was his fair. first day at a new school. Yeah. That's bad by itself. Come and on, this dude. Where were you at school? No. Right? Oh, yeah. Why weren't you looking out for me, dude? <laughs> we're fucking cousins. Like, But Ben's aunt Jean, played by Susan Astley, comes in and yells at Ben, of course. His cousin runs off saying that he hates them and they're only here because his mom said it's their Christian duty. Gene just leaves behind him like, eh, he's That's right. actually, <laughs> I did say that. That is accurate. And don't beat my son. Yeah. <laughs> she calls him a ruffian, which makes me laugh. She, yeah. It's ridiculous. Later, Ben sits on the porch as his aunt and mother stand right on the other side of the glass <laughs> yeah. door. Speaking at full volume, Jean tells Ben's mom, Arlene, played by Claire Vardil, that no sister of hers is going to be on welfare so she can stay, but she needs to start disciplining Ben. Arlene goes to Ben and says that they'll have their own home one day, but while they're here, they're guests and he needs to help her. When Ben says they wouldn't be treating them this way if his dad was still alive, Arlene just tells him to go inside and apologize. Ben is like, fuck that. (laughs) He refuses. He says that he hates it here and jumps over the porch railing. His mom calls after him as he gets on his bike and takes off. Now, this is the first instance that I've noticed the invisible barrier that keeps parents and spouses from going after these people. (laughs) I don't know if they're ghosts that are stuck to the property <laughs> or if it's like when you reach that wall in a game. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Because it's ev- they're like, Ben! It's yeah. like you could have... Yeah, And he's riding very slow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He slowly gets on his bike. It's like, go fucking grab his little ass. Yeah, yeah. if he's gone, that's it. If he disappears back oh, yeah. then, there's and no cell phones. There's nope. no yes, Facebook to help you look from. There's a curfew imposed yeah. because children are being murdered, ma'am. And she's like, like I'm a yeah. ghost on the property, <laughs> please. Come back. <laughs> I can't leave this porch. You're abusing the fact that yeah. I can't leave. But watch because it happens again and again. And yeah. it was making me laugh. Yeah. There is one that comes up later that cracks me up every <laughs> single time. 
But Ben goes back to where he was hanging out with Eddie and Bill. When someone calls after him, he recognizes it as his dad's voice and follows it. He finds his father, played by Stephen McCaj, standing in his military uniform and waving at him. His father stands in front of a building that is the entrance to the sewers. When I was a kid, I thought that that was a house, mm-hmm. just yeah. just shitty location right. of a house. But I also thought I was like, "Is this their house on Nebolt Nibolt Street?" Oh, maybe because they don't oh, because right. it's yeah, not here it's at not, all. Yeah, yeah so I didn't like, even think about that. You know. But Ben's dad points at it, saying that that's his home now. Suddenly, he's holding a bunch of balloons and has big orange like pom-poms on the front of his jacket. His voice distorts as he offers Ben a balloon and says that they all float. He <laughs> says that Ben will like it down there. He'll never have to grow up. When we see his father again, it's literally just fucking Pennywise <laughs> yeah. standing in his place. Well, he was progressively getting clownier. Yeah, yeah. Pennywise laughs, waves, and then disappears. Suddenly, a bony hand reaches out of the water, but Ben steps back. A mossy skeleton rises out of the water, telling Ben they all float. And when you're down here with me, fat boy, you'll float too. Did you get Creepshow vibes? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but come on, Mr. Wise. You're, that's, <laughs> that, you're just being an asshole. Mr. Yeah. Wise. It's, it's no, a little much. All, like, he fucking roasts them every opportunity that he oh, can no, get. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's equal the dude's parts. Dad, man, come on. Yeah, yeah. no, you didn't need to do He's all awful. that. It's a little personal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also this made me laugh, and it kind of speaks to the network constraints. Right. That skeleton reaches out of the water. Right. And fucking ghoulishly taunts him. Yeah. yeah. ABC was like, just don't make him wet, though. I don't. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> they said, I don't. We don't want any like wet gore or like a wet skeleton. It's like it's he's coming a, out of the water. Is, it's not a fitness model. No. It's a fucking skeleton that covered is in moss. That's one fucking weird guy who <laughs> yeah. has a hang up about oh. stuff coming out of water being yeah. like, mm, no, not in this. Yeah. Not in this. He's like, one time me and my friends went to a raft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thankfully, I survived, but I don't like wet shit. Yeah. <laughs> wet creatures. <laughs> Absurd. But back in present day at the construction site, Ben hears Pennywise's words and his laughter. He raises the bottle to drink from it, but drops it. It crashes far below and he whispers, please stop. That just I kills, hope nobody's uh, down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A passerby is late to work. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Chicago, Illinois. And the next scene opens on a receptionist answering the phone, identifying the business as Beverly by hand. Another assistant rushes to get Bev Marsh, played by Annette O'Toole. Just a little side note of trivia. Mm-hmm. Did you know she's married to Michael McKeon? Holy that shit. Lady? Yeah. Oh, wow. How fucking cool. Yeah. No, I didn't. Cool couple. Very cool. <laughs> but she tells Bev that the call is from Maine. Bev is excited and wants to take it, but is quickly shut down by Tom Rogan, played by Michael Ryan. He tells the assistant to get a number from them and get out. She gives one more look to Bev for confirmation, and Bev gives it to her. Now alone, Tom mentions that she's shaking and Bev admits that she's scared. She pulls her hair to the front, but Tom stands and pushes it back behind her shoulders, telling her it's perfect and not to touch it. He grabs her by the shoulders and says that there are Japanese businessmen downstairs waiting for them. She's going to play the role of flamboyant designer and he'll play hardball with them. And when it's all over, they're both going to be rich. So this upset me because the business is literally named after her. Yeah. And he's fucking doing this shit. I was going to say, it's weird. The whole kid thing. He's like 
I was like, why are you correcting her, or fixing her hair? Like, she's a grown ass woman, dude. Yeah. yeah. If she wants to wear her hair on her shoulders or around her neck, leave her the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. It's it's a dynamic. And we'll you're. Into. Well, oh, yeah. I know, I know. He's a yeah. dick. Uh, but it's like, dude, she's clearly, you know what I mean, nervous or scared or whatever. You're not comforting her. You're. Not like, at all. Don't you fuck this up. Yeah, not like, at all. You're only making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he literally demands that she get a hold of herself right now. He tells her to give him a kiss for luck, and she does. But after they stop kissing, he's like, don't ever contradict me in front of her again. See, this is awful. Yeah. Bev just nods in agreement. Once he leaves the room, she fixes her hair the way that she wanted it. But we cut to them walking toward the businessmen, and it's back the way that Tom had put it. She introduces herself and Tom to the men before bowing before them, and they bow in return. We cut to their bedroom where they have just shown each other the flesh. Tom tries to pour a glass of champagne, but the bottle is empty. So I thought that that meeting started very awkwardly between them. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're like, woo, we did yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to believe they're making it sweet after that. Like it went so well. I mean, yeah. It was she, a little weird. They yeah. blew him away, I guess. <laughs> Rocky start. <but. laughs> yeah, they've corrected it. But Tom gets up to get more champagne when the phone rings. It's Mike on the other end. And after just a moment, Beverly remembers him and asks how he is. He asks her if she's sitting down. Tom gets another bottle from the fridge, pops the cork and has a drink. When he returns to the bedroom, Beverly is packing a bag. She's a little frantic saying that he's going to think this is crazy because even she thinks it's crazy, but she's going to Maine. She tells him that it was her old friend, Mike Hanlon, on the phone. That's who had called when they were at work. Before she can finish talking, Tom slaps Bev across the face and yells at her to shut up. He tells her that he just made the deal of a lifetime for her, and now she's running off to Maine with an old boyfriend. He calls her a little girl, saying that she's forgotten her manners. She contradicted him at work, and now she's smarting off, and now this. What? Yeah. Yeah. He gets a belt from the closet and snaps it, telling her it's been too long since the last time. She tells him to put the belt away and that there's been horrible trouble. She has to get to the airport as soon as possible. We hear Mike's voice. It's come back, Beverly. Remember your promise. He tells her to put her clothes back and get into bed, and she might be able to leave the house in two days instead of two weeks. She yells at him. No, not ever again. She throws whatever is in reach at him, finally picking up a bottle of cream that hits him right in the middle of the forehead in slow motion. It looked hilarious. No, it's great. <laughs> it did. Good for her. But yeah. That, Fuck yeah, good that, for her. That jar. Was well, that <laughs> she's got a hell of a, yeah. a right yeah. hand, okay? She literally creamed him. <laughs> <laughs> Tom falls to the ground and Bev tells him that if he ever comes near her again, she will kill him. He just screams after her, telling her that she needs him again struck by the invisible barrier that is keeping him in the bedroom mm-hmm. she married a ghost yeah. yeah she should make him a fucking ghost fuck oh, that yeah. yeah fuck this dude i really appreciated her standing up almost yeah. immediately yeah oh yeah because uh, especially the way that it's portrayed you know this has been that going been. on yeah. yeah um tom rogan i'm sure we talked about it before but comes into play later mm-hmm. um for the miniseries, this is the last we see of tom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which i think is fine yeah yeah but Bev gets in a taxi and heads straight for the airport. She says she's got to go to Maine and the cabbie asks if she's got family there. She corrects him. She's got friends there and they were the best she's ever had. We flash back to Bev's house where she calls her dad down for breakfast, but goes to the door when the doorbell rings. We clearly see Ben watching her yeah. <laughs> cross behind some plants across the street. I laughed so hard because he's like, yeah, I'll hide behind this twig and a leaf. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, first I had written bushes and I was like, that's, that's not yeah. <laughs> so You're being generous. Ben Hanscom's <laughs> never looked like a twig and a leaf. <laughs> 
<laughs> like you could clearly see him. Yes. He's right there. It it's was like, hilarious. Is that fucking yeah. <laughs> ben? ben? Yeah, yeah, what the? But she finds Ben's postcard on her porch and brings it inside. She reads the poem. Your hair is winter fire. January embers. My heart burns there too. Her dad, Al Marsh, played by Frank C. Turner, comes down asking who was at the door, and she immediately hides the postcard behind her back, but he demands that she hand it over. The poem is still not a haiku. No, it's not. Yeah. I, I remember them bringing it up in the novel because that was him trying to learn it. Right. I guess it was really emphasizing that he was trying to learn yeah. it. But it's still beautiful. <laughs> it's, I love it's it. It's good. Oh, she is very clearly not a redhead, though. She's not. She's not a redhead. Bill's supposed to be a redhead. Yeah. Grown Bill is supposed to be fucking balding. That is yeah. true. And the man has a clip-on ponytail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so we he's supposed liberties. to look like Pennywise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Al reads the card and asks if she's been doing something that she shouldn't with some boy. He rips the postcard up and drops it on the ground, saying, I worry about you a lot, Bevy. Sometimes I worry a lot. Crying, Bev drops to her knees to pick up the pieces, and Al slaps her across the face, yelling at her for already running around with some boy. She pulls away from him, and he demands that he go back over to her. She tells him no. He is shook by her saying no, mm -hmm. and she runs straight out of the house. But he's stopped by the invisible barrier of the porch, <laughs> yelling after her that if she doesn't come back, he's going to whip the skin off of her. But Bev races down the street. That's when I laughed, because he's like, you know I can't leave. It's, no. fu it's funny, because he's, he's running after yes. her, and then he grabs on to like a support beam and is like oh like i can't yeah. like, wow. I, you know the rules Beverly. <laughs> ben watches all of this and catches up to her crouched behind bushes and crying she lashes out at him asking if he's got anything better to do than to just sneak up on people he takes this in stride he's like she, you've had a rough day yeah and invites her down to the barons to play with him and his friends so you're bev don't you assume that since he appeared out of the twig and leaf that he is the person who wrote the poem. I get it, but she's going through a yeah. lot. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I guess she probably forgot about the poem at this point. Her dad is an asshole. And oddly, they don't, she doesn't have a mom in this, in, like yeah. in the book. Yeah, no. Because her mom, that's like a big plot point. Right. Yeah. But they, I think, again, streamlining. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier just to have her dad be a fucking dick. Nobody else be around. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's an asshole in this one. And the remake, I was like, oh my God. In the remake, dude. they yeah. went yeah. full like, fucking fuck? molestation. Oh, it was, I did not enjoy that. No, it was disgusting. I appreciate ABC stepping right. in. Yeah. Thanks, ABC. I mean, yeah, he's an asshole, but I mean, he's not that kind of an yes. asshole. And I mean, the other thing about him is that he really echoes this cycle of abuse and trauma right? that she carries with her into adulthood. Yes. Yeah. So you're getting like a lot of the themes from the novel, mm -hmm. like again, very simplified right? Yeah. and to the point. Okay. Yeah. We cut to them at the Barrens. Ben makes the introductions, but Bev just smiles at Bill. Mm. Bill smiles back at her. They shyly tell each other hi. And Ben's like, do you already know each other? But no one answers yeah. it yeah well she was sitting right behind him in class yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't give a shit no yeah. Yeah. he says that bev wants to help them with their dam just then with the dramatic british accent richie tozier played by seth green yes yeah. who i love uh-huh enters with his friend stan uris played by ben heller following behind him wearing a boy scout uniform Bev tells Ben that Richie will drive you nuts, but he's fine. To illustrate this, Richie calls Eddie, Eddie Spaghetti, and gives him a noogie. And Eddie is pissed, saying he's already told Richie not to call him that. He hates when he calls him that. 
See, that's the dynamic. Yeah. Right. So I had asked your sister because... <laughs> now fuck your mother, Richard <laughs> Dozier. <laughs> it's a little far, yeah. <laughs> um, but they seem way older than these other kids. And in the remake, they all seem about the same age. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they're not. See, I kind of appreciated that because to me, Richie kind of has that older energy with the friend group. Right, right. To where he can clown on them and they're not like, no, you, the fuck yeah. you, Richie. <laughs> like, they kind of have to defer. Yeah. You know? And so I think having an older actor right. portray, even if they were close to the same age, they, I'm not they sure. They all work. Right. I think uh, the kid that played Stan was the oldest. And right behind him was Seth Green yeah. and the rest. I mean, well, they're, you can tell. they're they all look. in the same age group. Right. And I mean, it's kind of indicative. They had mentioned this on commentary of the friend groups we had growing up where, you know, so what? I'm in sixth grade. I'm friends with an eighth, eighth grader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like it kind of fits to where we don't all have to be in the same class. Right, right. But I, I think do. they are, though. I, oh, well, then never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Growth spurt. <Yeah. laughs> I do like this group a little better. This is more believable. Not saying that the kids in the remake aren't, but uh-huh. this feels genuine. This gang feels like they they really are friends in real life. I think that's the thing. And I can even say that with the adults uh, later on oh, in, the, yeah. in the next part. Oh, yeah. You genuinely believe that they are friends. Yeah. And it feels that it brings a warmth to it that leaps off the screen. Right. We'll get to the adults later, but I feel like the issue is that when in the newer ones, they split them up as soon as we got them back together. Right. right. So we don't get that interaction. We don't get them remembering each other and not even having an awkward moment, just falling right back right, into yeah. Like we get that here. And so it's like, wow, like they're friends for life. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you feel and it. Yeah. With the kids, it, I feel like it's maybe just a little more wholesome. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of fuck you like in the new one, yeah. uh-huh. which is funny. And I get, you know, that friends do fuck with each other like that. Yeah. But it's it was a little. It was all the time. It was a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, we don't get a lot of wholesome yeah. moments. I know that we all cursed a lot growing up. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, something about 1960, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that in the new films they put it in 1980, in the 80s, yeah. but that still feels very yeah. now. <laughs> it, yeah, because all of them were always fuck this, fuck that, yeah. or you yeah. bitch, whatever. Uh-huh. I, I know as a kid when we were making bikes, when we were building bikes, every other word wasn't fuck. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? We were actually doing something. No, and I think that if someone's like, I fucked your mother, like you uh, would get socked in the mouth. Well, yeah, I don't care can, how long uh, we've been friends. Well, because back then there was no other like bullshit like there is now to reference whatever yeah so if you said that it was like you what what the you, fuck yeah. did you just say what? but back to the barons <laughs> richie even has a buzzer in his hand when he shakes hands with ben yeah. so it's like you know this is what you're getting yeah. but it just makes I, i've never been buzzed like that i have it's, uh, <laughs> it vibrates ben's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little thing just spins and it oh, vibrates god because he took it like it like he was fucking electro <laughs> or something <laughs> <laughs> the green mile is not it. <laughs> but Richie addresses Ben as Haystack and asks if he's ever built a dam before. And I feel like this is really cute because that's what Mike called him when he picked up the phone. So yeah. it's like mm-hmm. this little nickname stuck. Mm-hmm. Ben admits that he's never built a dam himself, but he's sure it'll work because he just knows. When he gives this rationale, everyone's like, all right. And Richie <laughs> has no choice but to be down. We get a montage of the six kids working together to build the dam while It's All Right by the Impressions plays. 
I love this song. Yeah. Dude. Every time I hear it, I'm in the Barrens. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There, It was like a nostalgic, again, the blanket. Yeah. Right. You know, and then also seeing them bond. Yeah, that, that like, I, I, like I was saying a minute ago, this, it's little montages and shit like this. You feel them being friends. Like, it's, yeah. it, not, like, I, like I said, not saying that in a remake, but this one does it. Uh, it does it better I, yeah. I would agree with that and i feel like they're getting the characters more correct yeah you give ben his architecture yes and yeah. not take mike's shit and give it to him yeah I'm, we'll get to that yeah, yeah that too i've got something for that because yeah. yeah. i was very i didn't understand no me neither but when they're finished the dam works and richie has to admit to ben that he was right they all cheer saying that they could fill the whole barrens with water if they wanted to and they splash around i don't know why that's their goal but I feel like when you're a kid, sometimes yeah, you get fixated just, on shit yeah. and you're like, no, we're going to fucking drown in here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Let's fuck this town up. <laughs> like, but good for them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they made it work. It's all right. <laughs> later, though, they're walking home down the street. And before he leaves, Bill hits Bev with the see you later alligator. And she responds with, after a while, crocodile. And Ben looks wounded. Yeah. He He's like, fuck. <laughs> like, I wanted a reptile nickname. <laughs> Poor Ben, man. Yeah. This, he gets dissed, and it's so worse in this version. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man. It's definitely sadder, I think, because we care more about Ben yeah. in this one. Yeah. Well, not only that, she's doing it out in the open. Mm-hmm. It's not like before in the remake, she's at least nice to him. Here, she's just like, yeah, whatever, fat boy. <laughs> you know, hey, what's going on, Bill? Are you Pennywise? <laughs> <laughs> But Bill yells out, Hiyo Silver, away, as he rides his bike down the street. There's a couple that's watching him like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) We got to get out of this town. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. Ben tells Bev bye, and she answers him absentmindedly, staring at Bill until he rounds the corner. Once he's gone, she says, my heart burns there, too completely ignoring Ben who stands in the middle of the street mm-hmm. trying to wave at her. Dude, he's like, who that was, was me, yeah. baby? <laughs> Twig and a leaf, remember? Yeah. <laughs> and again, who the fuck ran up on your spot immediately? Yeah. No shit. Was it Bill? She wants it to be Bill, so it's Bill. Look, we all want things. <laughs> <laughs> but this is just illogical. This is, a, this is absurd. Yeah. That night at Bev's house, as Al Marsh sits in front of the TV with a beer, Bev gets ready for bed in the bathroom. She hears, help me, help me, please, in a little girl's voice. Once she realizes that the voice is coming from the drain, it addresses her by name. The voice tells Bev that the clown brought them all down here and they all float. She asks who they are, and two kids answer, Vicky Burroughs and Matthew O'Connor. Matthew identifying them as all the dead kids. <laughs> Dude, that nope. cracked me up. Because <laughs> Matthew yeah. is rude. And yeah, definitely no. Yeah. Suddenly, a big red balloon begins to swell from the drain. They tell her that they want to meet her, and the balloon pops, splattering Bev and the bathroom with blood. Bev runs to get her father, who immediately thinks that someone's peeping in at her. Why does it always have to go to that route with this dude? Like, it literally could have been anything. You're in a bathroom in, like, a really run-down apartment. Yeah. yeah. It could be a fucking rat. He's like, some pervert outside? Yeah. yeah. I didn't no, understand what? that either. I don't know why it was funny the way he said it, but I was Someone like... Someone peeping at you, girl? Yeah. yeah. I was like, what? And, but it made me laugh that he had a, like, fucking mug of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't strike me as the guy that would pour it into no, a glass. No, not at <laughs> a all. A chilled glass. Yeah, he's kept it in the freezer all day (laughs) (laughs) but she tells him it's the sink 
he goes into the bathroom and has zero reaction to the bright red blood all over the white sink. He grips it, getting blood all over his hands and asks what she thinks she saw. He repeats that he worries about her before grabbing her shoulders and telling her to explain herself. Thinking on her feet, she says she saw a huge spider, but it must have crawled back down the drain. Again with a spider. Yeah. Yeah. Al attests that these buildings are old with huge drains, but there's nothing down there now. Bev is shaking with fear as Al grips her face, smearing more blood on it before he leaves. Now that she's alone, Pennywise's laugh floats up from the drain, telling her to say hello to her friends. More blood bubbles up as he warns her that she'll die if she tries to fight them. You'll die if you try. Bev backs away from the sink and cowers onto the floor. Back in present day, Bev cowers in the backseat of the cab, shivering with fear, and it fades to black. I read on Yahoo that they did 10 takes of the balloon bursting because mm-hmm. they had to get it right with everything you uh-huh. drive. And so they said that she went through like 10 pairs of pajamas. Oh, I... <laughs> and it's hard because it's not in here in the moment. She had said that it's like 45 people stacked in this bathroom yeah. Yeah. because it's not scary anymore, no. <laughs> <laughs> but she sells it so well. No. Yeah. Uh, the, the acting from the children in this is yeah. just wow. Yeah. Like they all brought it. None of them. I'm like, cause I know we had that one in the remake that it's like, yeah. yes, we did. Um, the the dad can fuck off again. Oh yeah, and I was like, God damn, dude! <laughs> like nothing. Like, yeah, redeeming. I was like, fuck. I do, I do like that it was kind of contained to the sink instead of the whole fucking bathroom. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I feel it was like the whole bathroom. I feel like it? it's a little scarier when it's just from that source, and it's not like, look what I'm gonna do because I'm an asshole. Uh huh. You know what I mean? You didn't need to <laughs> drench the whole room. You fucking Gallagher the entire yeah. bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no i agree and i do the only thing that i is lamentable is that we don't get to listen to the cure but <laughs> that yeah that's all the right. only drawback here i think it's all right i also laughed whenever we came back to her in the cab because the taxi driver's like which airline yeah he does. <laughs> you've been sitting there with your eyes white for like 10 minutes <laughs> oh she's in a flashback yeah, yeah, great. Damn it. god damn it did mike hanlon call her <laughs> But back in present day, we cut to Great Neck, New York, where Eddie Kasprak, played by Dennis Christopher, goes through his medicine cabinet, snatching up bottles of medicine before taking a hit of his inhaler. To me, he is Eddie. Like, he is such a good adult Eddie. Uh, That is my note. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately, I like this Eddie way better. Not saying that there was anything wrong with the remake one. The Mm -hmm. remake one was literally, I feel like they used a time machine and just made (laughs) that kid grow up. Like, no, they did great. It was great. But this, he's Eddie to me. If I close my eyes and think of adult Eddie, this is who I see. And I've never even read the book, Uh but this character feels way more genuine. Right. Like a real person. And I mean, Dennis Christopher, I think, is just a good actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of underrated. I don't know if you guys remember him in Django Unchained. I yeah. do, because I was like, it's Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in a movie that we could cover on this show called Fate to Black. All right. He I was don't really, know that one. He was really good in it. I think it's on Shudder. Let's, uh, let's think about it. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. <laughs> but this entire time, a woman is calling his name again and again, asking where he is. When she finds him, it's his mother, Mrs. Kasprak, played by Sheila Moore. As soon as she sees that he has a suitcase, she asks where he's going. 
He simply tells her that he's got to go away for a while, but she's not trying to hear it. She pleads with him to stop and tell her where he's going, even asking if he's in some kind of trouble. She demands to know who was on the phone, saying that he's scaring her badly. Eddie continues down the stairs into the front door and finally tells her that he's going back to Derry. Mrs. Kasprak is not happy about this, <laughs> calling Derry a dirty little town and saying there's nothing there for him now and there never was. She's like, that one horse town? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she grabs him by the chin and he pulls away from her, but she is struck by the invisible barrier that keeps the parrots inside the house and Eddie runs out to the limo waiting for him outside. I don't like the change from the novel that this is his mother still. I agree because in the novel, just like in the in the newer movies he gets married right i feel like they probably didn't want to be like well bev's already repeating history we can't you know have eddie also marrying his mother you know yeah but i mean but that's the novel it is and i think it works better (laughs) it does because it kind of shows i mean they did something really genius when we get to stan's house that Mm -hmm. was very subtle Mm -hmm. um i think that's more of what they were going for than we just did Bev, who basically is in a relationship with her father. They probably didn't want to do Eddie doing the same thing. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's probably, right. to me, why they did it. I mean, I understand. I, it. Yeah. I, just I don't feel like, like they it. should have, because, <laughs> but it also does stunt Eddie's character a bit because he's still, and we'll see more later, he was under his mom's thumb as a child, right. and he still is. So he already has to break through the door of... His mom being like, no, don't go anywhere. And he's like, nah, I got to fucking go. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I respect you. (laughs) (laughs) His friend, Joey, played by Kim Kondrashoff, is already behind the wheel and Eddie demands that he drive. It's funny because he's like, what's going on, man? He's like, just move it. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Kasprak continues to call after him. In the car, Eddie hits his inhaler again and apologizes for leaving Joey holding the bag. He asks if they have enough drivers for the week and insists on Joey doing the Pacino job himself, which is something that they did keep. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I heard he's got a great ass. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say that I this is one thing that never really fit with Eddie for me, that he's running a limo service. Yeah, that doesn't fit the child eddie right in the novel either i just don't like that as his it's i feel like, it's like they <laughs> yeah. all gotta be successful uh successful people they ride in limos he owns a limo company. <laughs> <laughs> like you think he rides in one no fuck yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> that's just i don't know it doesn't fit for me it does seem a little weird it is yeah. odd. why it's don't you odd. make him like he's a pharmaceutical company yeah oh you yeah know? stories yeah. of a child and grows up to be a writer yeah, yeah. <laughs> eddie is sickly and he grows up to own a limo company <laughs> <laughs> i just you see the direct straight line yeah. i mean duh right guys but joey tells eddie to just calm down because the limo business is under control he doesn't need to worry about anything he asks where they're going and eddie tells him that he's taking the eleven thirty to boston but he's already cowering in the passenger seat we zoom in on him and flash back to young eddie doing the same cowering in a movie theater love it so we flash back to the Paramount Theater where the crew is together on the balcony eating popcorn, drinking soda, and watching a movie. The movie is I Was a Teenage Werewolf, which yeah. is what was on the marquee at the beginning. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But every kid in the theater seems to be screaming at the top of their fucking lungs at the werewolf on the screen. <laughs> I read that there were so many extras here that they were getting bored because they kept having to do this over and yeah. over. And that Tim Curry came out and performed for them in his 
costume. No shit. And a lot of the extras, because they didn't know what they what the film was, they thought he was an actual clown that they hired to come and do shit for him. I thought that was really cool. He just seemed like the greatest. Yeah. They said that he like hung around on set and would like antagonize the child actors. Yeah. Just to fuck with them. They said he would chain smoke and he would like grin at them. (laughs) (laughs) I read that he uh Krusty. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I read that when he changes when he gets Georgie at the beginning mm-hmm. that the little boy was like Tim you're scaring me and he goes that's what I'm here for kid. <laughs> <laughs> that was the quote that I read and I just thought that was that's the funniest that's why I'm making the big he's bucks like, yeah. he's like right I'm doing my job but Bev cowers on Bill's shoulder and then on Ben's and Ben looks fucking over yeah, the moon. He's yeah, cheesing. <laughs> and that looks like a really good time though. It does. Yeah. And again I know I've said it before but like Ben, I enjoyed this character. Yeah. The kid, him, uh, I because there's for a child, there's so much subtlety to his performance. Because yeah. I feel like any other kid, it'd be, you know, it would be cartoony, but he looks like a real kid that's like, fuck yeah, like, yes, <laughs> he yes. does, yeah. But Eddie tries to put his feet up on the ledge of the balcony, but instead he accidentally kicks over a bag of popcorn. It tumbles down below and falls directly onto Henry, Patrick, and Belch. Mm. They stare up at them and Eddie says that he's a dead man because they saw him do it. And Bill's like, we got to fucking get out of here. (laughs) But emboldened, Richie calls down to them that if he were them, he wouldn't pay to see a monster movie. He'd just stay home and look in the mirror. To add injury to this insult, (laughs) Richie lets go of his full cup of soda, drenching the boys below. I love that he's like, if you think that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking that dude, I just love. I think that all the kid actors are great. Yeah. But I feel like Seth Green is Richie. He is, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they run out onto the street laughing and thrilled. And Ben is smart because Ben held on to his popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He just set them up for failure. Oh, man. He, he did. That, I I did like that. And I was like, there you go. But I was like, now you're fucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've made an enemy for life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they show up to the Barons still laughing. Richie rationalizing that it was all just a joke. The laughter stops when Eddie points out the entrance to the sewers and says that it scares him. He thinks it's haunted. Ben just stares at it, nodding. Stan tells him that it's not empirically possible for it to be haunted. Bev translates this as ain't no such thing. (laughs) Richie tells her that she's smart and she kisses him on the cheek for complimenting her on their very first date. And Eddie's like, why is Richie so special? So Bev kisses him on the cheek too. The date wasn't just with Richie. It was also with him. I like that they're bringing in Stan's skepticism already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's like a really important part of the character. But I mean, in all honesty, if all your friends are like, I think a Frankenstein lives there, you'd be a little annoyed as well. And you're like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the new films. (laughs) They're all laughing and start to leave. But Eddie turns around and sees that Ben is still staring scared at the entrance to the sewers. We cut to them all laughing together, though, and walking Eddie home. He starts up to his front door, but he turns around to say that this is the best summer of his whole life and he never wants it to end. Just then, Mrs. Casperett comes out saying that she was worried sick about Eddie and she almost called the police. It is full daylight. It's fully daylight. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they, left, they mm-hmm. left out of the movie early. So yeah. like, you yeah. knew. I mean, whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> Bill's like, he was with us. And Mrs. Casperett goes, go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, what a bitch. She sucks, man. Eddie says that they're his friends. And when they tell Eddie they'll see him tomorrow, she's like, Eddie needs to rest tomorrow. All day? All day. (laughs) 
They walk away. And as Eddie walks up to the house, she tells him that she doesn't want him playing with them anymore because no good can come of it. He doesn't need any friends except his ma. She cautions him not to shower with the other boys this week because he feels warm and she doesn't want him catching their germs. What? Wait, I don't know. Wait, so hold on. God what? damn it. I just found an inconsistency. Eddie just says this was the best summer of his life. Oh, Why yeah. Why are they back at school in the next scene? Well, you guys didn't go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Uh, yeah. You never heard of fucking summer school? <laughs> yeah. Eddie was fucking up. <laughs> Whatever. Eddie didn't say that. He said this is the best semester of his life. We cut to the boys running out of gym class. Eddie is among them, but coach played by Gary Chalk holds him back. He asks Eddie if he showered and Eddie tells the truth. He didn't. Coach puts it plainly. You take phys ed, you sweat, you take a shower. We see Eddie stepping into the giant gym shower completely alone. Why does the coach care so much? Well, I mean, I guess some coaches teach health too. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the hygiene thing. I feel yeah. like uh, late for Heyman's hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny to me is Eddie needs to get to another class, but he's like, no, 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 yeah. you yeah. get in those I'll showers. write you a note. Well, I'm sure, he doesn't want to be walking around all stanky and no, shit. No, I and get then it. You're sweaty, just, you just put your regular clothes back on. Uh huh. He has to get to history though. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> no, it's funny is I feel like I don't I don't remember sweating as a kid like ever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that kicked in at like 13. You also uh, never moved. So yeah. maybe that's <laughs> we played soccer yeah. and shit. <laughs> I, I stopped moving later. Yeah. Uh, fair, that's fair. But Eddie turns on the shower and begins to bathe. But all of the showers turn themselves on and turn up full blast. Eddie grabs his towel and takes a step back only for the knobs for the shower to turn themselves, causing the shower head to shoot water further out at him. <laughs> I heard on the commentary that Wallace had said that he had kind of wanted to mimic the vulnerability of Marion Crane and Psycho. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And okay. I, I think it works. Yeah, I, well, because he's in here all by... Right, that right. would be scary alone to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Although I do want that water pressure. Oh, yeah. yeah the pressure was great. <laughs> that was pretty good. But the head extends its neck longer and the rest of the shower heads follow suit. They all reach out toward the center of the shower where Eddie stands trapped. He's being pelted with water and he tries to leave, but the shower heads cross over each other. They continue to chase and spray him until Pennywise's voice calls up from the drain in the middle of the floor. It's okay, Eddie. Hi, I just wanted to say hello. He remarks that the small drain is inconvenient as he squeezes his hands through and grips both sides. Eddie throws himself into a stall and watches as Pennywise pushes the hole for the shower drain wider, making the hole large enough for him to pop out of. And this was traumatizing to me as a child. <laughs> this is one of those moments where I'm like, he can fucking do that? Like, that scared the shit out of me. You're breaking the laws of physics. Yeah. Not the balloon coming up from the drain. No. And yeah, and it, was, blood. it was the claymation. This was, this yes. was the claymation. That was it. It does look cool, though. I, did, I was like, oh. Can you imagine as a fucking child? Oh, no, no. yeah. That the was, way that the tiles never like, take a bunch shower up again. on yeah. themselves. Fuck yeah, no. no. I, I never took a shower since. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie gasps for air as the clown smiles at him, taunting, here I am, Wheezy. Again, he's rude. He's a fucking bully, dude. He tells Eddie that he'll like it down there and that it won't do any good to run. He says that he'll see him in his dreams and to come back anytime. He asks Eddie to bring his friends before dropping his head down. When he brings it back up, his eyes are red again and he has a mouthful of razor sharp teeth and he laughs. We cut to present day Eddie boarding a train with Joey waving goodbye to him and Eddie begins to cry as horror takes over his face. The shot of him revealing his uh, 
tooth-filled mouth yes. <laughs> is one of my favorite shots in the whole film. Uh-huh. Uh, I totally agree. Because I like how he drops his head like, you ain't seen nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like laughing at him. Yeah. yeah, no, he's having a fucking blast. So he's just an asshole. He, he wasn't even like, he didn't, he only scared him for that one little bit. Uh-huh. But then the rest of the time, he's just like, oh, you trying to leave? Nah. <laughs> it was the shower heads crossing over yeah. each other yeah. for me. It's well, like, felt very evil dad. Like with yeah, the twigs and all that. Yeah, that yeah. is true. <laughs> I thought it was a little far that he was like girly boy yeah come on dude literally henry bowers yeah <laughs> in the next scene a phone is ringing in a dressing room filled with flowers on the screen in there is richie tozier played by harry anderson doing a comedy act we leave the room and go down the hall to find richie on a stage doing his thing the crowd is absolutely loving it. He finishes his set and we follow him back to the dressing room, continuing the tracking shot, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's like a full one shot. Yeah. It's really, really, really cool, especially for like, you don't expect this in a TV movie. Yeah. No, that's what I feel like it was this moment where I was like, the direction is, I was a little taken aback yeah. because I did, obviously as a kid, you're not like, well, that was a tracking yeah. shot. Yeah. Like I, uh, I really appreciated it because they're, <laughs> Like, you didn't have to do all that, but right, you did. Right. I just imagine, like, five-year-old us. I wonder if they used the panic line. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Wow. Uh, I do want to talk about his routine, which I feel... There were two things that stuck out to me. Right. First thing, one of the lines he said was, Nancy Reagan couldn't stop them. I was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she oh, could. Well, hmm. <laughs> little, uh, we've learned a few things. But... <laughs> <laughs> she could if she wanted to. I'll uh, just say that. I also felt that they did keep the spirit of the novel in that his humor was very insensitive. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's Richie. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, God damn, trash mouth. <laughs> <laughs> they call him that for a reason. Mm-hmm. But people follow Richie into his dressing room and he is surrounded, everyone competing for a moment of his time. Someone hands him a drink and he's all smiles until he picks up the ringing phone and immediately remembers Mike Hanlon when he identifies himself and the smile drops from his face. We cut to Richie's amazing house and get a subtitle that reads Beverly Hills, California. Mm -hmm. Richie is heatedly telling his agent that he has to leave for a few days. His agent is understandably upset that he's leaving to be with old friends when he's supposed to be sitting in for Johnny Carson. Yeah. Yeah. He reminds Richie that they've been through a lot together, but Richie simply says that he made a promise. He puts on his sunglasses, ending the conversation. (laughs) He puts on his sunglasses and the dude gets pissed and leaves. I guess he's like, look, dude, I'm fucking, the sunglasses mean I'm gone. Yeah, Yeah. That's when he means he's done. Yeah. I do want to say that he did suggest that Leno could fill in. I'm like, no, don't. Don't do it. Don't Don't give him any ideas. (laughs) So it's Richie's fault. Yeah. Now alone, Richie tries to convince himself that he can do this, but freezes when he hears his own voice as a child say, no, this can't be happening. He turns around and sees himself at 12 years old being grabbed by a fucking werewolf. <laughs> it's quite a stretch, dude. Yeah. It's like everybody else has like, when we flash back, it's normal and then it gets weird. Like yeah. Richie's like, no, I was, it was a fucking werewolf. What I remember most was the, <laughs> was the werewolf. <laughs> It's understandable. He does the only true reaction to reliving something like that, which is what I would do, and immediately run to the bathroom and throw up. (laughs) He lays his head against the lid of the toilet and stares off into nothing. His face fades into the face of his 12-year-old self as we slip back into the past. 12-year-old Richie lays his head against a rock as the whole group listens to Bill read a story to him that he wrote. They're all in the Barrens. 
They're all blown away by it and commend him. Richie even saying that he's going to leave them all behind and go to Hollywood. The sad thing is that the story that he's telling is the story that Georgie asked him to tell before he left. I'm uh. crying. <laughs> yeah, it was about the magical rocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very sad. That's fucking heartbreaking. Bill says that he doesn't ever want to grow up. Eddie says that he wants to grow up to be a train conductor so he can see the world. That would have been a great job for yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> nope, limo company. Yeah, it's, and Stephen King's like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> mm, is that what you want, Eddie? <laughs> Can't always get what you want. <laughs> Richie wants to be the first rock and roll singer from Derry or an impressionist. Bev wants to be a painter and Ben wants to be a fighter pilot. Stan wants to be an ornithologist. He loves cataloging and putting things in logical order. I love that one person says what they want to do and everyone's like, well, listen here. Yeah. Yeah. I see we've started it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bill sits away from the group and asks if he can tell them something, prefacing that if they laugh, he starts saying that the other night in Georgie's room, suddenly though, (laughs) Officer (laughs) Nell Played by Terrence Kelly. No, <laughs> Well, he pops up. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you'll flood the river. He's very Irish. Yes. But he was in the novel. He was. Okay. Now, granted, it didn't make sense there either. Yeah. <laughs> what you doing, boyo? I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> You're flooding the whole goddamn town. <laughs> Dairies. <laughs> I was going to go in for seconds. But I apologize <laughs> for what's happening. Yeah. I don't know if it's better than worse, better or worse than Hitchcock. I can't even say yeah, I better. don't know either. They're but, both dog shit. Well, the funny, well, <laughs> the funny thing is that this is the most side of side characters. Yeah. And we latched onto it for some reason. <laughs> because we're, wait, what? Yeah, but he's fucking furious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he kind of has good reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Once he reaches them, he tells them that their dam is about to flood all of the drains in town. <laughs> ben knows how to make a fucking dam, okay? Yeah. He asks who's responsible, and Ben immediately takes the blame, citing that he's the one that showed them how to do it. But everyone speaks up in his defense, taking credit for having the idea. Officer now flips the script and tells him that there's been another murder. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> he says her body was found this morning, so if they have to come out and play, they need to be all together all the time. They all shake his hand and promise that they will. In the next scene, Richie and Stan get their lunch trays at school, and Stan asks Richie what Bill was going to say before. Richie doesn't know, but he does notice that Bill has been down lately, and when they see the rest of the group sitting with him joylessly at a cafeteria table, he realizes that they've all been kind of down lately. Just as they start making their way over to the group, Henry, Belch, and Patrick grab them both and pull them to the side. Richie tries to joke, calling them Larry, Curly, and Moe, but Stan (laughs) cautions him with a beep, beep, Richie. Which I love to hear. Yes. Henry tells him to admit that it was him that did it at the theater. You fucking saw him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he shouted. Like, he talked shit yeah. to you as he did it. As sure as I'm Richie Tozier. <laughs> <laughs> when Richie doesn't respond, Henry sticks his finger in his mashed potatoes and wipes it on Richie's glasses. Richie shoves his lunch tray into Henry and fucking takes <laughs> off running. But when the bullies run after him, they slip in mashed potatoes and they all go down. The entire cafeteria laughs, but stops when they see how mad Henry is. Richie, though, he's like, no, this shit is still funny and calls them banana heels. And when Henry starts toward him, Richie takes off and he runs right into a teacher carrying a lunch tray and smashes the tray against the teacher's chest. And he's like, oh, sure. He's fucking pissed. It I heard on commentary and it kind of surprised me how actors can go and do like 
much larger things. Yeah. This dude, this is the only scene he's in. Yeah. yeah. He went on to be the smoking man on the X-Files. What the fuck? Yeah. So it's like, holy shit, you had one line and it was just like an angry <laughs> oh, sitcom. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't fuck with the lenses, man. Yeah, it's uh, just rude. <laughs> just rude. I, uh, again, Seth Green, man, I was like, this is great. But I feel like him and Henry are about the same age. Like, they yeah. look like they're the same age. They like do. I said, the other ones look kind of younger. Uh-huh. So I like this interaction that it's a little more both are giving each other shit because it... He's picking on the littler kids and are like the younger ones. And he's like, what are you going to fucking do? But Richie's like, nah, son, we're the same size. Yeah. I'm going to fight back. I feel like it also really speaks to Richie's character because everyone laughs and then they see it and they're like, fuck, everybody yeah. stops. And Richie's like, no, that got to laugh. Yeah. Okay, fucking banana heels. Like, he can't, <laughs> he can't reel it in. Like, right. he doesn't know when the joke is over. <laughs> Which I got to say, even like now at like 30, I'm like, banana heels. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, yeah. you fucking genius. No, don't you look <laughs> foolish. Yes, <laughs> honestly, hilarious. But the smoking man screams at Richie and Henry, but Henry just walks off and he demands that Richie go get a mop from Mr. Marsh and clean everything up. I'd be like, no, Bowers. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's just like, meh, I'm done with this. Who started it? It was Henry. Yeah. yeah it's always Henry. But Richie doesn't give a shit because he's literally whistling on his way to the the custodian's office. But Bev's dad isn't down there. Richie remarks that he's probably drunk as a skunk. He goes down to, I guess, the basement. It looked like a boiler room to me. I thought Freddie was going to be in there. Yes. (laughs) He sees someone at the very back. Thinking it's Mr. Marsh, she starts talking to him. But when the person steps out into the dim lighting, Richie sees that it's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. (laughs) He says, no, this isn't happening. But the werewolf grabs him and Richie screams. He manages to pull away. And when he looks back, it's Pennywise. The clown calls out to him. Beep, beep, Richie. He tells Richie to come back anytime and he'll show him how to float down here. They all float down here. Pennywise bears his fangs and Richie runs back up to the cafeteria. (laughs) Once there, he begs someone to help him because there's a werewolf in the basement. See, that was his first mistake. (laughs) We talk on the show a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We talk a lot about delivery. Uh (laughs) This was not the way to get the message across. And in all fairness, it was really a clown down there. Yeah. Which is more believable. Well, the werewolf was fucking terrifying. Oh, it was. But it's like you couldn't have thought that was really going to work. Do you think, do you think, because clearly that means that that movie scared Richie. Right. So did he pull his drink on them so they would all have to leave <laughs> <laughs> so yeah fuck it right guys <laughs> but again the thing that gets me is that he's such a joker that they probably think that he's just fucking around yeah well everyone yeah. busts out laughing like they're not laughing at him like they're making fun of him they're like yeah. god damn yeah. you first banana heels and now there's a werewolf that's two that's two lights well, out richie he kind of like pauses and then says it yeah softly, well, he's like, Help. so there's a werewolf in the <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because the losers club looks around and they're like oh yeah. <laughs> there might be a werewolf yeah. yeah no they look genuinely concerned even though everybody else is laughing that night, Richie shakes in his bed and we zoom in on his face until it morphs into present day Richie, who still hugs the toilet seat and mutters, stop him. At the dairy library, Mike sits down and looks at a picture of him with the group. His voiceover tells us that the day he took that photo was one of the best days of his life. They were lucky they didn't get killed that summer, but maybe it was more than just luck on their side. And if that's the case, he hopes it returns when they return. Real quick before you go on, I I remember hearing you say about how much they changed his story in the remake. Uh. I don't understand why, because this 
the way they have Mike in the flow of the movie is so much better. I, I don't understand agree. why they took this away from his character. It doesn't make like every. That's one thing I will give this. The way the characters are, the characterization or like how they tell them works so much better in, yeah. This, yeah. in the miniseries. But well, I mean, not only did they take away the fact that he's got all the knowledge of the history, yeah. but they're like, not nah, he can't even go to the same school. It's like, why? Yeah, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it and I don't like it. And I think that the thing about Mike is that with this background and mm -hmm. having gone to school with the kids and everything, right. it makes a million percent more sense that he would stay behind. Yeah. Yeah. But it, what, it does. What they did in the newer films, it's like, why would he stay? Yeah. <laughs> He's not even like he doesn't even live in Dare. Yeah, no, no like, shit, first yeah. of all. And he doesn't even give a shit about the town history. Right. Yeah. I uh And so, then why care about some kids that are not even in the same town as you? That you barely met. Yeah. Yeah. It's it pisses me off. That's the the biggest sin. And there were a lot of sins in those films. Right. To me, that's the biggest thing is what they did to Mike. Because yeah. Mike is a super fucking important character. Super important. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I and don't understand. And they tried to make him stay important, but took away what made him. It, it upsets me. I don't. It pisses me off. Yeah, this Mike is way better. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he muses Lucky Seven and smiles. We zoom in on his face until he is his 12-year-old self standing in front of Mrs. Douglas's class. Mike, played by Marlon Taylor, tells the class that his dad was stationed in Derry in World War II and started collecting old photos. When Henry asks who would want to know the history of this old toilet, Miss Douglas is like, how many years are you going to be in here with me? Dude, she's so over it and it's, I love it. <laughs> but that shuts him up. Yeah. Well, he's he's like, well, maybe four yeah. or five. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Miss Douglas. <laughs> I'm pushing 26. <laughs> My kids are going to lap me. We're yeah. going to get in together. I'm scared, <laughs> Mrs. Douglas. <laughs> That's why I'm lashing out. <laughs> Mike shows an old photo of the ironworks. He tells the story of the Easter egg hunt that was held there in 1930 when the ironworks exploded, killing a lot of people. The bullies throw a paper airplane at Richie as Mike continues. He talks about the dairy standpipe that supplied water to the entire town until a disaster in 1900. He wonders over the mystery of 253 settlers disappearing without a trace. And Miss Douglas is like, thank you for the illuminating and morbid history lesson. Yeah. Well, they've all shit themselves. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, well, I was not done. Yeah. yeah. So Thank you for that. My conclusion, I'll just throw that away. <laughs> I guess. Later, Mike walks down the street until he's accosted by Henry, Patrick, and Belch, and a couple other random ass kids. Yeah, like, yeah. are you building your game? They're the yeah. fucking tunnel snakes. <laughs> <laughs> don't like, don't do that. No. <laughs> we got to rumble with some sharks, but, yeah. like, but first, listen here, Mike. And it is a Stephen King story, so Henry throws around the N-word, saying that Mike lives down the street from him and his dad, and he's been giving them grief for a long time. So they can't have a wet skeleton, but they can say the fucking N-word yeah. with I wanna, the hard R. I want to be honest, dude. Like I'm thinking 7.30 on ABC. <laughs> I, <laughs> I gasped out loud because I forgot this. But the thing is, is that... Okay, I appreciate, of course, them with Mike and his character. Right, right. Yeah. Bringing the history together of his interest in history. Right. Mm -hmm. The history of the town that we don't have time to get into. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so fucking rich. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the history of Mike's family and Henry's yeah. family. Right, right. Yeah. Now, I was taken aback by the racism. Yeah. Yeah. But it it's in the novel. And one thing that was pointed out in the commentary, John Ritter said the actor who plays Henry yeah. apologized 
to the actor who plays Mike after every single take. He said well, he said before well, and after because he felt he didn't like saying fucking it. horrible. Well, I bet. Yeah. Now, I was like, what in the hillbilly shit is this? <laughs> yeah. I too. I was like, I know y'all have said it's in the book, uh-huh. but oh, it I, like it's it happened. A, it's in a like, lot of his books. Fuck? If we're yeah. gonna be completely yeah, honest, I don't, yeah. I don't quite, And a lot of times it's like I don't know what's going on, Steven. <laughs> but Henry sucks and keep going. Yes. He asks if Mike likes fireworks before threatening to put a cherry bomb in his pocket. A man comes out of his store from across the street and tells him to leave Mike alone, but Mike snatches his photo album and runs. The group hangs out at a construction site and Bill tells the rest of them that he's relieved that he's not the only one that saw something. Richie's version was a werewolf, then a clown. For Eddie, it was just a clown. Bill says that it was a werewolf for Richie because of that movie and Ben asks if it's something that can read their minds and take the shape of what they're afraid of. Bev asks if that's what happened to all those missing kids, but Stan is not trying to hear it. With the bullies hot on his trail, Mike jumps the fence into the construction site. Richie asks why they never told each other, and Bill says he was worried they would think he was crazy. Bev agrees, but Stan just repeats that this is not empirically possible. They toss around ideas on what it is until they hear Henry screaming. They start to leave, but Bill tells them all to grab rocks for ammo. <laughs> Mike stumble runs over to them and collapses, asking for their help. I know Mike's going through a lot, but the way he ran looked yeah. fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> well, when he tumbled over that, uh... I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and I was like, that wasn't a stunt boy. No. no. <laughs> not this time it was no. not. I did want to point out that it does kind of create a contradiction. Right. Because the shopkeeper, the shopkeeper yeah. stopping, we'll get into it later, right. him breaking up the fight. Yeah. But I also would like like to point out that i don't think that i've ever wanted to whoop anyone's ass so hard that i would chase them this long no, <laughs> why dude they're hopping well, fences. I mean, there's no phones there's That's nothing true. to board you i guess it's funny too because they come down that like gravel hill yeah. like, it's slow yeah. because they they're have trying. to but they're still like you're fucking dead yeah. man yeah. once we get down there man <laughs> <laughs> But with the derogatory comment for literally everyone, Henry tells Mike that he sure can pick them before identifying the group as the Losers Club. He tells them that he has beef with them, but he'll let it go for today if they just give him Mike. I love that he calls him the Losers Club and they're like, you mind if we use that? Yeah. <laughs> um, what was that last <laughs> yeah, thing That's pretty good, man. But they take a stand. They talk shit back to him and start pelting him and his friends with rocks. Henry is, to be honest, a little pussy. Yeah. Dude. Like he gets hit in the shin and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> but he throws a rock that hits Bev and Ben goes fucking super Saiyan. Yeah. And <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard. He did. <laughs> <laughs> he literally, he, <laughs> as soon as it happens, he grabs a large boulder the size of a small boulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like or was it bill that grabs either way somebody has a big rock somebody clubs henry <laughs> <laughs> they could have killed him they could have well what yeah. there's a line later that is very good yeah. <laughs> after everything though his friends run away in defeat just leaving henry behind mm-hmm. yeah, shame just crew yes. just yeah. left you just, they're like oh this yeah even they don't like you that much yeah they're like yeah. nah let's go <laughs> well we just joined yesterday yeah. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're two recruits. We were just this is not the life for us. <laughs> we were just a couple of Vancouver teens hanging around on set. <laughs> they just threw some leather jackets on us. <laughs> and put gel in our hair. Yeah. <laughs> but Bill tells Henry that the seven of them could put him in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And Henry retreats, muttering, you guys are dead. <laughs> now, that was what it was because Bill, I laughed out loud. Bill whacks him with that boulder. Yeah. And then Ben kicks Henry in the asshole. Yeah. 
<laughs> they had enough, man. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> the apple. <laughs> Bullseye. Oh, my God. But Richie, because Henry, that's what he always says. You're dead. He's like, why don't you get some new material? Yeah. And so Henry just threatens their lives one more time before leaving. Mike thanks them and asks who they are. Eddie says they're sort of a club and Bev agrees. The Losers Club. Bill asks if he wants in and Mike does. Ben declares that there's seven now. Lucky seven. I love he like puts his arm around Mm -hmm. Mike. Uh I just love it. Now, I did laugh a little bit at the pacing of the cinematography. Yeah. I heard on commentary that this is because they were losing daylight. Uh, so like, hurry up, hurry yeah, up. Like, yeah. let's do a one shot. <laughs> you and you and you and you. But it was like everyone was waiting for the camera to be on them. Yeah. yeah. It was just kind of funny. The Losers Club. <laughs> Tommy Wallace is just pointing. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> but Mike takes out his camera and sets it up. They all run and pose for the picture that Mike was looking at in the library. Later, they looked through Mike's photo album before stopping on a drawing of a clown juggling and balancing on a drum. I'm sorry, dude, but <laughs> is it Richie who goes, it's the same man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> you see that drawing? Before we go any further, I just real <laughs> because I this is funny. <laughs> but that would but what a fucking epic story if that really happened in real life. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? The rock fight? Yeah, yeah. this is how he met my friends. So I would literally the, tell that for the rest oh, of my yeah. life. And you have a photo. Yeah, of it. yeah. to prove that's it was amazing. This day. We were all tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the drawing. The same man is being followed <laughs> by adoring children and standing outside the town of Derry. It's labeled Pennywise the Clown. Mike says his dad says there's no way to date this, but that it's probably from the 1700s. They stop Mike, immediately identifying the clown as the one they've seen. <laughs> but Stan is still in denial. Mike flips the page, which has a drawing of another clown dancing outside of a house that he has lit on fire. Yeah. Like the, it escalated yeah. very quickly. He's like dancing with the thing. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Wait, so somebody had to see him do that and then and draw it later? Draw. <laughs> That's a lot, They're dude. like, we need record of this. <laughs> A fucking clown. <laughs> Mike says it's the same. <laughs> that's It's Mike that goes, it's oh. the same man. <laughs> and Bev tells him that he's no man. Bill can only stutter out one word, it. The pages begin to turn on their own, and Bill tells them that this is what happened in Georgie's room. It's a picture of a street with a horse-drawn carriage. Suddenly, the picture begins playing music and moving. A man on stilts goes by, and suddenly Pennywise starts to dance into the frame. <laughs> He growls at them, and as he runs right up to them, everything turns to color. He tells them that he'll kill them all, and he laughs. He'll drive them crazy, and then he'll kill them all. Okay, first of all, I love this scene. Mm -hmm. Yes. The way that it just works. I feel like this, and again, I hate to keep bringing up the new film. Is this the garage scene? This is the garage scene in the new film. Okay. I feel like this works better for me. It does. I did laugh because you see Pennywise do a front flip. Mm-hmm. He he flipped his way yeah. there. Was <laughs> he, it a stunt boy? Well, it was, <laughs> it was clearly a stunt clown. And then you see Tim Curry because he has to run up to the pole. Yeah. Yeah. So he does a really clumsy cartwheel. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's, yeah, you that's Tim Curry. That's Tim. <laughs> it's like, because that front flip was clean. Yeah. Or maybe he disoriented himself. He's like, whoo. He's fucking dizzy, man. Remember when Homer tried when he was crusty and he was doing That's kind of how it felt. But he tells them, I'm every nightmare you've ever had. I'm your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of, which is terrifying. 
He reaches his hand toward them until it comes out of the book. Stan slams it shut and throws it to the ground, still protesting. But the others are like, yes, you literally just saw that. (laughs) Stan says that he didn't want to see it, though, but he finally admits that he did. Bev says that this isn't just them. It's all the other kids. Velma Daniels was in her class and now she's dead. (laughs) Officer Nell was like, all right, now there is another dead kid. (laughs) I don't think anybody wanted to see that. No, no. Bill says that they have to do something, but they can't go to the adults. When you grow up, you stop believing. Tears in his eyes, Bill asks them to help him. He calls out to Pennywise, calling him a bastard and telling him that he killed his brother George. So let's see him now. He tells the rest that he's afraid of them. He can feel it and he wants to kill it. He asks again that they help him. His friends all go over to him and join him in a huddle. I do want to say because I I feel like I'm the resident skeptic a lot of the Uh, time. Yes. But... We just saw a hand come out of a book, right? Yes. Which looked fantastic for miniseries nineteen ninety. No, it did. Yeah. Um, but Stan, after they're like, "No, you saw it. You saw it." Uh-huh. He goes, "Well, if that's what you want." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm f- I fucking hate you now. Yeah. Now is not the time to be passive. Right. No, let's, let's go help little Billy. Like, come yeah. on, he's if freaking that, out. If dude. that yeah. makes you happy, yeah, let's get away from Stan. <laughs> Bill's monologuing. Let's go give him a. <laughs> But in that moment where they huddle and hug, you feel the friendship. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. Again. Yeah. Back in present day at the Dairy Library, Thunder cracks waking up Mike. <laughs> he passed out. He took an accidental <laughs> nap during his, <laughs> during his flashback. <laughs> he sees extremely muddy footprints on the carpeting. When he turns around, there's a huge yellow balloon next to him. It bursts. Pennywise's laugh echoes throughout the library. In Atlanta, Georgia, Stan Uris, played by Richard Masur, sits at home with his wife, Patty, played by Caitlin Hicks. You remember him in The Thing? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. was like, I know him. The dogs, man. Oh, is that him? Yeah. yeah. Right. So him pulling a John Carpenter. Yeah. You know. He's like, hey, why don't you come over here? Yeah. <laughs> he reads the paper as Patty sews. She tells him that her mom called, asking when they're going to make her a grandma, and Stan rushes over to her, kissing her and telling her that he was thinking the exact same thing. He calls himself a sex maniac, which yeah. I thought was really funny. <laughs> but they start to kiss, and they're interrupted when the phone rings. Stan answers it and is excited to hear from Mike. Mike tells him quickly, though, it's come back. Like, I think Mike's just tired. Yeah, well, yeah. this is the fifth fucking phone call. <laughs> and then I had a flashback. <laughs> I fell asleep. Yeah. Stan's happiness fades away and he begins to play nervously with his ear. Mike asks him if he understands and he says that he does. But when he asks Stan if he's going to make it, Stan's like, well, you know, I can't promise that, but I'll certainly consider it. It's like, I'm having a great life as a sex maniac here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't really want to jeopardize that. Mike asks if he remembers his promise and Stan says that he does and gets off the phone. Patty is back into her TV show and asks who it was, but Stan doesn't answer right away. He finally is like, no one, I'm going to go take a bath. (laughs) Without another word, he heads upstairs. He starts to undress for his bath once he's in the bathroom, but stops and grabs his ear again. Uh, Real quick, the show that's playing on TV... Uh, what perfect strangers or something? Yeah, I remember that as a kid, but I have no idea what the fuck that's about. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember it would be on the TV, and I, I, that was it. It hit a nostalgia button. Yeah, that was just like I was like, hey, I'm fucking three. (laughs) I didn't know what it was, but I guarantee it was on ABC. I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, good point. But we flash back to twelve year old Stan holding his ear the same way. He recites the Boy Scouts oath. Bev asks if he's okay, and he says he thinks this is all crazy. Mike shoots at a bottle set up with the slingshot and only hits one out of ten. 
Richie remarks that Mike is even worse than him. Only Bev and Ben are left to try out, and the rest of them have been awful. Bill is leading with three out of ten bottles. God damn. <laughs> Bill snaps at Richie to shut up, and Richie's like, you know, you don't stutter all the time. <laughs> Was that Seth Green? It, or? Felt, <laughs> it felt improv, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bev steps up to the plate and hits every single one of the cans and bottles. A perfect 10 out of 10. Ben says he doesn't even need to shoot. And with wonder, Richie's like, it's like it was always meant to be Bev. Stan is still negative, And Bev's like, well, so what if I can shoot good? That made me laugh the way she said it. Richie's like, are you a boy that sees signs and miracles? <laughs> <sir?"> <laughs> there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. <laughs> But Richie produces his, okay, I've described them as his mother's hideous earrings, declaring them to be sterling silver. Are these bitches melted down or are these real ugly ass earrings? I thought he melted them down, but I don't know how, how well, he did. How did Richie Dozier oh, melt those down? I, he has a fucking <laughs> smell to oh, them. Okay. <laughs> I, I was wondering where he got those melted cans from. I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is that, dude? They're awful. No, they're bad. Mrs. Tozier, please. Like, I never said my mother had good taste. <laughs> right. I, said I said she had silver, silver earrings. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill tells them they all have to believe that this can kill it. Richie hands over the earrings to Bev and they all start to leave the Barrens as it begins to rain. As they walk, Stan continues chanting the oath to himself. They walk to the entrance of the sewers and Bill stops the group, reminding them that they don't have to do this. But Mike says that his father tells him sometimes, you need to know when to make a stand. That's two different things. <laughs> <laughs> so which is and it? Sometimes that means killing yeah. a monstrous clown. Do I need to make a stand or can I go? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm getting mixed signals there. Reluctantly, Stan agrees. Eddie takes a hit off his inhaler and says that he's with his friends. I was a little shocked because it seemed like they were practicing shooting in preparation, yeah. but they're like, no, we'll decide who's going to shoot and then we're fucking going in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, y'all are doing this right now? Can well. I sleep on it? <laughs> Jesus. Can I practice some more? Yeah. I'm going in there like fucking yeah, useless. No. <laughs> Richie asks for Eddie's inhaler and he hands it over. Richie takes a hit and remarks that it tastes like battery acid. Ben takes a hit, then Mike, then Bill, then Bev. Reluctantly, Stan takes it back from Eddie and takes one too. I feel like this is the surrogate group flesh scene. Yeah, I still. I, I don't know I, how else to say it because it's involving I, children. I, know, I would be more I crude, but the, they're twelve. Yeah, well, it's it's. I think that takes place later, right? In the story, they're like, "How do we get out of here?" Yeah, <laughs> and then for some reason, that's the idea. That I think. Look. There were a lot. Stephen King co-wrote this film with a lot of controlled substances, I'm sure. He did. And so I feel like that is a scene that may uh, have just been he worked out and he woke up and it was on the page. He's like, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. I have that note for a scene later. I was uh -huh. like, is this cocaine, Steve? Or what's, <laughs> it, it could be. Like, I, yeah. he, he often says that the book goes where it wants to go and that he's kind of just a conduit. But I feel like that is the explanation That's, for a lot of yeah. warging out <laughs> yeah. from some pharmaceutically enhanced accidental naps maybe uh -huh. <laughs> but well, he had said straight up i remember one of his books he's like yeah i don't remember writing one page of that. i think i think it was insomnia <laughs> that's, that's what a, it was that's a big book <laughs> yeah like that's a lot of not wow. being in control of what you're writing but but yeah what if tabitha just went in there and was like no you wrote this <laughs> <laughs> you're the fucking weirdo it's it's really crazy to me and i heard annette o'toole Mm. Uh -huh. said that it bothered her that that scene was not included in the miniseries and i girl don't what? i don't i don't like it 
uh, my does thing, she know that it was when they were children yeah i think that her thing was that she thought it was a matter of like coming of age and bonding showing them growing into adulthood a lot of people what? a lot of people interpret it that way i feel like maybe i could be a little more lenient if they were 16 17 and not 12 you want to know yeah because it's gonna say aren't they like 11 or they're 12? young as fuck yeah. you know what is okay if she kissed all of them yeah oh yeah maybe that's that, fine yeah. but i don't think and then the stephen king he describes it is very descriptive he describes as it. a writer you don't need to do that he no. describes it and uh thankfully uh, abc was like uh <laughs> <laughs> fuck no no. <laughs> no wet skeletons yeah i'm not and, gonna, i'm not gonna no joke. And, <laughs> i'm not gonna finish please don't and i Jesus. think uh wallace even said he goes i'm gonna be honest with you that doesn't even fit the story. He goes <laughs> no. on commentary. He's like, I'm, he goes, I don't, it's not that I didn't want it in the miniseries. He goes, I don't even think it fits in the novel. Look, uh, I was very young as well when I started dating girls and whatnot. Okay. That didn't mean that I was an adult just because I was having sex didn't mean I was taking some, I'm an, I'm a man now. No, I was still a kid. Yeah, but you, you also weren't fighting evil personified. What? So, <laughs> Did you that, find so you, were, you were missing a key component. You ever heard of the deadlights, I, I JP? Still, <laughs> I still don't think that that's going to do anything for me. No, I will agree. <laughs> but with that done, they head into the sewers. The camera pans over when they do to show Henry, Belch, and Patrick watching them. Henry says they're going into the sewer, but they're not coming back out. Come on, like, man. Henry, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, like, got you, got a Pepsi, you got a Pepsi dumped on you and yeah. some rocks thrown. Why right, is there a different way out? Like, yeah. is there <laughs> they're going to go out the back yeah, way. Uh-huh. Richie, <laughs> he should have been like, is Pepsi okay? <laughs> <laughs> Henry's like, no, no. <laughs> That's why he was mad. Exactly. <laughs> Couldn't dump a Coke on me? Shit. Once inside, they try to give Stan another out, but he sticks with the group. They go in further. Before they climb into a pipe, the bullies watch over them. Henry gives Patrick the job to get ahead of them, which I don't know how... Okay, but... And chase them back toward him and Belch. Well, but he says something along the lines of, hey, you remember when we chased that dog into the sewers? What I are y'all like, doing? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> why why are you fucking with yeah. the dog like that this is why you're still in sixth grade <laughs> <laughs> at age 30 <laughs> i just don't get it he tells patrick to hurry or there's going to be nothing left of him when patrick is hesitant to go alone they just make fun of him until he does I was like, okay. uh, yeah the group climbs down into the sewers and finds an orange pom-pom confirming that they're on the right track he's just leaving clown buttons yeah <laughs> he's like oh this way yeah. right this way that's sloppy <laughs> I mean, unless he wants them in there. No. Well, well, I think, yeah. well, you know, Patrick, though, looks around as something with a flashing white light comes toward him in a tunnel. He sees the bright light shining through the grate beneath him and his eyes widen. Through the point of view of the bright light, we descend on Patrick as he tries to run, but we overcome him and he screams. So I do want to talk about where this was filmed because it was actually an old steel mill. Huh. Oh. And I think that kind of explains why it's such a wide open space. Ah, okay. Because I don't, I've never been inside a sewer, but I don't know that I could go in there without crouching. We went into the sewers once. Yeah, but we we were were also half our size. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. I didn't grow much more. <laughs> I've been in a sewer when I was a teenager, and mm-hmm. it's uh Yeah. Yeah, that was, it Dude, was very scary. Is it roomy like this, or you have to crouch? Oh, no, it's pretty small. I mean, we, I mean, I was, I'm short already, but I was shorter, and I still kind of had to bend down a little, but yeah, it's uh I'm yeah, doing see. clumsy Pennywise cartwheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to point out that Wallace said that they built a dolly specifically to get that shot over the pipes. Nice. Um, that looks good. It, it does. does. Yeah. Looks real good. And dude knew he was done for. Oh, yeah. And when dude told him to go off by himself, he was like, fuck. He's like, right. have you ever seen a horror film? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know what scream is? <laughs> <laughs> but the Losers Club walks through a different tunnel with Stan trailing behind them. Henry and Belch silently grab him and drag him away from the group. Belch belches in his face and henry pulls out his knife telling stan that he's first the group continues into a clearing and immediately realizes stan is missing well it takes a second yeah, i was gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> they're like one, two, three, four, five, seven. yeah damn it because <laughs> I, I thought that too i was like how do you not know this dude was we would be right holding there. hands yeah. yeah we would be holding hands holding a string holding our something. jackets something i think that just shows how much stan brings to the table yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're like well something's not right yeah. wait someone hasn't been a skeptic asshole <laughs> for five minutes <laughs> where's stan in the tunnel with the bullies, Henry cuts the buttons off of Stan's shirt. I'm like, why are you taking it slow? Yeah, Henry? I don't know. It's like, we're going to have a... F- yeah. <laughs> like, he's having too much fun. I, but then again, I think... He's like, hey, Siri, play Barry White. Yeah. <laughs> he's with Belch, and Belch earlier was like, God damn, Henry, you're really yeah. going to cut him? But now he's like, yeah, cut him. Yeah. <laughs> that was after the... That was before the rock. Yeah. I guess so. He's like, yeah, that. well, that did hurt. Yeah. So. <laughs> But Henry tells Stan to think of every rock that he threw before he dies. But we see the white light traveling down a tunnel that they're standing next to. The tunnel explodes, bursting open and knocking Henry and Stan to the side. It lifts Belch up, though. He is helpless, floating up to the burst pipe with the bright light surrounding him. Belch has a blank expression of horror as he is folded in half so he can fit in the pipe and he's slowly mm-hmm. pulled inside. This shit scared the shit out of me <laughs> as a child. I can't even talk. You can't even talk it right really now. like fucking wrecked my world. Well, it looks crazy just it like looks that still. Crazy. Yeah. And you just got your fucking buddies killed, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah. I I the contortion. Yeah. Oh mm. no, it looks great. I'm assuming it's somehow fake legs. I don't know how uh, they did this. Know, but yeah, it they're looks, just pulling him. It looks fantastic. It <laughs> yeah. was a stunt boy. <laughs> <laughs> they were stunt legs. Stunt yeah. legs. Yeah. <laughs> Stan and Henry watch in horror as the white light retreats. The light disappears and Henry calls out for Belch. But the white light's like, oh, you rang? And starts back up, racing to the end of the pipe and descending on Henry. Stan takes off running, but Henry is stupidly paralyzed with fear. The light flashes and Henry's hair is impossibly white now, his face holding an expression of shocked terror. So I like that they kept that they turned Henry into Billy Idol. Because <laughs> <laughs> they cut that out of the newer films. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I, I don't know, it's just a really cool visual. Right. Yeah. No, it does look cool. Like he wasn't just scared. No. Like, he was yeah. fucking scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, start again. (laughs) (laughs) But Stan runs down the tunnels, dodging the bright light as he calls out for his friends to help him. He finds them and announces that it is coming. They all hold hands and stand in a circle, but are knocked down when the light comes into the clearing. It slides over them and everything is chaos until it retreats into a small tunnel. I love the red light in the tunnel as he's running. Yeah. Thought that looked really good. And Wallace said on commentary that the fog, when he worked on with Carpenter, right. gave him kind of the incentive to add all this smoke into this scene. 
Oh, uh, well. Right. And it works so oh, well. Oh, yeah. And James Wan, this is his favorite scene. No, yeah. <laughs> he was taking notes. <laughs> that thing, I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Abyss, Mm-mm. but no. this looks like something straight out of that movie. Really? Like, it looks really cool. Yeah. To me, I, it almost looked like a turtle's belly. I thought it was a turtle's yeah. tummy. And, and so, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Are we doing this shit? <laughs> it's it's not. Is this happening? Yeah, no. no. Spoiler <laughs> it's alert, not. it's not. We talked off mic about how John Ritter. Yeah like really pulled for it yeah he's like so when are we are we doing the cosmic stuff and abc is like what the fuck are you talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> like how no no we are not shut up but yeah, they, yeah that would be cool but you know i could see it easily being very cheesy well yeah. probably and i'm sorry but people being like they had us in the first half yeah, yeah. like you lost us at the end well when you're trying to reach a mainstream audience on abc yeah, yeah. probably probably not i thought he was a clown now he's a yep, yeah probably not intergalactic <laughs> turtle travel <laughs> it's probably not the way yeah the macroverse to get asses in the seats yeah, yeah. no when the kids come to, it is dark again and fog is filling the area. They all hold on to each other and call roll to make sure everyone is still with them. Bill reasons that if it was as strong as it thought it was, it would have just killed them. They just have to resist and stay strong. As if in response to this, Georgie appears behind Bill in his yellow raincoat, pleadingly calling his name. Bev tells him that that's not George and not to break the circle. But Al Marsh appears where Bill was, telling her to stop messing around with those boys and come home right now. Bev tries to reason with her father, but Richie tells her to wake up because that's not daddy. He tells her there's nothing there. And we pan over to him as werewolf hands <laughs> clasp yeah. down on his shoulders like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Richie repeats that there's nothing there. And the hands retreat like, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I love I love the emotion of the yeah. camera. Yeah. But the fucking werewolf yeah. being like, OK, OK. Right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I, I do. I did like this. It made me think of. Uh, cabin in the woods mm. when the kids from japan were holding hands and singing yeah. and it took away the spirit <laughs> yeah and i was like if you guys hold hands and stay together we just you, gotta yeah, stick together. yeah you got it or sing that song from the montage ah, yeah. there you go <laughs> warm side of the door there we go. that, that will get anything only, yeah it's the only thing <laughs> Stan frantically whispers the Boy Scout's oath to himself, but when he stops, Pennywise calls his name and is somehow now between him and Bev holding their hands in the circle. That was hilarious to me because he's like, y'all really thought that this was going to... I'm in it. I'm in the circle too. What I love is when did he force his way into that? I feel like that's an adult clown glove. (laughs) No, I'm just imagining things. A lot of weird shits are going on. He lifts Stan up and carries him away, slamming him against the wall. They call to Stan to be strong, but Pennywise tells him to let go and be afraid because they all taste so much better when they're afraid. They get the silver earrings for Bev to shoot and yell at Bev to kill it, but Pennywise just busts out laughing at the prospect that it can be killed. (laughs) Bev drops one of the silver earrings, but scrambles on the foggy ground to pick it back up. Pennywise tells them that he is eternal. He's the eater of worlds and of children, and Stan is next. It bears its fangs and leans in towards Stan. Thinking fast, Eddie bravely steps forward and delivers. I wrote the iconic line. To me, it's fucking iconic. (laughs) This is battery acid, you slime. 
He sprays his inhaler in Pennywise's face. And Pennywise does not react well to <laughs> the battery acid, holding his face and stepping away from Stan. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he fucks him up. Yeah. He He's like Ben with the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I will say that the post-battery acid makeup, yeah. fantastic. It's so oh, yeah. fucking good. Oh, yeah. His hands stick to the side of his face that has already begun to melt, and he pulls them away and growls at them. Bev prays to God as she studies her shot. She shoots and fucking busts Pennywise upside <laughs> yeah. his head, spilling out an impossibly bright white light. So are those the headlights? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the boys cheer her on as she shoots the second one. But before she can, Pennywise does a fucking sick backflip and lands in the drain, shrinking himself down before descending into it. It's a little dated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's part of the charm, man. <laughs> With just a hand left sticking out, he grabs Bill's hand. I love that he just can't yeah. fucking no. let it go. Sharp. <laughs> Sorry, even the kids were like, that's not the same clown. <laughs> <laughs> Sharp, monstrous fingers poke through the white glove as even Stan snaps into action and everyone pulls Bill back away from him. Tentacle-like fingers burst through the glove before finally pulling down into the drain. After conflicting opinions on whether it is dead, Bill says they have to go in after it in case it's not. It's like, okay, Bill, you first. You yeah. fucking shrink into the drain. Yeah, what part did you play in yeah. that at all? <laughs> <laughs> it gives out one more yell from the drain, and we cut to the kids walking through the woods outside the entrance of the sewers. We're going to need some fucking therapy. Oh, oh yeah. No. There's, there's no coming back. Yeah. From this. No. This is why they all repressed it. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way. We see what we saw in that first flashback. Bill pleading with them to swear that if it isn't dead, they'll all come back and kill it. They put their hands in the middle and one by one, they all swear. At first, Stan doesn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's like, yeah. my name's Paul. <laughs> it's like, who else got grabbed by a yeah. clown? <laughs> fucking right. shoved against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you guys got to just say I swear we had to cut our fucking hands? Yeah, with yeah, they did it fucking like, bad what? too. They it's have like, nerve damage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never cut a hand before. God <laughs> damn, too deep, man. I'm all Fuck woozy. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting woozy here. <laughs> but when everyone else promises and Bill looks over at Stan, he joins in their hands. They all huddle into a hug, and we pan out. Back in present day at Stan's house, Patty Uris climbs the stairs to the bathroom in a frisky mood, calling out to Stan that she's going to help scrub him. <laughs> she starts talking and she's like, I'll scrub your back and scrub your chest and scrub. <laughs> <laughs> she turns into Pennywise. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. But there's a weirdly cherub baby statue in mm. the hallway. This is when I noticed that his house looks fucking weird. Yeah. There's like a thing that looks like like uh, when Jack Skellington was trying to, what's this? What's this? Yeah, yeah. It's like, full of, like, it looks like Christmas decorations in a beaker. Yeah. Like, everything yeah. was fucking weird. I read that Tommy Lee Wallace did that on purpose to make it clear that there's something off about Stan. Right. Okay. And it's like, this dude's house is fucked yeah. up. <laughs> but she carries a mug and a beer and knocks on the door, but Stan doesn't answer. She lets herself inside the bathroom and sees Stan lying in the tub, his face obstructed by the shower curtain. She sees his suit neatly folded and stacked on the lid of the toilet seat. Then she notices the razor on the side of the tub and his arms slack, dripping bright red blood onto the white floor. She drops what she's holding and the mug shatters onto the floor. We pan past the shower curtain and see Stan's lifeless face. His other wrist is slit as well and he's used the blood to write the huge word it on the tile of the wall. 
Patty's face contorts in horror as she looks at her husband and begins to scream. This is the end of part one. Mm-hmm. It's a very dramatic ending. Yeah. Yes. I was very surprised that they could show all that. Yeah. Yeah. On ABC. I kind of yeah. had to keep reminding myself that this was on fucking TV. Yeah. And not even like super late. Dude. And so they yeah. show that. First of all, it ends very abruptly. She screams and it's like, cut. Yeah. yeah. But I did think it was kind of crazy that you could put that on ABC and then they're like, tune in tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh, and that, but you can't have the skeleton too yeah, wet. But the skeleton, is, yeah. But the like, skeleton you know, can't be wet. One or the other. One or the other. I don't know. I don't get it. But just as abruptly as part one ends, part two starts. Yeah. Somber music plays as a taxi pulls up to the dairy cemetery. Adult Bill gets out, paying the driver and telling him he doesn't need to wait for him because he's going to walk back. He walks to his brother's grave and apologizes to Georgie, asking how he could have forgotten. He closes his eyes and when he opens them, he sees Pennywise digging a fresh (laughs) grave in a row of seven graves. Mm -hmm. He pops out of the hole and still making fun of Bill's stutter, tells him to take his pick. We pan over as Pennywise tells him he can't have the one on the end, though, because it's already taken. The grave is filled in with a big white cross presiding over it. Wouldn't that, I mean, because... Yes, one of us is gone. Yeah, yeah, I would immediately think that. But Pennywise do be just talking shit. That so is So maybe he's trying to scare me, you know, right. whatever. But dude, I'm, I'm trying to hang out with my little brother for a yeah, second. Yeah, you don't yeah. gotta do yeah. it all this. Wait till I leave. Me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I just got yeah. here, dude. Yeah. Dude, he stays fucking with them. Like, yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Just a dick, dude. I did want to point out, because we, we haven't mentioned it yet, but he has a very, very thick, like, Bronx accent. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and as soon as I saw him fuck with Bill immediately, I said he's still Penny from the block. Yeah. <laughs> PW. Yeah. Don't be fooled by the rocks that he no. got from the rock fight. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill tells him that he remembers they beat him, and he's not afraid. In response, Pennywise bears his fangs and disappears, leaving only his laugh echoing behind him. Bill closes his eyes, and when he opens them again, both Pennywise and the seven sinister graves are gone, and he breathes a sigh of relief. Bill's next visit is to the library. Once inside, he sees that he has a section dedicated to him as Derry's own Bill Denbro. That is so sweet. Yes. You know that Mike tells everybody. Oh, yeah. It's like, well... Here, look at this picture. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best day of my fucking life. He sees Mike behind the circulation desk and makes his way over. Mike recognizes him immediately and goes over, acknowledging how old he, Mike, looks. He doesn't really look older than them. He just has a little gray in his hair. Yeah. I, and I think they sprayed that in. Yeah. Really? I read that it was uh, baby powder on, oh. on a toothbrush. <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it. But they hug. The library is bustling and Mike suggests that they go outside. Once outside, Mike says that they didn't need to stay in there and create any further paranoia. Bill admits that he doesn't remember much of anything. He doesn't even remember why he came back except for Georgie. I forgot to mention one of the books that he wrote is called The Glowing. Yeah, I was going to ask, do any of them mean anything? Because they all sound very... I couldn't place them, but I know that is The Shining. (laughs) Yeah, that's what (laughs) I thought. That's all I got. But I'm pretty sure every one of them has a Stephen King counterpart. Because he is a Stephen King counterpart. Yes. Yes. But Mike says that it probably won't all come back at once. And Bill asks how he remembers everything. Mike says it's simple. He never left. He can look on a street corner and see the seven of them all together again. Bill smiles. Lucky seven. And is astonished that that just came back to him. 
He looks around the neighborhood and remembers that one of them used to live around here. It was Bev. The light bulb goes off and he keeps talking. Bev was poor because her father was the janitor at school. This was poor town. Mike's like, yeah, it still is. Yeah. <laughs> then he walks up to the house they were standing in front of. His house. Yeah, Bill, no. Uh. Yeah, God <laughs> damn it. He says he's a bachelor. It's clean and paid for. It's really all he needs. And Bill smiles as he puts his foot in his mouth. <laughs> he's lucky mike wasn't like deals off fuck you yeah why don't you fucking go home back to fucking england where you're making a fucking movie but inside (laughs) he's not petty at all no he's petty wise (laughs) but inside they have a beer and mike tells bill that he's arranged a dinner for everyone bill says that he hasn't seen anyone yet but he could feel when each of them hit town and he knows that they're not all here Mike could feel it as well, citing that whatever connects them, it's powerful stuff. Bill toasts to remembering, and Mike smiles at him. We cut to them outside. Mike says that he has something to help Bill's memory. He opens his shed and takes out Bill's bike, Silver. Which I'm like, okay, this is Poor Town, but you have a fucking yard and a shed. Like, sign me up for Poor Town, okay? Yeah, I will. That's yeah, how I'm living. I don't. <laughs> God damn. I don't have a goddamn shed. You have a yard? <laughs> But Bill remembers immediately. Mike explains that he ran across it at a pawn shop and something made him buy it. The only thing wrong with it is a flat tire. The kicker is he bought a repair kit for it on impulse three months before he ever saw the bike at the pawn shop. He says that there was a force guiding them that summer and he doesn't know if they created it or it came to help them. But maybe it's still here. He goes inside to change his clothes for dinner and Bill smiles at the bike before being hit with the flashback. In the flashback, he rides full steam ahead with Stan on the back of his bike. We are behind them, and Stan looks back fearfully, but they get away. Back in Mike's yard, Bill snaps back to reality and gets to work fixing the bike. I love that Mike kind of says, you know, something was protecting them. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like they had a shell around them, a protective (laughs) shell Shell. that they could recede into. Right. uh, If only there was an animal that I could could do that. (laughs) Yeah. And don't be deal. Whatever. (laughs) I thought it was. Funny is that so Raven when he touched the bike? Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> That's true. And Mike's like, great. Now, yeah, he's like, now I lost another you. five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Richie Tozier arrives in town in a red convertible singing I Get Around by the Beach Boys. He's appalled when he sees that the Paramount is closed down, yelling where the people here are supposed to get their culture. <laughs> he stops the car and stares up at the marquee, which now reads, Rest in peace, Richie Tozier. Born 1950, died 1990. Pennywise's laugh echoes, and we cut to Richie pulling up to the library and frantically stumbling inside. It wasn't very nice. No. But he's laughing his fucking ass off. He asks for Mike and is told by the library aide, played by Megan Leach, that he left a while ago, but he'll probably be back. Richie, still thrown off balance, takes a seat and opens a contemporary women magazine. (laughs) He gets the shit scared out of him when the library aide brings him a cup of water because he clearly needs one. He needs Uh, something. He takes it and checks her out as she walks away, only for Pennywise's voice to chime in. A little young for you, isn't she? Beep, beep, Richie. I thought that when she walked away, she was going to be Pennywise. Yeah. So I was expecting like, 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 clown shoes. And he's like, oh, no. But uh, this is way better. Yeah. Richie proclaims out loud that he didn't hear that. And an old man is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
He looks up to the second floor to see Pennywise reading a newspaper. He tells Richie, cackling, that he has a balloon for him. He lowers his paper and asks if he wants it. He asks if one balloon isn't enough and tells Richie to try a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way that his thick Brock Bronx accent <laughs> says it, I swear to God, I didn't think he said try a bunch. I thought he said, try him, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> He's not fucking no, around anymore. He's not. Dozens of balloons float down from the ceiling and one by one, they explode in the faces of people sitting and reading quietly, covering them in blood. I remember when we were kids, we would watch this with mom and we'd laugh because they're all like, oh, like yeah. they, all, they all blink when it explodes. When they're not supposed to see them at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one explodes in Richie's face and covers him in blood as well. And he runs away screaming. Pennywise spins a noisemaker and laughs his entire ass off. <laughs> this is, it has to be one of my favorite scenes with Pennywise because he's just fucking full, like 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. himself, like just having a blast. He, <laughs> he's not even trying to be scary. He's just no, being really he's annoying. No, he's having so much like, fun. He, he's like, annoying? Yeah. Well, he's, because dude's got to shout over the sounds that only he, he does. hears. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's, I've never seen anybody have more fun. Yeah. yeah. Richie stumbles to the library aide, and before he can talk to her, Pennywise yells down at him to leave tonight. They're all too old to stop him. He starts to tell her that if she sees Mike, but Pennywise interrupts again. He asks, do you have Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> you do. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Yeah. Well, you better let him out. Well, no, my second favorite part. My favorite part is the laugh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I, I was like, he, what, how he broke? <laughs> like, what happened? He's like, dude, it's been 27 fucking years. I am like busting with these shits. Like, come on, man. He's full of energy. He's been sleeping. Yeah. He continues to laugh and spin the noisemaker, causing Richie to scream at the library aide that if she sees Mike Hanlon, tell him that he left to get cleaned up and he'll see him tonight. Pennywise screams down that it's his last chance to get out while he still can. He continues to crack jokes and uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, <laughs> as Richie runs back to his car, still covered in blood. But I will say that I think that that is the first kind of representation of him showing his fear. Yeah. Because yeah. before he was like, hey, meet me down in the fucking sewer. Yeah, now he's, like, now he's like, why don't, don't you fucking leave? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe y'all shouldn't be here. Yeah. Maybe you should leave. Aren't you supposed to host Carson? <laughs> <laughs> Back at Mike's house, Mike comes back outside to see that Bill has fixed the wheel on silver. The way you do the things you do by the Temptations plays as we get a montage of Mike and Bill riding on silver as adults and as children. So sweet. I love it so it much. Is. They're having fun. At one part, Mike like holds his jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill to be a bull and charge yeah. at it. And then he swings his jacket and hits himself in the face. And they're yeah. like, man, we're yeah. crazy. He recovers. <laughs> he, did. he hit himself. And then he's like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the way it happens, you expect him to be like Mintos, the yeah, freshman. That. No, it looks very sitcom opening. Like, yeah. And Mike Hanlon has. It, it like, does. It's it, so cute. This looks very fun but as a 37 year old man i'm not doing that nah, nah, there's, <laughs> like, i'm tired just yeah, that, yeah god damn that's well, not happening a stunt man <laughs> gets on the fucking whatever the topsy-turvy thing oh, is called. yeah seesaw the seesaw yeah so it's just so fucking cute i love this and we're we have like three or four montages in this film yeah. and they're all chef's kiss to yeah me. i love a montage and i love these mon maybe this is why i love montages it started you early it all started with this because these are great yeah and the best one's coming up. Yes. But the montage ends as Mike presents Bill with a deck of bicycle cars to put in the spokes of his bike. Bicycle always made the best noise. 
Bill opens the deck and fucking hilariously <laughs> yeah. spills them all onto the ground. Like he, you, you did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> he got too excited. Yeah. But Mike has bent down to put them in the spokes and sees that the cards that are face up are two aces of spades. Pennywise's laugh echoes as we see that the backs of all the cards are a drawing of Pennywise. <laughs> yeah. It's like that wasn't enough. I took the two aces of spades to be like eyes watching. Okay. And I was like, well, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I read that John Ritter took one of these cards home. Oh. No. How- <laughs> yeah. How could you not? Yeah. I would have taken the whole deck. Oh, yeah. There's a whole crew. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, no, no I'll pick yeah, their two. They're mine. They're mine. <laughs> But Ben arrives in Derry in the back of a cab, trying to talk business on Zach Morris's cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) When the call loses reception, he gets off and gets on his electronic organizer. It's like, we get it. You're high tech, Ben. Okay. (laughs) He's distracted when they come to a bridge where he was first attacked by Henry and ended up meeting his friends. He gets the driver to pull over and ask that he wait for him as he walks down into the Barrens. Suddenly, chubby kid played by Amos Hertzman, runs down into the Barrens, being chased by a group of kids. Of course, Ben immediately sees himself being chased by Henry, Belch, and Patrick. Mm-hmm. They push Chubby Kid down and run away, and Ben goes over to help him. You had more than enough time to go help him. <laughs> he was you working watched- out. Oh. He's like, let's see how this plays yeah. out. <laughs> the kid has hurt his knee, and Ben takes a bandana out of his back pocket, wets it in the stream water, which I don't know if that's safe, and ties it around the kid's leg. Yeah, the, the pond scum, dude. Uh-huh. Why are you putting that on his wound? He's like, oh, I'm already yeah. infected. Yeah. <laughs> he literally snags a leech and just yeah. puts it in. <laughs> he tells the kid to always be prepared and to keep the bandana. He says he'll be okay and he limps away. Ben tells him to hang tough and that he's going to make it. Ben hears his name and suddenly he's a child again, approaching the entrance of the sewers where a standing skeleton, a dry skeleton, (laughs) tells him that he can't wait to get him down here with them. Well, the years have been kinder to Ben than his father. (laughs) (laughs) His dad definitely looked better before. Ben, as an adult now, says that it's all only in his mind. He rubs his face and when he opens his eyes again, the skeleton is gone. Bum played by Diva Neil de Podesta, places a hand on Ben's shoulder, scaring the shit out of him oh, and yeah. asking for change. Ben runs away and the man's like, I wasn't going to hurt you. I don't even know you. Yeah. <laughs> he was offended. He's like, what the fuck, dude? Well, that was rude. Yeah, yeah that's it was. true. And Ben's rich as fuck. Yeah, you could break him off a piece. <laughs> yeah. Or pull some candy from your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> ben jumps back in the cab and they drive away to the Dairy Inn. The cabbie asks if he was reliving his childhood down there, and Ben says that he was saying hi to some old ghosts. On the side of the road, they pass Pennywise holding a yeah. bunch of balloons. <laughs> I love it. He smiles and waves at Ben, and suddenly there's a yellow balloon in the car next to him with the big black words, turn back now. He's like, guys, just go. Yeah. Just go home. <laughs> I did want to point out, I heard on commentary, John Ritter said that he was operating the balloon with a string. Oh, uh. cool. I was like, how is it turning so perfectly? Yeah. And now it all makes He's sense. Morning, man. Yeah, he is. Eddie arrives in Derry and immediately goes to the pharmacy. He remarks that time goes by as we watch the present day pharmacy transform back into the pharmacy when he was a kid. Inside, in the past, Mr. Keene, played by Tom Heaton, hesitates before giving Eddie his prescription and asks how old he is now. Eddie tells him he's almost 12 and Mr. Keene decides that that's old enough and invites him back to his office. 
He tells Eddie to relax and says that most of his troubles come from him being so stiff all the time. Troubles like his asthma. He asks if Eddie knows what a placebo is, and Eddie immediately tries to leave. Mr. Keene tells him that his inhaler is just water with a squirt of camphor in it to make it taste like medicine. God damn. Yeah. yeah. Eddie is immediately in denial. Mr. Keene tells him that his mother is convinced that he's sick and his doctor is weak enough to go along with her, and Eddie himself is just caught in the middle. Eddie tells Mr. Keene that he's lying to him and that he does have asthma. He runs out of the pharmacy where present day Eddie now stands, filling his prescription for an inhaler with the new pharmacist played by Paul Batan. This was very mean on commentary, but this new pharmacist has a large cranium. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's just call it like it is. Right. He's blessed. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tim Reed on commentary. He Mike? Was, yes. Was pretending to be Eddie. And he said, yes, I'll take your best shrink head medicine. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why? That man's just doing his job. He is, and he seemed like the nicest pharmacist ever. Wow. That literally made me dizzy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a little lightheaded, but I was like, how dare you? He doesn't know where the shrink head medicine is, no. Eddie. That doesn't even make sense. No, that doesn't even. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The new pharmacist's grandfather calls for him to bring him a cigar, and the new pharmacist refuses. Eddie, though, follows the voice to find an elderly Mr. Keen. Mr. Keen asks Eddie for a cigar, and Eddie tries to get him to remember him. Mr. Keen doesn't seem to, so Eddie just thanks him for trying to tell him the truth all those years ago. He turns to leave, but Mr. Keen says, Hydrox, H2O, water, it's only water, it's all in your head, Sonny. Eddie's thrilled that he does remember him, but Mr. Keen grabs onto him with a monstrous hand. I say monstrous. It looked human, but it looked fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> like, that wasn't Mr. Keen's hand. Well, it was pointy. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, is this Khloe Kardashian? <laughs> Have you seen that picture of her hand? It no, no anyway. I'm sure it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I took your word for it and laughed yeah. anyway. <laughs> I'll show you on break. It's okay. scary. If Mr. I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Keene with Pennywise's voice tells him to get out of Derry while he still can and to beware. Mr. Keene lets go looking confused and reverts to his old self asking for a cigar and Eddie runs. I laughed because the whole time he was being grabbed. Right. Eddie's like, Mr. Keene, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your monster hand is hurting me <laughs> like you know it's not mr keen yeah yeah but and uh, that's that was kind of my thing i was like i know it's not real but as soon as this motherfucker grabbed me i'm sorry mr keen i'm gonna go upside your head you need to let go of my inhaler or my water vapor yeah. <laughs> also again it's unnecessary because mr keen slash pennywise yeah he goes girly boy yeah <laughs> again <laughs> Again, he can't resist. <laughs> he can't resist. <laughs> Bev arrives to Derry, and her first stop is her old house. She rings the bell that says Marsh, but an older lady comes to the door instead. Bev apologizes, saying that she was looking for Marsh, and the lady asks if she means Al Marsh. Bev says yes, and the woman apologizes and tells her that her father has been dead for five years. She kind of sucks because she's like, oh, no, Marsh lives here. What, yeah. you mean Al Marsh? Which is it? Have you never heard the name before? Yeah. Or do you know exactly who I'm talking about? I already don't trust you. Bev tries to cite that the bell still says Marsh, but when she turns and looks, it says Kirsch now. The woman is Mrs. Kirsch, played by Florence Patterson. 
She tells Bev that she knew Al a little and invites her inside for some tea. Bev tries to say no, but Mrs. Kirsch insists and brings her inside. Yeah, she kind of like pushes her. She does. She makes her come in. Mm -hmm. Bev looks around her old house in wonder and heads for the bathroom. She goes to the sink and immediately plugs the drain with a stopper, smart, before washing her face. The water drips rhythmically as she tries to gather herself. A loud noise startles her from outside. I don't know what that noise was. <laughs> I don't know either. It sounded like a monster growling. Yeah. <laughs> but Mrs. Kirsch is like, did you fall asleep? It's tea time. <laughs> She's been in there for like 30 yeah. seconds. No, oh, that's what you think. But when Bev looks back down at the sink, it's nearly full of water from that slow drip. Well, I so, missed that part. Uh, yeah. She's been in there. <laughs> All right. She's been in there for a long time. <laughs> and she mutters that tea would be nice. In the living room, Mrs. Kirsch pours the tea and Bev compliments how cozy Mrs. Kirsch has made the place. Mrs. Kirsch fucking gulps her tea very strangely mm-hmm. and tells Bev to drink it while it's still nice and hot. We see now that her teeth are suddenly filthy and very dark. Yeah, I don't think she's a nice old lady. Not no. so yeah. much. Starting to lose me. Yeah. <laughs> Bev looks down at her cup, which is now full of blood. Shaken, she drops her cup and it shatters onto the carpet, spilling blood everywhere. The blood is more TV friendly than the raw sewage from the novel. Yeah. That's shit, yeah. folks. Yeah. <laughs> for the for the layman. Uh I felt like again was very surprised that they're showing a cup full of blood right. fucking splashing across the floor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I think this is one of my favorite segments from the novel. So I'm glad that it got it's some. It's one of mine too. Yeah. Mrs. Kirsch tells her not to trouble herself and that she'll clean it up. Bev says that the bell did say Marsh. With her face lowered, picking up pieces of broken cup, Mrs. Kirsch tells her to run away because to stay will mean worse than death. They float down there. Her voice begins to distort into Pennywise's and Mrs. Kirsch looks up. She is now Bev's eyeless and rotting dead father, telling her in Al's voice that he worries about her. He worries a lot. This makeup is great. Oh, yeah. It's so fucking good. I read... (laughs) I read that the initial idea was to have Tim Curry in makeup right. for everyone that Pennywise is pretending to be. <laughs> That's a lot. How <laughs> How the fuck? She she would open the door uh, and we'd be like, this is fucking Pennywise. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are they going to do that? This is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> what the hell? Chicken while it's nice and hot. <laughs> just straight uh, up Tim Curry. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I noticed, I didn't know if it was just maybe a coincidence or whatever, but what the the glass when she's or the cup when she's picking it up it looks yellow red and white and i was like so is that for pennywise i'm sure yeah. and because she does that didn't look like that when she was drinking out of it yeah but when she starts picking up the pieces i was like some of those pieces are red some of them are yellow and some the inside of it is white i was like is interesting that is, yeah like, is that his clothes little cute yeah that's pretty cool i didn't All notice of that it, uh, uh, I barely caught it. <laughs> I like I caught it at the end and then I had to rewind it and I was like, oh shit. It that's cool though. All of it is frightening. This like starting with like this loss of time in the bathroom. So she's already off kilter. And then this woman slowly making her more and more uncomfortable. And uh, then it's her fucking dad. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of it just it just gets worse and worse and worse. It, this part is so effective to yeah. me. The only part that I would have liked and it would have added a little bit mo- little bit more time mm-hmm. is Mrs. Kirsch being Pennywise's daughter. That always scared the fuck out of me yeah. in the novel. Yeah. Where she's my like, fodder. my father yeah. joined the circus. Right. I'm like, ah, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, it's genuinely fucking scary. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a big can of worms to open. And it's yeah. like, we got to get them to the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got about an hour left, guys. Speed it up. 
But Bev runs to the door and Al chases her. He grabs her shoulder and Bev screams in his face that he's not real before running out into the street. She turns back around to find Pennywise just standing on the porch <laughs> yeah. and fucking laughing. He cackles before stepping inside and closing the door. I thought that was hilarious. He's yeah. like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, show's over. He's like, it's still tea time. Yeah. yeah. A truck honks at Bev, who moves out of the way of being hit, and Pennywise's laugh echoes as she looks back at her childhood home and sees that it's actually shuttered and condemned. Yeah, see, he more just being a dick. Yeah. yeah. Just an asshole. And then that truck driver had more than enough time to slow. Oh, he did. She was on <laughs> a long like, ass street. <laughs> <laughs> I I did think that the boarded up house, it, it just makes it a million times oh, yeah. Yeah. scarier. Because none of that. No. None yeah. of it happened. Just amazing. But a yellow balloon bounces down the street and it fades to black. Back in England, Audra talks with the director of the film, Greco, played by Russell Roberts. He tells her that he's always told her that Bill was no good, but Audra tells him not to insult her husband. Greco is furious that Bill would leave on him, but Audra reminds him that he's complained about Bill ever since they started adapting his film. Greco tells her that Bill is never going to work in this business again, but that something like this can bring an estranged couple closer. He takes her hands as he continues that if the gods are smiling, it could pull that couple further apart. It's like, what Jesus. the fuck? <laughs> Audra pulls her hands away from him, but Greco says that this could really be a blessing in disguise. She grabs his hands again and asks if he could just give her a few days. But this time Greco pulls his hands away, saying that he's just going to pretend he didn't hear her say that. Bill is replaceable, but she isn't. So don't even think about leaving. He makes some thinly veiled threats that if she leaves, their professional relationship is over and that he will go from a friend to a violent enemy ready to crucify her at a moment's notice. He fucking sucks, man. Yeah, I was like, God damn, dude. Yeah, just put it on Front Street. Mm -hmm. I thought we were trying to get back together. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to that? He, he tells her that he'll see her tomorrow and shows himself out. Later, a raging storm outside wakes Audra, who's fallen asleep in her chair. She immediately picks up the phone. <laughs> this made me laugh. She picks up the phone and calls an airline, requesting a seat on their next flight to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere, please. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what the fuck that I'll is. I'll fucking drive the rest of the way. I'll ask somebody. <laughs> in the next scene, Eddie arrives at the Jade of the Orient restaurant. He goes into the back room asking if he's in the right place for the Hanlon party, but Ben is already there, pouring himself a drink. The two of them are thrilled to see each other, embracing with Eddie asking what happened to the rest of him. <laughs> he even calls Ben Haystack. Bill and Mike enter together, and the four men stare at each other in silence. Ben asks, where's Richie Tozier when you need a good line? And they all hug. Richie comes in and stands in the doorway. The four men are so caught up with reconnecting and pouring each other drinks that they don't even see him. And Richie takes this opportunity to run to the bathroom. <laughs> on the commentary, they I guess they forgot they were on ABC. Yeah. But they were like, hey, is this when he goes, he does coke in the bathroom? I was, they were like, no, <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> it's like, why would you think that? <laughs> is that what happens in the book? I feel like he's... I don't remember. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Stephen King's like, oh, no, wait, that was that me. Was, yeah. yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stephen... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Richie, Richie. Sorry, guys. He splashes water on his face and tells himself in the mirror to get over it. It was just a bad flashback, and he can't let his friends see him like this. We cut to Richie entering the private room, talking shit and cracking lines like his usual self. Mm-hmm. Bev enters quietly, and when they all turn to her, she says, what a bunch of handsome old men, before immediately swaying on her feet. 
Eddie catches her just as she faints and they carry her over to a couch. What happened? I don't know. What? She was Fuck? overwhelmed. That was a little dramatic. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm going to enter every reunion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we got to bring our smelling salts. Yeah. And shit. <laughs> it's a hell of an entrance. Okay. Nobody else entered that. No, miserably. they did not. I do have to point out that for me, I think that this is much more successful as far as pacing is concerned, because even in the novel, they do their little walking tours after the restaurant. Yeah. And so I think that having them show up to town on their own, Mm -hmm. all experience some weird Pennywise shit, and then come together. And stay together. Exactly. It makes more sense because it's like, well, when I was alone, shit got weird. Right. Let's stay together. When she wakes up, she kisses and hugs Richie and Eddie. As she cleans to Mike, she tells them when she saw them all, memories came flooding back like a tidal wave. She asks what they're getting themselves into. She hugs Ben and tells him that she's so proud of him, but almost immediately pulls away and asks where Bill is. It's funny because Bill's standing at the end of the line like, oh, I'm right here. He's like, your hair is ablaze or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Your hair's on fire, baby. I wrote that shit. (laughs) (laughs) She goes over to him and they kiss. But like, kiss, kiss. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say, there was a little more. And isn't he married? You're fucking married, sir. It's kind of a deal, Mm -hmm. you know? He asked. You don't do that. (laughs) That's kind of a deal. (laughs) It's in the vows. We don't Mm -hmm. make out with old crushes from when we were 12. Out in the open. He's just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Like, wait, why not? You're married, dude. Mm-hmm. He's like, Audra's never going to come to Dairy. Yeah. <laughs> She's not going to come to the United States. She's not going to ask for a plane ticket to the U.S. <laughs> but he asks if she's all right as they hug. And she says she is now, but she saw something today. Ben and Richie chime in that they saw something too. Richie lies down on the couch and admits to seeing Pennywise at the library. Bev reasons that he's already working on them, so he must be afraid. But Bill reminds her, not he, it. Ben asks Mike to help them remember and fill in the gaps. Eddie says that he still can't remember anything. When he tries, it just clouds over. He doesn't even know what they're talking about. He says that as soon as he entered Derry, it was like a veil dropped over his eyes. Richie says, maybe it's the water. But Bev has a different idea. It's not the water. It's the sewer. That's when Eddie has his (laughs) (laughs) that's so Raven moment where (laughs) where he flashes back to Pennywise, burying his fangs and lowering his mouth to Stan. That fucked him up. Yeah. <laughs> the sewer. Whoa. <laughs> he sees himself spraying Pennywise in the face with his inhaler, proclaiming it to be battery acid. Now in the restaurant, Eddie holds up his inhaler in the same way and gasps for breath. He takes a big hit off of it and says that he's okay, but he thinks he remembers Pennywise now. Big white guy, red nose, 75 <laughs> feet tall, mouthful of razor sharp teeth. <laughs> Eddie begins to cry and asks what is going on. He apologizes for getting upset, but the memory was vivid and he had forgotten how he had stood up to Pennywise. Bill reminds him that he saved Stan's life and Eddie agrees that he did. Now he remembers. Richie starts to look for Stan. Ben asks if he would flake and Mike thinks he'll be here. Really? Yeah. yeah after the call I'd you be like had. yeah look guys stan stan's probably not gonna- <laughs> <laughs> and, and richie's a fucking like stupid person because he literally is like oh, where's stan and he just yells stan. into the main restaurant yeah. stan, stan. <laughs> like he's hiding behind the well everybody twig else <laughs> showed up i guess you know what <laughs> what twig and a leaf. <laughs> my thing though is if i'm bill and i get here and every all seven of us but one are here. I'm thinking of the filled in grave that Pennywise just fucking showed me an hour ago. Yeah, where's oh, Bill? Yeah, him, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Mike's like, no, he'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> Bill says that they need to get started now and they can just fill Stan in when he gets there. 
He tells Mike to start filling them in, but Richie stops them. This is the first time since he's come back to Derry that he's felt good. Why can't they just hold off and get something to eat and have a few drinks? Ben says, spoken like a real loser, and Eddie proposes a toast to the Losers Club. We're treated with another montage. (laughs) It's all right by the impressions plays again as the Losers Club laughs, drinks, and eats. They eat a lot, and Richie cracks jokes, and everyone laughs and talks. They said that this was mostly improv, which is not a surprise. I love it. And I think that this was actually a real restaurant. So you see when Richie holds up the fish head like he's a puppet and the waitress is not laughing. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why. She's like, God damn it. What the fuck? Yeah, you're wasting our food. (laughs) (laughs) The montage ends with Ben asking Richie how many times he's been married, to which Richie replies four or five. With no offense to Bev, all women start to look the same or they're the same or whatever. Wow. Bev's like, none taken, creep. (laughs) (laughs) Ben has never been married, dodging the bullet, as he says, a number of times. Eddie is seeing a woman at work, but he just doesn't have much time. He's never been married. Bev, after getting lost in a trance of staring at Bill, admits to living with the man, but she's not married to him. Before Bill answers, he's like, hey, so uh, Richie's got fucking contacts now? I I noticed that, too. (laughs) Yeah. You don't point Dexter? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Enough about me. We don't need to. fucking piece of shit, man. Yeah, it's pretty tough. But Ben remarks on the number of times that Richie had to tape those glasses back together, saying he should have bought stock in a tape company. Richie's like, yeah, me and Henry Bowers. Everybody's like, Henry Bowers. (laughs) Bev hopes that he was hit by a train and put out of his misery. But to the contrary, Mike tells her that he's at Juniper Hills. There was a trial where he confessed to killing all of the missing children. They remember that he was down in the sewers with them, but he was there to kill them. They say that when they pulled Henry out of the sewers, his hair had gone completely white and he was babbling about a clown and a bright light, but no one believed him. Why would he confess to the killings? Pennywise told him to. Did he do it in a Bronx accent? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I killed them kids. That's not a 16-year-old child. (laughs) What's funny to me is that they all know that Henry didn't kill those kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, keep that quiet. Well, Henry's a fucking douche. Yeah. yeah. If you want to take the blame and be moved away from us, you know, I'm not going to say anything. Good luck arresting that clown. (laughs) Henry's a lot easier. But they said that they didn't. nobody believed anything that Henry said about the clown or the light. The only thing they believed was that he killed all those kids. They're like, and we never defended him. <laughs> no. Well, the cops are like, okay, only one thing that he said is going to help us close a lot of cases. Yeah. <laughs> Bill says it was really the killer and they stopped it. But Mike corrects him. We thought we did. We cut to Juniper Hills and the sign outside reads Juniper Hills State Correctional Facility Psychiatric Unit. Henry Bowers, played by Michael Cole, is asleep on his bed in a hallway next to a window. He's woken up by Pennywise calling his name. (laughs) And when Henry wakes up, Pennywise tells him to look up. And outside the window, we see his black and white face floating in the moon. He reminds Henry that he helped him once. He almost got the kids back then. Doesn't he want another chance? He tells Henry that he needs to go back to Derry and finish the job. He repeats, kill them all, kill them all, kill them all. And Henry starts to laugh. I love the shot of Pennywise in the moon. Mm-hmm. Yes. I did always think it was funny, even in the novel, that Pennywise is like, oh, who did they hate? Oh, yeah, Henry Bowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, Henry, I could really use a hand. <laughs> like, so Pennywise is the real killer, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Pull off out. Henry's mask. Right. Just- <laughs> <laughs> it was Pennywise the whole time. And he would have gotten away yeah. with it, too. <laughs> 
Back at the restaurant, the table is cleared and they're presented with a plate of fortune cookies. Richie raises his glass and says that he's got a plane to catch at 6 a.m. When Bev is shocked that he's leaving, he asks her if she really plans on reliving that old nightmare. He loves them, but he's not doing this. Ben says that they're all scared, but Eddie is coming around to Richie's way of thinking at the prospect of them all going into the sewer. Bill's like, we don't even know if we're going in the sewer because we haven't made a plan. We haven't even <laughs> talked about it yet. Angrily, Ben asks if it's really too much to ask for Richie to listen to Mike before he takes off. Mike's like, whoa, guys. Yeah. <laughs> calm down. Weren't we just BFFs? Yeah. yeah. We had a whole montage. Yeah. There was talking fish. Like, calm yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did find it a little strange that they were all losing it and then they went straight into the montage. I was mm -hmm. like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Richie's like, let's get a bite to eat. Yeah, yeah. he's like, hold on. Man. I'll do a joke. I got a real good joke with a fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but remember, it's not real. Right. You know what I mean? You guys got to stick together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's only able to be defeated if you stick together. Yeah. That's kind of the whole point of the film. Yeah. yeah. But Mike says that if Richie wants to go, he can. They all promise to come back. And as far as he's concerned, everyone here did that. Whatever is next, he has no expectations for. Richie puts cash on the table, but Mike tells him the bill's already taken care of. And everyone's like, Mom, Mike. Ma. <laughs> yeah. Bill's like, but you live in Porto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't afford this, mm, Mike. You sure about that, Mike? <laughs> Fucking Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, instead of paying, passes around the fortune cookies. Bev opens hers and it's filled with blood. I'm already trying yeah, not to laugh because yeah. next is Eddie. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Bev's is filled with blood. She opens it and it sprays out at her and all over the white tablecloth. Eddie opens his and he's already screaming <laughs> as he's opening it. <laughs> he's like, Wah! and when he opens it, it's just a cockroach. But the thing yeah. is, I watched this like three times for this episode. <laughs> okay. When he's trying to open it and he's screaming, the cockroach has already crawled out yeah, and it's on, on his, his thumb. Arm. But he continues opening the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> screaming. Right, faster, faster. <laughs> yeah. And then he just cracks it open. It, it is hilarious. Arguably, though, the cockroach is the tamest thing in any of these fortune yeah, cookies no and he sure. is freaking the fuck out it could have just been an old fortune cookie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean i don't know but richie's opens itself and an eyeball looks out at him and even he's not screaming like yeah. eddie <laughs> ben pushes his away and something hairy inside has claws that look like fangs sticking out of it it crawls away inside mike's is a dying baby chicken crying out weakly Bill's cookie weekly, like faintly, not like yeah. <laughs> once a week. <laughs> Every seven days, this fucking it cries chicken out. seems to cry. But Bill's cookie moves in front of him as he tells everyone to dummy up. The server, Rose, played by Helena Ye, comes over to the commotion and asks if everything's okay. Thinking quickly, Bill tells her that Eddie had an asthma attack, but he's fine now. The cookie in front of him begins to break and thick, hairy spider's legs pop out. Rose is like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. She leaves and everyone else literally runs away from the table. I prefer that they dummy up. I will bring up the new films again where they're like, fuck, we're all dead. <laughs> it's yeah. like the whole point is to. And then Bill insults yeah. a child on his way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say Bill Richie. Yeah, Bill Hader. Yeah. Bill Hader, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the next scene, they're at the Dairy Library. Mike is calling Stan again while Eddie, Richie, and Bev inspect the bloody mess that Pennywise's balloons left behind. I was like, where'd that blood come from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he was having the time of his fucking life in the library. Mm -hmm. It's still there because no one yeah. can see it to clean up. 
Richie says that with some soap and elbow grease, they can clean all this right up. And this strikes Bev, who has to sit down. She flashes back to herself that night, scrubbing blood away from the mirror and sink in the bathroom. And when we come back to present day, she's frantically wiping the blood from her hands. Eddie asks why they're the only ones that can see this. And in his Richie fashion, he tries to get Mike's attention to answer his question. Only Mike is still on the phone, no closer to getting in touch with Stan. Richie yells out that everyone showed up and to tell Stan that if he hasn't left yet, he's a dead man. Mm. Yikes. Loudly and dramatically, Richie starts to do a bit about Derry and his friends, and everyone is laughing and into it until someone finally picks up and Mike tells him, beep, beep, Richie. But it's not Stan that picked up. The smile drops from Mike's face, and he thanks the person on the other end and hangs up the phone before delivering the sobering news. Stan is dead. He killed himself right after Mike called him, slitting his wrists in the bathtub. I don't know how he got that much information because he was on the he got off the phone very quickly. Yeah, he really did. Okay, I understand. He's like, he's dead. He killed himself. Every, he called him. Like, Is that oh. how she will? I don't know. So something not so chill happened last <laughs> <Yes>. night. <laughs> Guys, Dooley's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But this hits everyone hard, and Bill finally understands what the seventh grave being filled in meant. Okay, last horse crosses the fucking finish line, Bill. Stan not showing up for dinner. Yeah. That would have been enough, but yeah. he tells the rest that Stan was the last one of them to see Pennywise. All summer, he told them that it just wasn't empirically possible. Nothing made it real for Stan, not even seeing Pennywise until that one afternoon in August. Bill narrates, as we see in a flashback, Bill riding Silver down the street. Stan comes running to him from the park like something was chasing him. He jumps on the back of Bill's bike and Bill yells out, Hi-O, Silver, away! Stan's like, we don't have time for that. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fuck that noise. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. On, <laughs> I know it's your thing, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say it while you pedal. Say it while you pedal. <laughs> well... The funny thing is, when they're going, he's not even pedaling. No. It's like they push the shit he's out gliding. of him. Yeah. <laughs> we see the flashback that we saw when Mike presented Bill with silver. Stan riding on the back, staring back in fear as Bill hauls ass. Bill says that he didn't see anything, but Stan definitely did. We see them on Bill's porch. It took Stan hours to calm down and tell Bill what had happened. He was at the park by a bird feeder, bird watching. We see Stan doing this, minding his own business and collecting birds, as he called it, when he hears a voice being whispered from an old house. Bill says that Stan didn't really mean to go inside, but since he was Stan, he figured there was a logical explanation to someone calling his name. We watch Stan step inside the creepy house and answer the voice whispering his name. The front door slams and locks behind him, and a disfigured mummy with Pennywise's weathered orange pom-poms begins to descend the stairs. Looks great. Oh, yes. yeah. Stan does the only thing he can think to do. While nervously grabbing at his ear, he holds his bird book in front of him and starts to recite the name of every bird he can think of. The mummy's like, fucking weirdo. That's <laughs> 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 away. Nerd. <laughs> I'm, you can give me a hundred years. That's the last fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> I would never arrive at that. <laughs> uh, red sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> Brown finch. I would never. I would never. He's trying to distract he's himself. He's grounding yes. himself yeah. in a logical reality. And it works. It works. Because the mummy does yeah. back away. But he's he's too old to fall for that. Hey, Stan, come over here. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in anything. That's I why y'all skeptics but, uh, are going to be the first ones to fucking wait, get caught. Wait, so cat. is Pennywise like, I'll just eat a cooler kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. a bird book. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, no, come on, right. man. You can go. <laughs> now, if, if you're listening and you enjoy birds, I think that's great. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all in good fun. <laughs> but the door opens and Stan runs out into the sunshine. Back at the library, Eddie says that Stan saw it in the sewers that day. He was face to face with it. He saw what was behind the clown. He says that Stan told him at school, I looked right into its deadlights. And he's like, I didn't think of it until just now. But I remember him saying, I looked into its deadlights and I wanted to be there. And he's like, I didn't remember it until just now. Also, we didn't film it. But yeah. <laughs> just trust me. It did happen. At the mention of deadlights, Bill remembers when they were all knocked onto the floor and the lights passed over them. After deciding that everyone needs a drink, Mike opens a mini fridge, but dozens of balloons spill out. When they finally stop flowing from the fridge, they see that Stan's head is sitting on the top shelf. He's like, sorry, I'm late. And then proceeds to roast the shit out of everyone. <laughs> Every single one of them. Yeah. I, I was honestly, first of all, with the roasting, I feel like after like the third roast, they should have shut the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> they're like no if i got made fun of fucking it's, Bev's yeah gonna get i want to see what she's got yeah. it's like there is time when bev has something on her mind when she wears a hat yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, <"What?" laughs> come on come on man <laughs> but he goes after bill's stutter richie's nose job ben's weight bev's dad eddie's sex life and mike's inability to leave town he tells him that he's finally made it he's in the deadlights now Pennywise's voice starts to invade his as he tells them that it's true what they say. They all float down here and you will too. He says they all float. He keeps repeating it over and over until Mike's finally like, all right, yeah, <laughs> I've had yeah. enough of this guy. <laughs> and slams the fridge shut. <laughs> all the lights go out in the library and the glass on the front door explodes inward. Papers start flying and all the books jump from the shelves. A typewriter starts writing itself and it begins to rain indoors. They all join hands and hold on until the rain stops. They had one shot to do this. Mm -hmm. Jeez. And they all got fucked up by debris. Yeah. I bet. Shit was flying everywhere. Books. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Full books. Heavy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and even if that's breakable glass, those small pieces have still got to hurt coming yeah. at you oh, yeah. at a high speed. Remember I mean, what happened yeah. to Sam Neill? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My neck. <laughs> Thunder cracks and suddenly the lights are back on and everything is in order. Richie says that he's sick of being here and he's willing to listen to anything as long as they talk about it somewhere else. Bill takes the paper from the typewriter and is stuttering so badly that he can't even read it. Ben takes it and reads. He thrusts his fists against the posts and still insists he sees the ghosts. It's written over and over. Stuttering badly, Bill explains that his mother gave that to him to help him with his stutter. Richie's like, sorry, man, but I don't think it's working. Yeah. <laughs> Bill laughs and Ben's like, let's get the hell out of here. And they all grab boxes and run outside. I love that that joke could bring Bill's strength. Yeah. yeah. Like it wasn't like he was making fun of him. Yeah. He's like bringing him back. Yeah. Well, they did it. They already defeated the circle and everything. All right, let's <laughs> yeah. head out. Yeah, right? let's yeah. let's go, go back home, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> the sprinklers turned off. Yeah. Great, fine. Great job. But this, this too, I was kind of like, well, hold on. Because they just, like, everything went away after they joined hands. But the first gag's still on the floor. Yeah, it is. When they walk out. <laughs> well, the, you know. Well, was like, oh, how the come, balloons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the first one the didn't, <laughs> didn't go away. Like, well, there's still remnants yeah, of the like, past. Don't, don't forget, though. <laughs> Back at Juniper Hill, from the window, Henry watches the moon descend as someone calls his name. When Henry looks over, Belch pulls himself out from underneath Henry's bed. He's he's 
clearly dead. Yeah. Henry calls out his name and asks what he's doing here, drawing the attention of an orderly, Koontz, played by Bill Croft, who basically threatens to come beat his ass if he doesn't be quiet. You can tell he relishes in beating their asses. Yeah. yeah. He, like, punches his fist like, oh, yeah. <laughs> give me a reason. Please keep making noise. <laughs> He walks away and Belch tells him that he doesn't need to talk out loud. He can hear Henry's thoughts and no one can hear Belch but Henry. Yeah. Speaking with his thoughts, it's funny because we see his face and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. like, but his mouth's not moving. <laughs> Henry asks Belch what he wants and Belch tells him that he wants to pay them back just like Henry does, but they need to get Henry out of here and back to Derry. Pennywise's voice starts to come through as Belch tells him that they need him. Henry says they can't hurt Belch, and Belch reminds him that that's what they thought back then, too. But those kids bested Henry all summer. Henry's like, we don't fucking talk about that. (laughs) Belch can handle them if they half believe, but Henry's actually alive. Whether they half believe, fully believe, or don't believe at all, Henry can still hurt them. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Henry says he can't get out of here. There are wires on the windows, and Kuntz is on the door, and Kuntz is the worst. This was not lost on me. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, yes, Dean Coons. Yeah. <laughs> and his stupid dog. <laughs> Belch says he'll take care of Coons and hands over Henry's switchblade. He tells Henry to lead the way and Henry helps Belch to his feet and they head right over to the door. Coons opens the door and comes at Henry, continuing to threaten him until he sees Pennywise step out from behind him. As he looks up Pennywise's clown suit, he drops a roll of quarters he's holding. I remember that I read somewhere, I think it's in the novel, that mm-hmm. he would beat the patients with a roll of quarters. Yeah, Jesus your, Christ. In your hand, it's just like brass knuckles. Yeah. God damn, It's Coons. just easier to explain yeah. a roll of quarters. Well, I mean, if, yeah. <laughs> Because brass knuckles were were illegal. I, I mean, think they are illegal now. Not anymore. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Not, yeah. He's up to up to date on his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's re- reading it in Weapons Week. <laughs> Christ Weekly. Christ <laughs> Weekly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of his usual clown's face, Pennywise has the head of a dog that growls and snaps at Coons. The dog barks as Coons falls to the ground and we descend on him. I was confused. Uh, He's afraid of dogs. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, it has no. to be, right? Yeah. It isn't lost on me that Koontz is killed by a dog. His dog. His no, yeah. dog. What's going on? Uh, the shade of it yeah. all. I do, too. I uh, As weird as it sounds, I like the whole Henry thing and his buddy. Uh-huh. Yeah. If I was in that situation, that's how I'd want to freak out. <laughs> My with your dead friend, <laughs> how I mean, like, honestly, you're in there, you're by yourself. One of your best friends from a childhood comes out and is like, Look, I'm getting you out of here. Here's your Bet. mythical sword or whatever. You uh-huh. know what I mean? What better way to get out? You know what I mean? I mean, not saying that he should, yeah, but I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse, right? I mean, he didn't, he didn't take to the moon clown, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, to improvise. We, gotta, we gotta figure something out. At the Dairy Inn, once Richie sees that the box he's holding contains flashlights and hard hats, he's like, I don't need any of this stuff. Bye. (laughs) Eddie asks Mike to tell him stories so that they don't have to remember what they just saw at the library. He starts to struggle to breathe and takes a hit from his inhaler. Ben tells him to fight his attack, and Eddie explains to everyone that he saw his younger self today. He knows his inhaler is just camphor water, but he also knows that he needs it. Bev tells him that if it works, then it's good medicine. As long as he believes it works is all that matters. The power of belief. Exactly. 
Mike hands out old newspapers to everyone, reminding them of the killings and disappearances of children that happened 30 years ago. Everyone was afraid, but no one did anything about it until they did. The headlines of the newspapers describe children's bodies being found. Mike says that when Henry Bowers confessed to everything and was put away, all the killings stopped until this year. 30 years later. It was odd to me that they changed it from 27 to 30, but you know, whatever. Well, I guess 60 to 90 is easier to do. Is it? Well, I mean, we'd have to start this in 63. (laughs) That's just too much. (laughs) Math is not. (laughs) He says that if you count backwards by 30 years, there's always a horrible disaster in dairy. 1960 had the fire at the black spot club, which we talked more about on the other episodes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at least they mentioned it. Right. 1930 had the explosion at the Ironworks. 1900 was the massacre at Drake's Creek. We see young Mike telling his class again about 253 settlers that disappeared without a trace. And then Miss Douglas is like, yeah, thanks for the <laughs> illuminating and fucking morbid bullshit. And young Bev watches her. Back at the Dairy Inn, Bev realizes that Mike knew about this all the way back then and that Miss Douglas actively didn't want to know about it. Bill says it's a disease and they all chime in. It's the dairy disease. It's too horrible to know, so it's easier to just act like nothing's happening. Bev remembers a man named Mr. Ross. We flash back as she describes it. We see Mr. Ross watering his plants. Bev is coming home from school, but Henry Belch and Patrick are waiting for her outside her house. They hold her, touching her face and playing with her hair. Horrified, she looks across the street at Mr. Ross. They lock eyes, and she thought he was going to help her, but he's like, well, and just (laughs) turns around and goes back inside. So that's not even clown related. Yeah. It's not. You know? It's just something (laughs) shitty happening. And that's the inconsistency with Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Where the shopkeeper's like, hey, get out of here, kids. Also, I thought the dairy disease was lactose intolerance. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Okay, fair enough. Back at the end, she says that that's when she first realized there was something terribly wrong. In- <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't resist. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't resist. Eddie asks how she got out of that situation, and she says that her dad came home. It was one of the only times she was glad to see him. Mike says that 30 years later, right on schedule, the murders have started again. There have been at least six of them. He waited to be sure before he called them back, and he was made sure yesterday when he saw something at the latest crime scene. He's like, God, that was yesterday. Yeah, yeah like, dude. Fuck. I mean, everybody, they got their asses in gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit's moving fast. Yeah. He passes around the photo that he found of Georgie. Mike says that there's something special about them being together. They found each other that summer for a reason. And if they hadn't, Pennywise would have gotten them all one by one. He says that it can't be an accident that none of them had kids. When they were kids, everyone was a loser. But the six of them all left and became wildly successful. Everyone's like, sorry for leaving, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is this a guilt trip? Yeah. (laughs) Really elaborate. And I live in fucking poor town. It's like, and I had to kill all these kids. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get y'all back over here. (laughs) (laughs) But they apologize for leaving Mike here to keep Lighthouse. But he tells them that they didn't do anything. It was up to their parents who stayed and who left. And when he grew up, he wanted to stay, which is a fair point. Mm Mm-hmm. Eddie thinks that Mike stayed because he felt like he had to. He shakes Mike's hand, telling him that he appreciates what he's done for everyone. Audra pulls up to a gas station and asks the gas station attendant, played by Boyd Norman, how far Derry is. When he tells her city limits are only about 500 yards away, she's relieved. She's been driving for so long, she nearly fell asleep. That's why you don't just ask for a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I've been driving from fucking California. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he t- he tells her to just take a left at the Barons and she'll be there. She asks what the Barons are, and his voice being altered by Pennywise's, he says, "Yeah, where they used to play when they were kids." It's like what? Where yeah. where who used to play? Yeah. Suddenly scared, Audra thanks him and says she'll be going now. Before she can pull away, he asks, "Don't you want your balloon, Mrs. Denbro?" When she looks back at him, he is fully Pennywise. I yeah. love how he like plays for a minute and then he's like, nah, bitch, it's yeah. me. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. yeah. He repeats over and over, don't you want it? Don't you want it? As a bright light shines from his eyes. The lights illuminate Audra's face and she is transfixed. Probably my second favorite thing with it's that so Pennywise good. does. Yeah. Because again, it's Tim Curry with his, mm-hmm. don't you want it? Yeah. And yeah. it's just growing. He's so scary. Yes. While I was watching this, I was like, God damn it, not his wife. I was like, man, she better not die. And I was like, you motherfuckers. She she just got there. Yeah. Yeah, She's not even in in dairy. I I love how invested JP is getting. She better not die, you motherfucker. (laughs) Well, God damn, she just showed up, dude, already. Well, at the end, I'll say why. Like I said, because I don't, I didn't remember a lot of this movie, but watching this, I was like, if you fucking (laughs) kill her off for a reason, I'm, I'm I'm going to be really upset. I get where you're going. Okay. I get where you're going. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the Dairy Inn, Bill tells the story of how he lost his weight as he massages Bev's shoulders. He says that a group of kids had him down and were slapping him. The coach came over and he thought the coach would help him, but he just made fun of him instead. He says that this is when something snapped inside of him. He called the coach a son of a bitch and told him that he's going out for track since he's the track coach. He's going to be the best there. And when he makes the team, he wants an apology. So he says he started running everywhere. The first time he ran a mile, he puked and then fainted. (laughs) (laughs) But with the running and eating salads by the time it was time to try out he had grown two inches and lost 70 pounds i'm like how big are you expecting us to think this boy yeah. was i don't we yeah. saw him yeah he would be like a twig yeah like, yeah he would a twig and a like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he did go out for track and he was the best one there he asked the coach for an apology but instead he hit him he graduated with the letter in track and the coach lost his job so this story is very prevalent in the novel. Yeah. I think he tells it at the restaurant, but John Ritter fought for this story to be included because he loved that part of the character. Yeah. yeah. And I think Tommy Lee Wallace was a little reluctant, but he's like, well, if you say it fast. Yeah. <laughs> he did. And he does. Uh, yeah. It's funny to me because I can kind of tell that they just added it in because Mike's like, look, we still haven't talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's a great all story. Well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you run up with some fucking yeah. ideas, man? <laughs> But but Richie says it doesn't matter how much they prepare for this. He's still leaving when the sun comes up and he suggests that everyone else do the same. Ignoring this, Bev says that she cleaned up the blood once. We flash back to her scrubbing her bathroom that night. Everything looks like nothing ever happened. But when she turns to leave, (laughs) Pennywise laughs. And when she turns around, blood is everywhere again. Just fucking rude. That's like when you're doing the dishes and someone comes and sets the (laughs) plate. It's like, no, (laughs) God damn it. I would just go to bed. I'm done. Like, (laughs) I just have a bloody bathroom. Fine. (laughs) Fuck it. She says that if she was ever going to be able to sleep there again, she needed to know if someone else besides her could see it. We see the boys follow her into the bathroom, and as soon as she lets them inside, they're horrified. Stan's like, was someone murdered in here? (laughs) And Bev is just relieved that they can see it, too. He's like, damn, you live like this? (laughs) (laughs) I know this is board town, but god damn. (laughs) (laughs) She sits down and begins to cry as the boys start to clean up the blood. 
Back at the inn, Bev says that it was strange to be happy about something so grim, but she had thought she was going crazy before they could see it too. She says that she fell in love with all of them that day. Ben's like, including. Yeah. <laughs> but who who most though? Yeah. <laughs> if you, if yeah. you had to pick just one. Yeah, yeah they're rank. <laughs> She says that after they cleaned it together, the blood never came back. Mike says that it'll be morning soon, and Bev and Richie complain about being cold. Ben offers to go to their rooms to get something warmer for them, and Bev hands her key over. Suddenly, Bill flashes to them getting together in the sewers as children and him telling them no stragglers. Richie gives Ben his key, and Bill tells Ben not to go alone. Very smart. Mm -hmm. Eddie needs another inhaler anyway, so he leaves with Ben, and Mike follows them. Maybe maybe one of y'all should say no. <laughs> you just said they were smart. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly recanted. We just need to, really. Yeah, you know, I mean, just come on. A buddy system. <laughs> but Eddie goes to his room, Mike goes to Richie's, and Ben goes to Bev's. He instructs all of them to take no longer than three minutes and to leave all room doors open. Three minutes is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could have hit all three rooms together, mm-hmm. but that's just me. But in Bev's room, Ben takes a shawl from her bed and then stops a moment to smell her perfume. Now I get why he wanted to go alone. Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys take off. I, <laughs> I left something. I think I need to. <laughs> in Richie's room, Mike grabs a coat for him, but realizes that the window is open and he goes to close it. As he makes his way back to the door, Henry Bowers comes out of the bathroom with his switchblade. He grabs Mike, accidentally knocking the door shut. Eddie, who's fucking brushing his teeth for some yeah. reason, hears it. Yeah. Henry calls Mike the N-word, of course, and tells him that he's come to pay them all back. Still ABC's racist. ABC's like, no, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do one, <laughs> one per night. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no it's skeletons. <laughs> when the door closed, Eddie hears it. Mm-hmm. But then when we go back to him, he's just standing in the bathroom taking pills. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you didn't even go to check. Nah, it'll be fine. When we cut back to Richie's room, Mike has been stabbed in his chest and falls out onto the floor. Ben turns to leave with the shawl, but Bev is standing in the doorway. She takes it from him and closes the door. She tells him she's glad they have a moment alone because she's been wanting to tell him something. She recites to him the poem that he wrote her all those years ago, leaving the last line for him to finish. She tells him that she's been waiting for a long time to thank the poet and she kisses him. He asks if she asked Bill first, which was very sad to me. Mm-hmm. But she says that she's always known it was him, but she must have just been waiting until they were both ready, and she's ready now. You didn't always know. Yeah, <laughs> girl, stop. Say. I saw that look you <laughs> gave. Yeah. <laughs> They kiss passionately and he hugs her. But when he catches their reflection in the mirror, Bev is wearing white gloves and Ben has white and red makeup on his face. He looks down and sees Bev is wearing Pennywise's suit. He looks down at Bev, who is now fully Pennywise with smudged lipstick. He tells Ben, kiss me, fat boy. And he cackles as Ben runs out into the hallway. He wipes at his face, but there's nothing there. So when they were going to make Tim Curry dress, <laughs> everyone, was he going to have to be Bev? That would have been a lot. Yeah. That's too much. If Ben didn't realize, that's his fault. He's like, your hair is winter fire. <laughs> you remember that poem? <laughs> That'd be a little much, I'd say. What an asshole, man. Yeah. <laughs> In Richie's room, Henry is now on top of Mike, trying to bring the knife down to finish him off. Can we talk about all this shit that's going on right now? Yeah. You got Eddie brushing his teeth twice. You've got fucking Ben going from six to midnight and then midnight to six. Yeah. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Mike is getting murdered. Like, yeah, actually murdered. Help. yeah, literally. Yeah. Finally, Eddie and Ben bust in, pulling Henry off of Mike and turning his own knife against him. Henry dies on the floor next to Mike. Nobody yeah. was like, yeah. oh, whatever. They like palm his face. <laughs> <laughs> they leave him behind and rush Mike to Richie's convertible. They all pile inside and hold Mike as Richie races them to the hospital. So definitely more drama here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Mike has been kind of taken out. Right. It also pays off the storyline of the Bowers and Hanlon families. Right. Yeah. Because of course he would go for Mike first. Yeah. 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 Always hated him. So I mean, this is narratively. Right. Right. Makes a it's, lot of it's sense. Solid. Yeah. And it's the all is lost moment. Yeah. Yeah. They could have had a better reaction though when they found him. Like when then when dude dude's dead next to him, uh-huh. they're just like, "Oh man!" It's like, dude, you're not calling you an like, ambulance. Is, that, is not- that Henry fucking Bowers? Yeah. Like nobody's even. Yeah, I don't know. They're just, oh. they're just like, "Oh, Mike, get him up." <laughs> right, <laughs> Sorry, I was brushing off. my teeth. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I had a lot of soy sauce at the restaurant. Yeah, I had a confusing clown moment. <laughs> I may be attracted to clowns now. I don't know. It's a lot to unpack. <laughs> but at the hospital, they all wait anxiously. Ben and Bev wait outside where Bev says that if Mike dies, there's only five of them left. She asks which of them is next and why it is doing this. Why does it hate? Why is it so mean? When she begins to sob, Ben rushes to her and holds her. She tells him that she has to tell him something. She confesses that she fell in love with the man who turned out to be everything she ever hated in her father. She cries as she asked, why would she do that? How could she be so blind? Ben congratulates her. If she can see it now, she's not blind anymore. Mm -hmm. And at least she could fall in love with someone. At least she could feel something. Those are miracles. Bev tells him that he has the heart of a poet. And then realization dawns over her face and she says, your hair is winter fire. Ben's like, bitch, what the fuck? Oh, no. Uh -uh. (laughs) He freaks out, pulling her away from him and asking why she said that. Well, wouldn't you after what just happened? Last night was pretty rough. Yeah. She tells him that he wrote it. When she was younger, she thought it was Bill, but now she knows it was him. He asks if it's really Bev or if she's the clown. And she tells him that it's her and she kisses him. They hug as she remembers the end of the poem. My heart burns there too. His reaction is one of my favorite parts. He's like, is that you or the clown in there? I don't know what the hell's going on. (laughs) (laughs) They've been through a lot. It's a lot, dude. But they kiss again. Eddie runs outside and is like, (laughs) (laughs) clears his throat to break them up and they follow him in the doctor played by douglas newell says that mike isn't out of the woods but one of them can go in for just a minute they elect bill who enters the room and wakes mike up mike immediately asks about henry and bill's like well well, he's dead (laughs) (laughs) mike asks if the police are involved and bill says not yet mike cautions them to be careful because they can't trust anyone Bill says that if anyone asks, Mike was dancing on a table and he fell off, I guess, onto a knife. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, know. I don't know what the well, story is. Remember that knife with. we left out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know we mentioned his hair early, very uh. early, but at this point, I was like, okay, I can't ignore the Steven Seagal hair. I was like, I, I, was like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, it's just there. It's not even like young Bill wore it like that. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. But Mike chuckles a little, saying that that story will be believable to anyone who's seen him dance. (laughs) He tells Bill to go into his jacket and Bill pulls out Richie's mother's earrings and is astonished that Mike went back into the sewers where they left them the first time. Mike reasons that he was pretty sure it was asleep. 
He finally admits that 10 years ago he was close to suicide and he thinks that what he really wanted was for it to just wake up and kill him. He found one immediately in a drain trap, but the one that hit Pennywise was lodged in the wall and it took him all day. But he thought they might need them again one day. When he left the sewers, he got his life together, but he went gray almost overnight. I know that he had said that he was suicidal and everything. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the courage to go into the sewers oh, yeah. alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is no... Fu- After what... Well, what did he say? I think he... I was pretty sure he was asleep. Yeah. yeah pretty, pretty sure. sure. Yeah. Bill's like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Fuck that noise, dude. I'm going to need more than 50%. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But he does tell Bill that if he decides not to use the earrings and just leave, that he will understand. Back at the end, they just put a blanket over Henry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we're just leaving this dude here. Apparently. <sighs> Bill proposes that they just leave, but Eddie, Ben, and Richie think they should call the cops. Bill reminds them that the whole town is it in some way. Bev's only real evidence of that is, is one an old, old man. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably just didn't want to get his ass kicked by racist yeah. racers. Yeah. I mean, I've seen those kids around town. Yeah, no more. Uh, Sorry, Bev. But yeah, Bev remembers Mr. Ross turning and going inside when she needed help. And she's like, yep, uh-huh, it's evil. <laughs> Everyone in Derry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> if they get the police involved, something bad could happen to one or all of them. Eddie says that he's too old for monster hunting. Stan is dead and Mike came close to dying. He's done. Richie agrees. Ben doesn't know how he feels, but he doesn't want to be in this room with a dead body anymore. And he's like, I think Henry shit himself like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's continue this right, outside. Get out. <laughs> he and Bev decide to turn on the TV and hang a do not disturb sign on the door. So they do that. Richie is the last one out and he is stopped when the news talks about the body of a five-year-old girl being found severely mutilated. They still don't know if this is related to the recent disappearances of other children. Richie takes this all in and then leaves. Do you think that's his moment of maybe coming around? Yeah, mm-hmm. That this is still happening. These yeah. kids are still dying. Mm-hmm. On their way out, Ben tells the desk clerk, played by Nicola Cavendish, to charge it all on his card, and they all leave quickly telling her goodbye. She puts down her Bill Denbro book yeah. and picks up a live comedy Richie Tozier album. What? She's, <laughs> yeah. She's like, hold the phone. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> has a marker in her hand for him to sign it, but they don't even notice her yeah. and they just leave. I was like, oh. That's sad. That would be me. I wouldn't be like, hey, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, Man, I missed my opportunity. I guess I'll regret this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Bill is last in line, though, and stops when he hears Fur Elise being played in another room. A woman and a young boy sit at the piano and Bill closes his eyes. Once he leaves, everyone stops to look at him. Richie asks if he needs a ride to the airport and Ben says that that's where he and Bev are going to. Bev pleads with him to go with them. Bill says that he just saw something that he doesn't even know if it was real or not, but that he can't go home. If he doesn't leave now, he'll live with this until he goes insane. He's not going to know what's real life and what's just a bad dream. He says for years he's been paid to scare people, but that he's the one who's really been scared his whole life and he doesn't want to be scared anymore. He's going back in and this time he's going to kill it. They all remember Bill as a kid crying and begging for them to help him kill it. Bev is the first to step forward. She hugs Bill and Ben's like, well, hold on. Bitch. Like, <laughs> he comes up and hugs him too. It's like, I'm at least getting half. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is where I was like, is this cocaine, Steve? Oh. Uh, I was like, he's kind of sounding a little. What, you know, like, I was like, I, I'm really afraid. I've been scaring you guys this whole time. I was like, you're on a trip. Like, I, Steven, I mean, I mean, Bill, no, I mean shit, Bill. shit, shit, shit. 
But Eddie is next, and then finally Richie steps up and looks at them. They all pile into Richie's convertible and make their way to the bridge outside the Barrens. I read that Harry Anderson suggested to Tommy Lee Wallace that he shouldn't hug the group, Mm -hmm. and Tommy Lee Wallace was pissed, and then they shot it, and he's like, no, I guess that doesn't make more sense. (laughs) As they get ready to go down into the Barrens and then the sewer, Richie asks if anyone has brought a machine gun. (laughs) They didn't, but Bev has still saved the slingshot from back then. They all remember what a great shot she was and how it was always supposed to be Bev. When she cracked Pennywise's head open, they all saw its deadlights. Bill presents the earrings to Bev, and they're amazed that Mike went back for them. He gives her the two of them, one for Mike and one for Stan. He holds Bev's hands closed around them, and Eddie and Ben join in. With those here to represent Stan and Mike, they're all here now. Richie is not trying to hear it, though. He tells them to take a deep breath and smell the death in the air. That death isn't there for Henry, Stan, or Mike. It's there for them. Losers fight it and losers die. Bill tells them that he doesn't have to go. And Richie says that he didn't have to do any of this, but he did. And he's going to, but they still should have brought a machine gun. I can. I mean. <laughs> yeah. They walk through the barrens until they reach the pipe leading them down into the sewer. And they take a moment to look inside before going down. Instead of a pom-pom, this time they find a purse that looks new. Bill snatches the purse and recognizes it as Audra's. Her things are still inside. He says that it's got her. They tell Bill to wait, but he goes another way with it, running down the tunnel alone and screaming Audra's name. After everything you've seen, you believe this shit? Yeah, that's... Yeah. I would. I mean, she's just hanging out in England right now. Yeah. Waiting. They're like, Bill, no, wait. He's like, Audra! <laughs> Dude, he screams Pennywise. He's like, <laughs> got him. Yeah. Not only that, you weren't screaming that shit when you were at the restaurant. No. Nope. Yeah, no, fucking, I, have, yeah. I have that exact note in one moment. Okay. But he runs until he slips and falls. Then he just sits and cowers. His friends finally catch up to him and he begins to stutter, blaming himself because she followed him here. Bev tells him that if she really is here, the only way that they can help her is to stand up and fight like they did before. And if he can't do that, none of them are going to make it out of here. And again, you weren't this concerned about Audra when you were kissing Bev on the fucking mouth, but go off. In front of everyone. Yeah. It was just shameless. Yeah. Fucking shameless. I do have to say, it's not his fault. He was very clear about her not following him to Derry. Yeah, but I would still feel... I would still feel guilty. I'd be like, why didn't you listen to me? Yeah. He's like, Bev, you and your fucking lemon squares. Yeah. I got <laughs> Let's not. Oh. I took my eyes off the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now my wife is dead. <laughs> but they use the map to navigate deeper into the sewers. But when the map isn't useful anymore, Eddie remembers which way to go. They come back to the clearing where roots grow down from the broken ceiling. A paper boat comes down the water toward them and Bill bends over to pick it up. When he looks back up, Georgie stands there in his yellow raincoat, dirty and missing an arm. He tells Bill that it's all his fault. Bill sent him out there and it killed him. Bill begins to stutter and Bev tries to remind him that that's not really Georgie and he needs to fight it. Georgie continues, it was in the drain and you let it kill me. Bill tells his brother that he loved him and they all tell Bill to fight it until he finally tells him that he's not his brother. George is dead and that's not his fault. As a kid, I never noticed that he was missing that arm. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, fuck. They, yeah. they, they went did for it. it. That's, that, that's probably as far as they could take it. Yeah, yeah. probably. I mean, we can't have wet skeletons, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have this kid have an arm off him. Ripped off. 
But Bill remembers himself as a child telling Pennywise, let's see you now. And he repeats it, telling Pennywise to show himself. He's going to pay now for killing his brother. Pennywise's voice answers this, telling them this is their last chance to run while they still can. It's like you're doing a lot of threatening. (laughs) (laughs) Is this when he appears in the shrubbery? (laughs) I love seeing him again. Yeah. Yeah. It really bums me out that this is the last time we see Pennywise. Pennywise's image floats on the wall, telling Bill that he's silly if they think they can see him. They never will. They'll only see what their minds allow them to. He yells at them to go now. If they stay, you'll lose your little minds in the deadlights like all the others did. He begins to laugh until his image disappears. It's a pretty good threat. (laughs) No, it's great. Richie tells Bill that fighting Pennywise is like fighting smoke. Bill finally realizes what Mike was telling them. Every 30 years, it has to feed. And when it feeds, it has to take some kind of physical form. That form has to be down here somewhere. Bill sets the paper boat down into the water and it starts to flow away from them. Wait, so is that an astral projection? of? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so yes. like, I'll just send out Pennywise. They yeah. seem to like that guy. <laughs> he scares them. Yeah, so. this is specifically good for them. Now that uh, you mentioned that being the last time we see him, I read that he has less than 20 minutes of screen time. Wow. In the three plus hours Damn. of this. But he's so fucking yeah. impactful. I think that that just speaks to Tim Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Because God Cause damn. Because it feels like he's there more. A lot. Oh, yeah. 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 But if you think about it, it's all very short and then his yeah. laugh is there and then yeah. he's gone. <laughs> well, I remember in the newer one, we were like, well, no, Pennywise is there again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps popping up. I think this works better. Right. But the boat leads them to a door adorned with skulls and bones. Eddie stops everyone saying that he's been lying to them. He hasn't been seeing anyone like he said he was, he's never been with anyone. Richie's like, so what What are you trying to say? You saying you're a virgin? And Eddie's like, yeah. Richie's like, well, I can't help you with that. <laughs> Dude, I just, we don't care right yeah, now. Now is not the I time know. for this. And I, I hear book Eddie screaming from the pages. He's like, <laughs> I've had plenty of orgasms. <laughs> like, he, he, was he was fucking married. married. Yeah. Like, so I don't get why they did this. Yeah. For this line. But Eddie says that he couldn't bring himself to sleep with someone that he didn't love, and he's never loved anyone but them. All right. He's like, so does anybody want (laughs) Real quick. Yeah. Before we enter those doors. Tiny ass door. Yeah. I like the skulls and the candles. Yeah. Yeah, it looked real cool. He starts to cry, and they all comfort him. Ready now, they all crawl through the small door. The room they enter is huge with different tunnels. On the ceiling, there are bodies suspended in white webbing. Bill looks through the ceiling until he finds Audra, suspended in the webbing, still entranced with her eyes open. I think one uh, horrible piece of shit filmmaker copied a lot of it with a monster returning every certain number of years and pasting all of his victims to the wall. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Me neither. All right. Yeah. Just for the record, piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) When he goes to take her down, a giant misshapen spider steps into the room. It stands right in front of Bill, but Bev readies her shot. She fires and misses, sending the earring right above its head. Bill stands bravely and tells the spider he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. Bev shoots again and it hits the spider, but it bounces right off. The spider's like, oh yeah, nice little fucking whatever, but check this shit out. He reels up, revealing his chest underneath, beaming with bright deadlights. And this is what we saw pass over them Mm -hmm. when they were knocked down. But if I know anything about video games. That was like a weak spot to me. I'd be aiming right there. Oh yeah. Bill is immediately transfixed. 
Ben sees this and tries to take Bill away, but is mesmerized by the deadlights as well. Richie goes to save them and is like, no, go. (laughs) 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 Bev runs into another tunnel. Eddie shields his face and well, because Bev doesn't say anything, she just leaves. He's like, "No, Bev, wait!" <laughs> he shields his face and asks what he's gonna do. He remembers his younger self bravely standing up to Pennywise with his battery acid inhaler, still shielding his eyes. He steps forward. He says, "I believe in Santa Claus. I believe in the Easter Bunny, and I believe in the Tooth Fairy, but I don't believe in you." He tells him that his inhaler is battery acid, and now it will disappear. Eddie sprays the inhaler at the monster, but it just swoops down and grabs him. I love that, like, Bill's like, he thrusts his fist like that's going to mean something. It's like, bitch. Yeah, dude, your mom told you that. (laughs) He's like, it doesn't mean anything. I'm an eternal monster. (laughs) Fucking give a shit. He's super ugly, but looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. The design, I know that Tommy Lee Wallace was not happy with it. They had, I think, made a lot of sketches. Yeah. And then by the time that it got to them to film, a lot of shit had changed and he was not in the know. Oh, no. And so it's supposed to be this beefy fucking thing. And yeah. they pull it it's out skinny. and it's skinny. And yeah. he's like, well, we have to film in like three hours. Yeah. So, well, it's hungry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, I'm, it's probably just kid me talking, but I like, I like how it looks. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind how it looks, but I am with John Ritter, who said that it would have been a lot more effective if they were battling Pennywise. It would. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It would. I mean, I don't know how they're just going to fucking punch this clown or what. <laughs> yeah, but I I, maybe the spider no. could have Pennywise's voice. Yeah, they, roast, they roast the shit out of him uh-huh. until he defeats himself. Oh, God. He's, he like, looks like egg whites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least give the spider a Bronx accent. That's all. Please. That's all I'm asking. But the spider lifts Eddie up and Eddie screams. Bev finds the earring and prays to God that she doesn't miss again. With Eddie in the monster's grasp and Richie, Bill, and Ben zombified by the light, Bev takes one more shot and hits it right in its deadlights, causing an explosion of fireworks inside of it. It drops Eddie and the spell over Richie, Bill, and Ben is broken. It runs back into the tunnel it came from. (laughs) That was it? I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And I oop. They rush over to Eddie, who is badly hurt. He weakly tells Bev, nice shot, but Richie tells him not to talk. He calls him Spaghetti Man, and Eddie, smiling, tells Richie not to call him that because he hates it when he and Eddie quietly passes away. Eddie fell from a very small height. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask <laughs> but what ma- happened. I'm, uh, maybe he pinched him a little bit. Maybe he squished his insides, and then he dropped that, But him. that wasn't shown. It was not. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, and uh, it's much more explicit. In the novel, I think he rips his arm off in some... Yeah, he fucks oh, Eddie up. Yeah, he fucks like, Eddie, Eddie is, oh, wow. I feel like as a kid, it didn't even really... I thought he passed out. Uh-huh. Until they mentioned something yeah. later. But yeah, he's... I'm like, can't, he, he'll wake up later. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're, you're, again, you're limited. I guess. Then make him live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can't kill him convincingly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they stand up determined to finish the job once and for all. They run into the tunnel after the spider and catch up to it. They proceed to whoop its <laughs> monkey ass, tearing its limbs and guts from it. <laughs> I'm a little torn because it, <laughs> it's hilarious. I was like, at least they're not roasting him, but at the same time, they're just punching this uh, spider to death. It's way too yeah, easy. Yeah, you are not gonna do PW like that, man. <laughs> Don't <laughs> see if it was the clown, he wouldn't take that shit. Yeah, he would not. No. This is fucking wimp spider. Yeah, he wouldn't. <laughs> But they finally pull out the spider's heart. The deadlights illuminate their shadows, holding it up over to them. It's like they're doing a ceremony. Yeah. I don't know. It's, like, I, it's so funny. They're, well, it's like they're all holding it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. 
But finally, the spider dies. I say finally. It's very quick. Yeah. Dude, this, this yeah. final battle, I have to admit, is very it's underwhelming yeah. to me. Yeah. Because it's over in like five minutes. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is. If that. Yeah. Listen. They came prepared. It also yeah. made me laugh that Mike had boxes and boxes of supplies with hard hats and stuff, and they brought none yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like brought flashlights. How long he's been accumulating that shit? No shit. <laughs> Jesus. Bill remembers that he has a wife and rushes back into the other room. <laughs> one by one, the kids start coming back down from their webs on the ceiling, including Audra. Outside in the barrens, Richie carries Eddie's body. Bev and Ben hold each other, and Bill tends to Audra, who is alive but still catatonic. I think as a kid, him holding Eddie and carrying him out, I'm like, he's fucking fine. Like, he's just asleep. Again, he fell from a small height. (laughs) Yes, he'll be okay. I did completely forget that motherfuckers were floating in here. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget that from the miniseries. They they only care about Audra. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who those kids are. (laughs) That kid, Matthew's like, we're the dead kids. Yeah. (laughs) Since he's their spokesman. (laughs) We see them huddled up as children after they defeated Pennywise for the first time. Mike's voice says that this is the way he wants to remember them, if he could remember them, standing by the lake as the sun went down on their childhood. He says that this will be his last entry. The fog in his brain is taking away his memories. This is always something that I hated about the book, too. Mm-hmm. I don't like that they forget. It's sad. Like, yeah, it, it's it, weird. It hurts my feelings. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, I was like, is he forgetting because they did kill him? Or yeah. It's like, but I don't... Yeah, I think it's that's over what it's, now. Uh, yeah, but it hurts. But we see Mike in his chair at the hospital writing in his journal. He continues. It's only been weeks, but he can't remember it on his own, only from the pages of his journal. Police involvement was brief, as it always is in Derry. Now that they don't need a lighthouse keeper anymore, he may move on. But I'm like, what about Henry's body? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mrs. Casper seems like the type to sue. I don't yeah. know. I feel like this I would, would not just quietly go away. Well, I mean, police involvement was minimal. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. She seems litigious. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But Richie has a part in a movie now, co-starring with a comic that looks and acts just like Eddie. That broke my heart. Yes. Yeah. We see a clip of Richie acting on a slapstick movie set. Was that just Dennis Christopher wearing a mustache? Because we don't Probably. see his face. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> As we see Bev driving a convertible and Ben cozying up to her, Mike tells us that they left Derry together and headed west. After a week, they were married, and a few weeks later, they broke another curse by getting pregnant. Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Bill and Audra are still in Derry, and Audra is still catatonic. Mike says that they're leaving today, and we see Bill leading Audra outside to leave. Mike says that Bill thought time away from work would help her, but Audra's gone for good. I'm like, thanks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> but that bitch is done <laughs> Mike, please. Yeah, I know. It's just in his journal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only for him. It's underlined. Dunsky. <laughs> Another casualty of it locked away in its deadlights. Bill visits him every day and they laugh about losing their memories. Sometimes they can't even remember each other's names. And Mike only wishes there was something he could do to help Bill's profound sadness. First of all, that makes me want to cry. They're forgetting yeah. their names. I, know. I was like, what the and hell? And just laughing about it. Yeah. Names. Bill gets Just o- repeat it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Marsh. Beverly Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> Bill gets Audra into the back of the cab, but sees Silver sitting next to Mike's shed. He hears his child self voice call out, Hi-oh, Silver, away, and tells the cabbie to wait. 
He places Audra on his bike in front of him and tells her that this bike saved his and Stan's life once. They went so fast that they beat the devil. And he doesn't know if he can go that fast again, but he's going to try. Bill takes off down the road, leaving the cabbie scratching his head in confusion. He's like, what's yeah. up with this guy? Uh, so you're taking the bike instead? Yeah, or? I same thing, Am I still guy. supposed yeah. to wait? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he chants for Audra to beat it, but she still stares blankly. Bill continues to ride, nearly causing multiple traffic accidents, and suddenly Audra's hand clamps down on his shoulder. She wakes up and asks where they are and what they're doing. He tells her to just hold on, and they stop in the middle of a busy intersection. Mm-hmm. Cars honk at them, but Bill only smiles, happy to have his wife back. The two kiss as angry motorists get out of their cars. Like, you're about to get your ass (laughs) Mm whipped. But we pan away, but just as the credits roll, we get one more cackle from Pennywise. And the credits roll. So, what did you guys think about the It miniseries? Um, So, that was an ending. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy this. Not having nostalgia attached to it, it didn't kind of, I don't want to say blinded me to some things that, you know what I mean, I could have overlooked. But I think it also helped me realize that this is a good movie without all the extra CGI or the gore or whatever. Mm -hmm. It is a fun movie. These kids are more believable that they are friends than in the new one. The new one, they're just all funny all the time. <laughs> uh, the adults too. Yeah. Not saying anything about the the remake, but this feels more authentic. You I would agree I mean? with that. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy the shit out of this movie. I do have some things uh, when we do ratings. I'll say you know like kind of how you do with the positive and negative. Right. Um, <laughs> but there was a cu- there's a couple of things that I was like, eh. but for the most part, I really enjoyed this. I I'm glad to hear that because it's a long movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I love this so much. It's again, like we said, our childhood. I was going to say on film, but we never fought a clown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I mean, the ending itself makes my heart very warm. There is, I think in the book, this chapter is called Bill Dendro Beats the Devil 2. Yeah. And when I see that header, it like brings a tear to my yeah. eye. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that I... I argue whatever with myself about audra's inclusion in the dairy business yeah but we care so much about bill that we want this to be a happy ending for him. right yeah and so it ends up working no matter what but even though this is a great movie on its own mm-hmm. nostalgia is also a very incredibly powerful thing yeah 100 and so it pushes <laughs> you know it like we've said before it's like getting a visit from an old friend watching this movie yeah. right and so i just i mean can't say enough about it it's great for what it is especially considering the limitations oh yeah yeah. of what an 1100 page book yes and a three-hour time slot yeah on abc yeah Yeah. (laughs) like not even hbo yeah i adore this i know that there are issues frankly i don't care um (laughs) i love it every time i watch it there are moments that are like oh man like we talked about the final (laughs) the final battle Mm. was a little a little mm. lackluster, but in it being lackluster, it was hilarious to me because, <laughs> come on, they're just whooping the spiders yeah. out. That is fucking, that's so funny. But for me, really, the standout is Tim Curry. Oh, God, And yeah. him being in this entire thing, like I said, uh, like less than 20 minutes of screen time for that to be every time what I take away with me, how fucking amazing he is as Pennywise. Right. I read, I don't know if it's completely true, but... 
I read that he has a horrible fear of clowns. Really? And so every time that he would be on set doing his thing, he put in his contract that there be no mirrors or reflective surfaces so that he didn't have to see himself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how true that is, but... That seems like a lot. He he channeled uh, whatever fear right into Pennywise because it's just... I really love... I, I know I'm... I don't... I don't know if you do, John Paul. I know T doesn't like Skarsgård's Pennywise. I will say I don't like I don't like what they did with it as far as his costume design. Uh-huh. Right. I think that it is admirable how much of himself he puts into it. Right. Yes. I just prefer Tim Curry. That's the thing I was gonna say. I feel like he does a really good job of being scary and disturbing. Right. But Tim Curry was fucking scary. And he brought that playfulness. He's still a clown at the end of the day. Yeah. Like we're trying to eat these children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if they're scary they have to already, come over to you. Gonna, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But he just he amazes me. He's amazing. Uh Tim Curry for life. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess we can go into ratings. Um for me it's really more of the same. The uh you know, as an adaptation, it's not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to, like you said, think about the limitations that were imposed. And I think with what they had, they did a decent job. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I cannot divorce myself away from the nostalgia. It's just impossible. Honestly, when I rewatched this, um, when we covered the other ones, I gave it a five out of five on Letterboxd. <laughs> and I'm going to try to reel myself in because I know it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's perfect to me if that makes sense it really takes me back to being a kid and it's almost like gateway horror oh yeah you know it's it's just i love it so much i will always love it i know that there are parts that are cheesy if i told my kids to watch this they'd probably be like really a fucking spider or whatever (laughs) and i you know have to mush their faces but (laughs) (laughs) it's always going to be special to me and especially tim curry I'm torn between a 0.5 and a full number. Uh-huh. Uh I'm going to give the 0.5 for nostalgia. Okay. Um, and again, I know this is too high. I really, again, don't give a shit at the end of the day. Y'all are lucky <laughs> I didn't give it a fucking 10. Uh, <laughs> on a scale from 1 to 10, blood-filled balloons, I'm going to give the 1990 It miniseries 9 out of 10 blood-filled balloons. This is my childhood Come for me if you want to. (laughs) I'm not losing any sleep over it. It should be 10 out of 10. It's perfect. And I will now open up the floor. (laughs) Well, I can't go that high. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I said, sometimes I do get the nostalgia. You know what I mean? I, uh, and, and I, I think my only problem with the remake Pennywise is like you said, the outfit. Yeah. Other than that, I, I, I do like him as a, as Pennywise or a different version of Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both horrifying for different reasons. I like Tim Curry's Pennywise because there is no CGI. It's like, oh my God, that's <laughs> fucking terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But then Skarsgård's is like CGI and it's like, oh my God, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he does so a great it, job. Yeah, it's just two very different. It is. It's, it's, there's, it's hard to try to compare them because it's, they're not, he's not doing a Tim Curry version of Pennywise. He's doing his version of Pennywise, which is commendable. Right. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, uh, at the beginning, I think I'm just kind of spoiled by the CGI and the better things look now with movies. And, 
I I told your sister I like this movie and the way they tell the story better, mm-hmm. but I want everything in the budget the remake had for this one. I can totally understand because that. Because for sure. There's no telling how fucking godlike well Tim Curry, you know what I mean? Yeah. Already is, but that his Pennywise could have been with that budget or being able to create that CGI or those effects or whatever. Like how fucking you would it would be one of those movies. Is like why are you remaking it? Yeah, you, know I mean? you wouldn't you even doing? want to yeah. touch it. We would be like, uh, how is this so yeah, good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I I when they go to fight him in the sewer is where you completely lose me. Uh-huh. I uh, get from it. There I totally on, get it. I was like, damn, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fuck out of this movie till you did this and i was like man i was like oh my god i was like please don't and then they went in uh i don't enjoy the children or the whatever being spiderweb to the wall i enjoyed them floating better than the remake because they were floating again um yeah i mean like you like he's been promising right them. yeah because yeah. they were not floating they, they all were you'll web to the too wall. yeah <laughs> this is the best i can do <laughs> guys really spider-man what the fuck <laughs> i'm clowning on a budget yeah, no. <laughs> but this movie was good i really enjoyed the shit out of this movie mm-hmm. uh the one-liners, the bullshit he's doing. Like I said, but to me, again, he was... I don't ever feel like he was scary. He was more just annoying and a dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't ever like... I, he's like, I'm just going to eat you. You know what I mean? Whatever. But half the time he was given fucking, you know, shit constantly. Mm-hmm. You, hey, fat boy, kiss me and whatever. And then he's yeah. fucking, your dad this and you're a piece of shit. And it's like, all right, dude. I know. I'm yeah. crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, please, no more, dude. He's <laughs> like, like, all right, I get it. I'm going away. Um, the remake ending isn't as good either. Them shit talking him till he's nothing. But I'm not going to lie. I kind of prefer that. Like mm. that at least had Pennywise in, in the final that's, scene. That's fair. Um, but I did enjoy this. If you've never seen it, uh, I'm going to say like me because I seen it the once and I never remembered it. So I'm not even going to call that as a fucking watch because right. I didn't remember shit. But watch this. This is very good. The story is, is more believable. The kids being friends, the adults being friends, the pacing, so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I get the, the restrictions they had and whatever, but I just wish I want more. Mm-hmm. I want the remakes budget for this original movie. If only. And I, yeah. and I know, yeah. But I mean, it, but saying all that, on a scale from one to ten, blood-filled balloons, I'm gonna give it 1990 a seven out of ten. Wow! I do, I did enjoy it, and like I said, the only thing in it, and and I know, but it did the ending hurt it a lot. I don't care about you driving on your bike with your wife, dude. I you like, brought her back. Yeah, that's not bringing you back. That <laughs> stop that. I'm and, not putting you on a bike and then like over. that bike means nothing to her. Well, but, I mean, does. but she woke up because she was like, "You're gonna fucking kill us, dude! Stop! <laughs> like, so you're we're dead." I was playing the whole time. I was like, "Stop!" Uh, why though? Because yeah, she I, didn't want to deal with this bullshit. I saw I you fucking kissing yeah. Beverly. Yeah. Much. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I for me, I, I saw it kind of almost as him reclaiming his past. Yeah. And using something from his past to write his present right and I, I think that's the thing that it works i think that again if we care more about audra like we do in the book right it makes a lot more sense okay yeah okay. so i i get you it's <laughs> just yeah it was a little weird but um no i i love this movie 
again, positives, of course, Tim Curry. Yeah. He is just amazing. Not enough can be said about his performance and dedication to this mm-hmm. fucking character. Uh, the chemistry between both the kid actors and the adult actors. Yeah. It is remarkable. You feel like they're friends. Oh, yeah. It all flows very well, like you said, but the pacing. Mm-hmm. Want to call out the music? Yes. Love the oh, music. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So good. And how faithful it is to the characters. Mm-hmm. The fact that we get Mike being Mike. Yeah. Yes. That's very important. That, to me. Yes. Yeah. And like I said earlier, real quick, just I, I've never even read the book. And these characters seeing this, they are to me what the characters should yeah. be. Yeah. Instead of the remake. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I feel more comfortable you being Richie. Uh-huh. You, you're Mike. You're, you know what I mean? You're Ben. This is who you should have been. In the fucking remake. Mm-hmm. This is what they should have tried to do. And the ensemble gels because yeah. each person has a purpose. Yep. Oh, yeah. It just, I don't know. I like it. I do think that Stan could have had more to do. I mean, I feel like as a rule, Stan doesn't. Yeah, like, <laughs> in every adaptation, <laughs> he's we'll just, just really- uh, yeah, keep him over here. But as far as the negatives go, gotta be honest, the second part isn't as strong as the first yeah. part. Yeah. But I think Didn't that's just. Didn't even Tommy Lee Wallace say that? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that. It helps in a way because you kind of intersperse them together. Right. And so you got part two that still has elements of part one. Mm-hmm. So it works and it makes it to where you're not just focused on just the adults. Right, right. So yeah. I mean, it's fine. But again, like JP said, the spider finale, I think they could have done. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're if we're going to change some things, let's just dude, Tim Curry's kicking ass all fucking day. Yeah. Let's just bring him back. Yeah. You know, but, you know, nostalgia, again, is a powerful thing. I, for whatever reason, the second the spider comes out, I know it looks not so great, but I love it. Yeah. yeah. But I think that that fight could have been better. Uh, better choreographed, but that's kind <laughs> of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let him get a few more licks in. But to sum it all up, on a scale from one to ten blood-filled balloons, I am going to give the It miniseries from 1990 an 8.5 out all of right. 10. Okay. I. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, it's it's a blanket. It's a warm, yeah. <laughs> it's a warm Absolutely. blanket. Absolutely. <laughs> And I thought it was interesting, even it being a miniseries. Yeah. It yeah. was one of our most requested films yeah. <laughs> to cover. That's why. Well, I mean, I know we had toyed with the idea of covering it at all because mm-hmm. it's, you know. Very long. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're like, shit, it's the 100th episode. Yeah. yeah. We've had five people ask for it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, why not? Yeah. Try to make it special. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate the It miniseries and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, when it seems like you're living in a nightmare, the best you can do is to find your people and make a stand. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yeah. Yeah. Beep, beep, stair holes. (laughs) (laughs) A special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Husten, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, 
Applin, Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Garrett Rogers, Jordan Roberts, Danielle Peralta, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Alex Schultz, Jordan Blevins, Michelle Moore, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, Michael Newding, Alexius Roberts, and Dan Laveau. Ooh, Thank yeah. you. Wow. Thank you all for being part of our little Losers Club. Yes. Yeah. It's been 100 yeah. episodes, man. I know. Unbelievable. Can't believe it's 100. No. no. Doesn't even fail that long, huh? Oh, well, in some ways. Yes and no. Yes and no. (laughs) Well, when we're having fun. Yeah. uh, The time does fly. Just like Tim Curry. Yes. When you're not working. (laughs) (laughs) But for all your support, kindness, and love, we appreciate it. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. 100 Mm. percent. (laughs) Very good. Get it? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh 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 (laughs) Until next time.